Ja. Wieso? God. What a horrible dream. I, I just I, I dreamt there that it was the 4th of January. And it completely missed Christmas and not edited a Christmas episode. Oh look, there's George. George, how are you? You alright? The year is 1965 and you and I are undercover detectives on the hot rod circuit. Now let's burn rubber, baby! Speedway Squad, in colour! Wait, so that was all a dream. Oh, maybe it's not the 4th of January and maybe this I can get the Christmas episode out on time. Hello, ho, ho, everybody, and welcome to the 2020 Purple Podcast Christmas Special. Uh, yes, we are doing a fourth one of these. You didn't ask for it, but here it is. I am George Thompson, your intrepid host, and with me, Daniel Baker and David Forrest. How are you doing, lads? Uh, all right. Distinctly average. Six out of ten. <laughs> Six out of ten. Turned into yeah. a big spaz. Yeah, it yes, has, yeah. Um, it's an improvement from last week, though, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, yes, indeed, and we're, um, uh, it is actually December, so we're not doing the Jules Holland, so we are at least um, uh, feeling... Uh, you see this? No. This is coming out in, like, August. So. <laughs> yes, yeah. I, I hope I hope you're all, you're all juiced to the gills on the Pfizer vaccine. <laughs> and, uh, and any other vaccines that have been rolled out uh, in time. I'm, I'm 50% Sputnik. I'm 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 as buoyant as Mark Kerr at an early Pride Fighting Championship. So we we are it, you know we'll we'll get onto it. It's been a weird year, hasn't it, guys? So um, but what what we thought is uh, to bring a little bit of sunshine into everyone's uh, life uh, to the best extent we can. We're still going to do the um, Christmas special. Uh, it's going to be a little bit different from. Uh, before we're not doing uh, Secret Santa for uh, you know COVID reasons, and also because I've already been given the greatest gift of all, as I was saying to Sarah last night, and that is the immortal science of Marxism-Leninism. So uh, <laughs> we're, all, we're all good here. 
So, uh, but before uh, before we uh, do anything uh, Christmassy, I'm going to give you the long-awaited update on our apparent Nebraska fan base. So you may remember on a previous episode, not a Christmas special as I remember it, but uh, I had taken a look at the SoundCloud analytics and realised that we had a curiously high number of visitors from the great state of Nebraska to the extent where uh, three of the five cities that we had the most listeners in the history of the podcast, two of which I had not heard of, were in Nebraska. Um, so I wondered, like, uh, you know, we've uh, obviously gone to great lengths to cultivate our Nebraskan fan base in the last 18 months. And I wanted to look at the analytics uh, for this year and to see um, see if that is still the case. And I am uh, disappointed to report that actually uh, we have really fallen off the map in Nebraska. Now, you may think that this might be due to uh, us doubling down on our, let's face it, flagrantly far left politics and uh, alienating the good red state folk. But lest we forget in the we don't pres- like them Stalinist <laughs> types here in Nebraska. <laughs> That's the real red state. But um, I, I, I love it how our geography is just so hackneyed that we we're sort of casting like people that are basically in the Midwest of the American. Like, oh no, Daniel, like, I'm fully aware that Nebraska is not like, in the South. I just like doing that. Just like it's actually just a Texan in a ten-gallon hat. Like I'm from the great state of Nebraska. <laughs> it's okay. Apparently, no Nebraskans are listening anymore, so they won't be offended. But um, yeah, well, fuck I, a lot I, of you. Yeah, and fuck bright eyes and cursive too. They were shit. <laughs> I, uh, I, th- I thought. I um, thought. So I thought maybe they'd been turned off by our far left politics. But lest we forget, in the uh, recent presidential election in the second congressional district of Nebraska, the good people there did vote for the far left Marxist Irish nationalist <laughs> Joe the Real IRA didn't go far enough Biden. So I don't know um, whether that was the case or not. Now far be it from me to suggest that those Nebraskan uh, listeners were bots of some kind. Uh, perish the. Th- thought but um i don't i I don't know what to tell you but what i have got for us is the actual top 10 of uh, places that we have listened to us um so uh number 10 we have dublin which is uh always always good expected yeah we will lead us to the republic um ninth is edinburgh again yeah exactly you'll have more fun at a glasgow funeral than an edinburgh wedding (laughs) that's true um eighth is um the birthplace of comrades barry and paul rotherham very good and uh seventh is manchester your uh, old uh, stomping Ah, ground daniel sixth is newcastle your current stomping ground i'm just gradually gradually docked new city by city yeah both of those are probably just me (laughs) (laughs) yes i would imagine so um uh fifth is the great city of new york (laughs) new york <laughs> we've Get made the it. 10 gallon hats out all those rednecks in new york that we know and love oh, Broadway, so y'all. <laughs> um, uh, fourth is leeds which again is probably just me um yep. third curiously enough now we're getting into really weird territory um so far it's been like quite normal but yep. we're getting into strange territory now so third is mountain view california which is uh right not a place i've heard of at all um second is north sounds Bergen. nice though doesn't it it view, sounds california. lovely uh sounds second like, is like a drink yeah, yeah. <laughs> mountain dew green flavor um, <laughs> so uh second is north bergen new jersey which um again i've not heard of and right. does not sound as nice as mountain view and um one is a place which uh, combines the two in that it has a mountain but is maybe not that nice and that is gibraltar, gibraltar. <laughs> yeah gibraltar's number one by quite a way and i'm really really not sure like why that would be if we're popular in tax havens like i mean thanks for listening yeah. but uh you you ask them um <laughs> our good friend patrick yeah, I, I reader the, uh, accepted yeah 
uh, as as uh, Sarah pointed out to me when I told uh, told her, this does mean that uh, two of the places in our top ten are uh, name checked in the song "Fake Tales of San Francisco" by the Arctic Monkeys, which of course contains the line, "And yeah, I'd love to tell you all my problem. You're not from New York City, you're from Rotherham." This ha- this has the makings of a QAnon style conspiracy. <laughs> Everything's got the makings pack. of the of a QAnon yeah. style conspiracy. Um, yeah, I, 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 I mean, look, do your own research, guys. Yeah, just do your own research. <laughs> I'd uh, not, you know I don't agree with everything David Icke says, but he's asking some questions, isn't he? Well, exactly. Yeah. He's saying what we're all thinking, George. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got some honourable mentions for you if you if you'd like to hear them. Yeah, on you go. Okay. Um, so. Um, uh, num- number 16, we are uh, very big in the Moscow Troll Factory and Mr. Seamus Milne, so that's um, that's oh, very that's good. Um, 20, 27 <laughs> is uh, Glasgow, so uh, David that's clearly letting the side down at listening to this podcast in uh, contrast with Leeds and Newcastle. I, yeah, I'll have yeah. you know, I listen to more hours of this fucking nonsense than anyone because I am the one that sits and edits in the mill. You know, <laughs> atoms, six of them, send them away. I, I'm, I'm done the pits making this dog shit right and <laughs> i don't need this, this number 31 is um another entry for the lads it's belfast and um uh, probably the most perplexing one to me even more so than uh, mountain view california whatever the fuck that is is at number 42 the modern progressive city of Riyadh. <laughs> wow yeah I, 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 no clue Sound I mean, analytics they just love all strange. the Goldberg chat. That is what it is. <laughs> they are yeah. fucking mental for Goldberg and The Undertaker, who we have uh, repeatedly praised to the hilt on our WrestleMania reviews. Exactly. <laughs> well, um, yeah. I would like to take this time to mention uh, a shout out to my other podcast, Strollers or Draw, the quintessential part of podcast, Jags Cast in the Mud. They, but we, I, I'm the one who puts it up in SoundCloud and I had a look at our analytics. And uh, Comrade Reese Haldane, part of the podcast, uh, official fan, good guy. Um, he um, puts it on at night uh, when he goes to sleep and just mutes it and puts it on an infinite loop. So he's listened to our podcast about five and a half thousand times. <laughs> we only started in February, and I was like, "Can he actually like have physically listened to all of that?" And it's like he, he kept it, he kept this big secret uh, for ages. And I was just like, "I, I," he's just like, "Please don't tell people how I live." Like Lenny, just <laughs> constantly streaming our podcast to get us up the charts. Because our first episode, it was like five thousand people had listened to it. I'm like, "Wow, we're big. This is this is better than the shitty Puropuri numbers." And then that kind of went down my lead bloom, and Reese had to go back to college and stuff like that. It was just, it was just carnage. Hang, um, yeah. hang your head in shame, David. <laughs> hand back your Pardic Thistle Award or whatever, whatever it was you won. Oh yeah, I would like to say because I know they don't listen to this. Where's my fucking certificate? I'm still waiting on the certificate. Um, yeah. Sack the board. Sack the boards. Yeah. Um, so that that's as far as it goes for the SoundCloud analytics. That is uh, obviously the most scintillating way to uh, start the Merry Christmas special that we have lined up for you. But um, a little bit of a change of pace. We have got the uh, the usual curtain raiser to our uh, Christmas special, which is the Q and A. Uh, so sourced from the lovely people on Twitter and on Facebook. Shh. Shark and take a breath. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, I'm looking. I've, I've I've grouped them together into themes. So right. um, uh, the first question is um, uh, Sarah Parkin uh, of uh, Big Egg Podcasting Universe uh, Renown. Uh, have your views changed at all over this year about the pedestrianisation of Norwich City Centre? Um, <laughs> Steadfastly not. No. Uh, no. I, not not I, even I, the I, COVID. Nope. I remain intransigent on this position. It is uh, it, it is a deal breaker for me. Um, the socialist demand should never change as regards uh, the uh, pedestrianisation of Norwich High Street, uh, and that is that is quite simply that. Okay, that's that is the the final word on the situation. 
David, you on, you on mute? In protest, that's why. <laughs> exactly. I'm convicted uh, of journalism. <laughs> I'm doing a Sinn Féin. Um, I think that Sarah has forgotten a really vital point about this argument is that people need access to Dixons. <laughs> they they do uh, they do and uh, Dixons having gone out of business uh, uh, long ago does not uh, does not change the fact that they do still need access to Dixons. RBX2000 on Twitter asks why do my knees hurt? Um, probably <laughs> because because you're Kenta Kabashi. <laughs> Damn it! I was going to make the same joke with but with Tanahashi. <laughs> <laughs> I would ask is, is he get any previous medical um sort of ailments with any like for example I, I dislocated my knee when I was sixteen. Uh, it was quite bad. I, I had to go to like physiotherapy and stuff like that for a while yeah. and that. And uh, now in, in the cold when it's uh, it was quite cold, it still hurts. So it's probably the cold if you've aggravated an injury in the past. Knees are well, absolutely I, like just the most fragile part of the body. Like they um, really are. A, a few years ago I like cracked my kneecap on the corner of the bed frame in the spare room at my old flat and then it hurt for like nine months was, was um, that an over enthusiastic nookie or nighttime accident? no no not at all i just walked into it because i'm a fucking idiot <laughs> there you go and uh, welcome to the physiotherapy puro podcast physiotherapy puri podcast fuck's yeah. sake i mean there's been enough physiotherapy in puro uh, over the years let's let's be honest beyond like you know a lot of the new japan main eventers <laughs> Do you remember that 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 bit on uh, uh, this morning with Richard and Judy back in the day, where there'd be that uh, uh, doctor with the nice Northumbrian lilt, lilt that, the, that, that they'd get on to sort of talk is about. I don't want to always put a glass over your arm to check if you get meningitis. And I believe spot. it was. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. And because of him, my mum basically wouldn't let me lick the fucking spoon every time she made a cake for years because he put salmonella into her head. Um, and then he was also responsible as well for yet yeah, my mum constantly when I had a, was a teenager and suffering from acne as you do as a teenager um, she would constantly be pressing glass on me to make sure that I was uh, not uh, suffering from meningitis and I was like no I'm just a spotty unpopular cunt it's, uh, it's, it's basically like you, you end up looking like those um like a wrestler halfway through the G1 who is like feeling a bit, your Tenzans basically, who decides they're feeling a bit sore and they get the cupping done on their back and then they look like they've been in a rather intimate tryst with the Cunnilingus octopus from that painting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or they're just trying to cover up their rampant roid rash. <laughs> yes, I mean, it could be uh, My could favorite be one, could Mega be Drive game. <laughs> <laughs> um, at Downward Spirals on, uh, on Twitter asks us, here is a cue for your collective A's. Who is the Mount Rushmore of unappreciated 90s Joshi? Ooh. So um, I, I think if we named four each, that might take quite a long time. So if we have like one each and then a sort of collective uh, collective agreement on the fourth uh, member, because everyone knows Teddy Roosevelt really deserved to be on there. <laughs> uh, exactly. Well, first, uh, first ballot Hall of Famer, uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's clearly Bison Kimura, like quite obviously. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, I, mean, I would go Bison Kimura, Grizzly Aromoto and just turn the rest into a Tesco. That's what I would do. <laughs> yes, if you want to uh, know more of David's thoughts about Bison Kimura, I believe it is uh, episode... I want to say episode three or four. It's all of them, to be honest. Yes, it is. Yes, but there is one in particular where we focus on a match of hers. Um, yeah, I believe it's episode three. Yes. Um, so, uh, yes, a sort of un- unheralded hero of uh, 90s Joshi. Wrestling Yamamoto, uh, very on brand for this. Do you know what she'd done after she, she left wrestling? Uh, no. She became a dominatrix. Fantastic. And, and I, I've been searching the yellow pages of Hokkaido ever <laughs> since. Um, alas, not yet. 
as long as you haven't <laughs> yellowed any pages for any reason. Um, <laughs> She's extra, no. extra mate. Yes, um, uh, I, I've got one. I've got a shout for you. Um, so I'm actually going to go with uh, Mariko Yoshida. Ooh, very um, good shout. Probably, I would say best known. I did. Uh, would you guys agree? Best known for um, probably her work in. I can never pronounce. Do you say Arshin or Arsion? I say Arshin, but like Arshin, I'm okay. almost certainly correct. But I mean, it doesn't really matter how you pronounce it because it's not a real word. <laughs> oh, so that's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, for those that haven't seen uh, much of her run there, um, very distinctive for a number of reasons. First of all, because she's she works a very kind of like um, fusion shoot style kind of mm. uh, 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 sort of style. And she does so uh, uh, incredibly effectively, really well and really realistically, very in a very hard hitting style. And she also does it in one of the most badass fucking outfits that any Joshi wrestler has ever worn, which is like this black and red sort of like spider type. Um, yeah, it's, uh, ve- it's very much like uh, Tom Hardy's Venom. It is very much like that. And it's kind of like, um, if I remember correctly, it's kind of like um, uh, uh, a sort of one, like a, a, a one piece uh, sort of thing. Um, and it's kind of, um, uh, it, it looks kind of like shiny and sort of leathery. So she looks kind of like a sort of superhero while she does it, but she's got like shoot, uh, uh, shoot wrestling boots on. Um, it's cool as fuck. Um, and she was a fantastic worker. And I think basically, probably if she'd been around, um, uh, she, de- she debuted in like the late eighties, I think, but she didn't really. Yeah, she get did. We, um, later. We, we covered uh, which her. Is a shame. We covered a match of hers on uh, Big Egg Podcasting Universe, and mm. like she's really not wrestling in that style at no. that point. But like she really hit her stride after leaving uh, AJW, yeah. which is it's something you can say of a lot of sort of workers who were have maybe been lost to history a little bit. I'm thinking of people like uh, Kumiko Makawa, for instance, mm. who like really carried AJW a lot in like the the early 2000s. Uh, mm. pe- people like that. Um, I would have to go. I I don't know if like Toshio Yamada would count as um, unappreciated because she was a really big deal, but I feel like she never gets uh, her due in comparison with people like Toyota, Arjikong, Kira Hokuto. And I would say she was as good as Toyota at her peak, if if not better. She just doesn't uh, really get that. Um, she doesn't really get that recognition. But I would uh, plump for someone outside of AJW, and that would be Cutie Suzuki. Who, yeah, because um, yeah. Yeah, again, we, we again someone we have uh, mentioned on our sister podcast uh, in episode six, where we talked about idol wrestlers and uh, Sarah did a really good job of going into how because she was she's very slightly built and she uh, had all of this buzz uh, from like her modeling, uh, the video game uh, photo books, things like that. She didn't really get her due as a worker. People thought she was just a pretty face. And if you look at her matches, she, she's actually very good. Uh, in the ring uh, at playing her role she's fantastic at selling she's got some like fairly eye-catching offense and she's been in some uh, tremendous matches albeit with uh, people who are you know some of the greatest uh, wrestlers of all time and i think to be uh, a star of that magnitude while not even wrestling for ajw uh, apart from the crossover shows uh, working for jwp and still being this huge crossover star like that i think really speaks volumes to uh, what she had so i would i would say cutie suzuki would probably be my choice um, so that's three. Uh, anyone want to proffer a fourth? Oh, uh, David said Grizzly Yamamoto, I guess. So uh, yeah, can have her. Yeah, have, go on. Have her as the fourth, I guess. Yeah, all right. We'll, we'll get get the chisels out uh, tomorrow, lads, and we'll start uh, working at the safe distance and uh, crafting, uh, hewing it from the living rock. Yeah, um, do 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 let us know your responses to that. By the way, whoever it was that um that, uh, that yes, asked the question. Uh, add, add downward spirals. 
the, the, the Joshi recommendations I've gotten this year from that particular section of Twitter have generally been really good. Um, and often things that I wouldn't normally have, uh, have watched just because I wouldn't normally have time. Um, so yeah, um, uh, let us know what you think of that, because I know for a fact that those that have asked those kind of questions have probably got their own ideas of what the answers would be. And it would be nice to, uh, to know in case I've, uh, I've missed any runs from the past that I should be made aware of. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a, a similar question, but with a different focus. This is from uh, our good comrade at Oregano Block on Twitter. Uh, please list your top five Joshi stars and their chip shop order. He says brackets five each. We will absolutely not be doing this. Um, we'll again, we'll, we we'll do fucking really Easter. Uh, yes, yeah, so, uh, so we'll, we'll do uh, five between us. I've got a really obvious one yeah. uh, to start off with, which is um, noted daughter of Wigan, Mako Satamura. Of course, his, her chip shop order would be the Smack Bomb Pay Wet with, <laughs> yeah, a, with a, a Wigan kebab on the side and a Babby Jed. I, I, I think so. Um, uh, if, it was for, if it's for me here, I'm going to go for uh, Shinobu Kandori. Um, she would, uh, she'd waltz in. She'd go straight up to the counter and she'd just order one saveloy, nothing else, just one singular saveloy, and she'd eat it with great disdain and menace, slowly, whilst looking at the uh, at the tender, uh, and then walk out without paying. Because who the fuck's going to stop her? <laughs> Sh- Shinobu Kandori MP, and, and because she's a right wing MP, uh, I don't I don't know how it is in foreign countries, but in this country, if you're from the right wing governing party, you can just do what the fuck you want, and like yeah, no one's going to call you out for it at all. Um, so uh just like go go and like steal food from takeaways fucking go nuts no one cares steal steal food from the homeless no one gives a shit it's a great country we live in isn't it Uh, david have you got another question for us before we really kick off see i am i i i am as you may know i am very very hardline on my chip shop views I take it from my dad, who famously won't go to a Chinese for about five months after it opens because he wants the pots to get dirty. Um, uh, he just thinks it's too clean. He doesn't like it. But I don't go to the Blue Lagoon, obviously. I don't go to chip shops that sell kebabs because you can't do the two. You, you do one or the other. No, that's um, fair enough. Yeah, you're like they're selling kebabs just to make money. They're not doing it as an art. It's not, it's yeah. not a craft. It's just, it's no. it's it's a it's a commodity at that point, and it's not not worth any money try to think my my go-to uh, my go-to chip shop order is a haddock supper haddock not cod uh i will not be like cod Ooh, interesting. we we literally had this debate uh, last weekend when i was yeah. uh, uh visiting home in uh, perfectly covid compliant circumstances yes we uh, we we had the debate and haddock tends to be smaller than cod in my experience mm. well you say that i up here it, it's not usually you'll get two cod uh, and one haddock, but one haddock's bigger. So I'd like to give a shout out to the greatest chippy in Glasgow, the Chip Chicken uh, in Annex Land. Uh, it's part of the cholesterol triangle because uh, it's got the, it had the best Indian, had the best chippy, and had the best Chinese within about 200 yards of each other in Glasgow. The cholesterol triangle, I call it. Um, but they, isn't, isn't the entirety of Glasgow just one cholesterol triangle? <laughs> oh, yes. It's more yes. an amorphous uh, polyhedron. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, like, my my go-to one would be i was trying to i was trying to think of who would have a haddock supper because it's it's down the middle it's it's traditional fare good old honest british fare made by a jewish immigrant from the netherlands and i was i I was kind of struggling with this but i i think misawa would go for a haddock supper (laughs) (laughs) you're okay like he's got trouble with his tights right he's got a waistline that's just all over the shop right (laughs) 
and but he's not he's not fucking about do you know what i mean like he's not he's not one of these people that you know pours over the menu and he said no. maybe maybe i'll get a king rib right or, or and then but and then he gets something mad like a fucking hawaiian pizza or something like come on camden like <laughs> fish supper haddock not cod if it's cod they're getting tiger driver 91 um, <laughs> haddock not cod misawa final answer chris if if it's like uh, his uh, noted appearance at uh, International Showdown at the Coventry Skydome, he will be puffing on a fag while he is standing outside oh, yeah. uh, waiting oh, for yeah. his order to work. Uh, he would go to chip shops he... or exclusively sell fags. You know how you get, <laughs> yes. you don't get takeaways that sell toilet roll yeah. and yeah. fags? Yes. It'd be one I, of those he'd go to. I reckon Masawa, before that performance at the, at the Coventry Skydome, had inhaled uh, a couple of battered sausages at least, uh, <laughs> possibly with uh, with chips and gravy. Um, I, I mean, by the way he was moving <laughs> I mean you know our, 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 uh, the produce of our chippies is going to be officially protected by the uh, the our brave boys of the Royal Navy from oh, uh, January fantastic. the 1st the, the gunboats are out in, in, uh, in force and they are going to stop the dastardly French stealing our white bait hey, it takes you protect- back this isn't it like, they're, uh, they're is protecting anyone- the cod <laughs> they're protecting cod so I look forward to me and a French sailboat Manning a fucking surface-to-air missile, taking out the yeah. British Navy. It's it's been far too long. I feel like we should just go murder some Argentinian teenagers or something. God, God the, some like you can tell, you can tell this country is just like on its fucking knees morally when like the flag shaggers are even trying to impose state borders on a shoal of fucking hake. As lo- as long as this doesn't affect the filming for season four of uh, Mortimer and White House Gone Fishing, I don't care. Like just fucking. <laughs> <Can> you imagine. <laughs> Bob Mortimer sitting in the lake and then suddenly the fucking the the HMS victory disappears and shot. <laughs> and that is the real quiz. Um, yeah. So um, uh, I've I've got another one. Um, uh, quite simply, I believe that uh, Akira Hokuto will be fond of scraps. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I think so. I I because along that on that line, I had uh, for some reason that the image of Yoshinari Ogawa. <laughs> Um, just um, chowing down on, you know, those little glasses, those little sort of um, glass jars of um, pickled mussels uh, <laughs> that, that nobody actually ever buys, apart from my friend Katie Russell, who once bought some years ago. Uh, but like, um, they no one ever really buys them; they're just sort of there, there for display. I reckon Ogawa would sort of like uh, waltz in with his leather jacket and his uh, his shades, casually order one of those, and just sit eating them all with a toothpick. I've actually just been thinking like I, I imagine the course of, of uh, wrestling history would have been quite different if uh, I don't think for for one second that Akira Hokuto of Kensuke Sasaki would have been able to get up to anything like the sort of energetic level of shagging they reached if no. they both have a stomach full of a big fish supper in Pyongyang. No, that's true. And also, the, maybe, um, uh, you know, maybe Sasaki wouldn't have killed that guy if he'd had a full stomach. <laughs> Well. He'd have just been too sleepy to yeah, beat a man be, to death. Like, allegedly, no, I'm not going training today. No, 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 too tired. Can't be bothered. IBS uh, has just been a bastard today. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, a, that, that's I fine. That, that's fair because like we'll we'll have had two each then. So, Bill Nakano, right? Oh, right. <laughs> he, she she loves a chippy, right? I'm, I'm telling you, she loves a chippy. Straight in with a king rib supper, right? Salt and vinegar on everything. Yes. Uh, two buttered rolls, uh, four fritters, um, a smoked sausage, uh, a glass check of iron brew, uh, four pickled eggs, and uh, some fags as well. Uh, <laughs> some fags. 
Can you, well, I mean, Bill Nakano famously was uh, uh, told by the AJW office to gain weight for her heel role. You went to like putting on the all Savaloy diet. Incredible. <laughs> Like it's, it's a very good job we ne- we uh, well not a very good job that we didn't have a uh, a thriving women's wrestling scene in the 90s in this country because that would have been fucking great but can you absolutely imagine the same situation taking place with the uh, noted mass building foods of the british isles oh god <laughs> like <laughs> she would be dead <laughs> so um, another, another i wash j- myself with prayer <laughs> gonna stick <laughs> that, that you're doing the Nebraska voice again, are you, David? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so uh, next we have uh, from again from uh, Sarah Parkin. Uh, Minami Toyota is at the head of a biker gang. Who do you recruit as her cronies? Oh, no then, no then. Um, Crony 2012. Let's do it. Um, Grand Aniwa, but he only drives sideways, and it's really annoying. <laughs> it is literally a sidecar. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah. Uh, he just sits in the sidecar. Clipping his giant claws as Manami I mean, to a speed I, I mean, in 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 keeping with our, our our extremely problematic ageist joke about uh, Grand Aniwa actually being an old woman, surely you'd be getting around on a mobility scooter. No, Grand Aniwa is <laughs> a crab man. Grand Hamada is the old man. Not though, like Grand Grand Aniwa, Grand Hamada, Grand Apache, all those. <laughs> all the grands. All the grands. Uh, Telling you not to speed on the Scottish roads. <laughs> Do you get these adverts as well? We do. They're all over my Twitter. I think it's probably your fault with the amount of Scotch you follow. It must. Oh, no, like every podcast I listen to is like, what sort of speed do you call this? It, no, it's it, it's that and alpha brain. What was the one? I, I, kept, I got ones for a while. I get adverts to like buy tickets to, be, to join the England Supporters Club <laughs> on like various podcasts. I'm like, what have I been listening to, man? Like, <laughs> What is, the algorithm is really fucked up. It, it really gives you hope that you know that Skynet can never win because of things <laughs> like that. It can never fully be right. My, my my folks used to be members of the England Supporters Club purely when I was a kid to like get me tickets for games. Because I was like, <laughs> you see that? your your dad was there with the brass, wasn't he? Your <laughs> mum and <laughs> oh fuck i mean fuck brass bands in general but particularly fuck that fuck all brass bands apart from the one that was playing at the grocery store deathmatch for, for the biker crony i don't know because like um there have been like multiple stables in ajw which were like patterned off like biker punks um so i feel it like w- w- would be a little bit obvious if i was to say uh for example your your uh, bison kimuras or your crane U's or your grizzly or motos uh so hmm head of a biker gang who do i recruit i've got one I mean, Yoshinari Agawa, because he looks like one of the Baker Mace from Mars. <laughs> he actually does. He's got his little shades <laughs> and his zebra print shorts. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, um, I, I, I've, I've got one. Like, um, can we say that? I, I, I want. I want like Gado to be one of her, because like you know that bandana he like wears i want people to just think he's one of like the uh the hard man drug dealers from breaking bad purely because he's wearing wearing a bandana on his head and then he's just like he's just a like guy who's obsessed with 80s nwa and that is literally all he chats about and he eventually gets shot for talking about how like dick murdoch should have had a five-year run on top of the territory <laughs> um i've got one the perfect one um the sour out of the question absolutely is in a biker gang or in some sort of gang anyway uh, allegedly perfectly <laughs> legitimate motorcycle enthusiasm club yes the kind who are not involved in any uh, extracurricular uh, militia activities uh, oh. in any way 
You just talk about uh, carburetors all the time. That's that. It's great. I, I was sort of going along the lines of a more surreal kind of option um, because uh, I, I don't know why, but I, I kind of thought I would go for the most incongruous looking gang. <laughs> I, I, I don't ask you why, but the first thoughts that I had, in, the very first thoughts that popped into my head were that she, she would be flanked by. Is it a trio that I'm after here? I mean, yeah. it can be any. I mean, look, look, right, we're, 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 they're all like uh, free spirits of the road. There's no uh, yeah. limits on the well, number of people who can be in a bike again. Probably well, the more the better, yeah. actually. Look at Sturgis. I thought, considering it was made up of free spirits, I would have diminutive prancer Wayne Sleep um, <laughs> as, uh, as, as one of them. Um, and then, uh, as well as that, I thought I'm, I would also have a famous bunker dwelling Albanian anti revisionist, <laughs> Enver Hodger. Is it Hoxer or Hodger? Hodger. Hodger. Hodger, yeah, yeah. He, he's in there because obviously, um, you know, you, you need you need a bit of theoretical discipline as well <laughs> if you're going to be in a biker gang. Uh, and then, on top of that, I thought to, to sing a night to, to to write a nice little folk ballad that could be sung in in taverns and hostelries across the land about this ragged band to inspire you know faith in the in the cause. Many year, hundreds of years later, perhaps, um, I would have who else but one of the greatest wandering minstrels of our times, uh, the uh, copper bollocked, craggy toothed, uh, uh, simply red front man Mick Hucknall, um, who could sing a kind of blue eyed soul oh, song about this, this trio. This is you how know. long. Um, 2020 has been it was this year that the official simply read twitter account decided for some oh! reason to say like what are the top five <laughs> coolest races <laughs> do you remember that do you remember when mick hockville literally logged on to the into the worldwide information superhighway, logged into his own twitter account and thought do you know what my thousands upon thousands of followers need to know it is how i rank the races in terms of aesthetic coolness number one the blacks uh was literally what he said I think Flamen- flamenco gypsies was another one flamenco gypsies! <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell. like i i don't know i i um i i feel I like mean- Opening a, up a brave new frontier in the newly respectable academic discipline of eugenics. <laughs> I, I I say total solidarity with Martin McCutcheon for spewing in his hair and making him shave it. Um, yes. I, I, absolutely. Yeah. I have one suggestion that I think, because I was thinking about who are famous bikers that I know, right? And I was I was quite into motorbikes when I was, when I was a kid. My dad uh, was really into them. My, uh, but um, I used to have a quad bike. That was a terrible idea. I nearly died. Um, but I was thinking, if you said to me motorcyclist, who do I think of? And then I remembered um, the episode of The Simpsons when Troy McClure brings in all his surprise witnesses and the two morbidly <laughs> obese bikers come on a mini bikes. So I give to you Ryota Hama and Ake Bono. Oh. <laughs> you, you know those um, motorbike twins were real people. And they were uh, and they were professional wrestlers. Oh they, wow! They used to be in the Guinness Book of Records for being the world's heaviest twins. Like what 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 a great record to have! And Big like, like Daddy, you'll find that Donald Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. But, uh... <laughs> Danny DeVito is only heavy because his brain is so dense with the amount of socialist yes. praxis he has absorbed. That, that that's correct. Yeah, and I was obviously um, using heavy in the kind of a sixties, late sixties, early seventies, post ultimate dark psychedelic meaning of the. Yes, uh, the a- absolutely. Term. And I, I I should also note for the uh, um, RPG fans out there, you can upgrade Wayne Sleep to Wayne Sleepger. So uh, do make a note of that. 
Um, I, 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 looking back at the question, uh, good on you, Daniel, because like it doesn't actually stipulate that you have to recruit wrestlers as her no. cronies. That was uh, my um, my assumption, and I have uh, been uh, thoroughly snafu'd. So uh... well, well, if it wasn't for any, if, 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 if I got knocked back with all those three, I was going to go on more safer ground with Jeff Capes. <laughs> um, just because I thought he'd look funny on a uh, on, on a bike, and Jeff Capes for whatever reason remains the go-to for big lad. Uh, Why he, did he, Jeff he Capes really never do wrestling? Oh, oh, no. Surely, surely, surely. Jeff Capes never did wrestling, but Jimmy Savile did. What a sick country this is! Uh, like, you, yeah. if you look at if you look at the landscape, right, of wrestling of, of the nineties, surely Brit Rest was fertile at the time for like Jeff Capes and the Gladiators and stuff, Wolf. Jimmy Corkill got a a, a, a cameo at an ICW show in Liverpool. So there's absolutely no reason why Jeff Capes can't be going fucking on Broadways with fucking Wolfgang. The Mitchell like, Brothers. Exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, we, like, there should have been a wrestling federation in the 90s in the UK just doing all this, and, and there wasn't. You could have had supermarket sleep death matches. Oh my god, road. yeah. I mean, we've we've long said that like stuff like Gladiators and Robot Wars is the closest thing there was to like televised wrestling yeah. on British telly in the nineties and two thousand. Did I did I tell you about uh, a friend of mine was in a play with a guy who did Panto with Wolf from Gladiators. Oh my god. <laughs> and um and basically he was cast at like the literal height of his Gladiators fame. So Wolf was in a Panto. I, I don't know what role he played, oh, but no, apparently. He wasn't. Uh, very very good um apparently he got paid like 40 grand a week and had like 11 lines but uh Wolf the old wcw contract yeah, absolutely lanny poffo <laughs> uh treading the boards but apparently wolf and gladiator is such a lovely guy you couldn't even begrudge him getting paid that much for that little work because he was just so sound oh well that's good to know because i i wasn't sure of, but you know he responded quite well in the 90s when he was on shooting stars and uh vic reeves memorably asked to kept calling him wilf and also opened by asking him, Wolf, uh, when you were a puppy, did you used to <laughs> did you used to chew your dad's hat and poo in his shoes? <laughs> <laughs> Wolf was the bit was the was the biggest heel in Britwest in the nineties. Oh really yeah, was. Apart from like, Brian he... Dixon, but. Uh, <laughs> um... yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, anyway, anyway, to all the many listeners in uh, in Mount Pleasant in uh, in uh, California, I'm sure this discussion of Jeff Capes, Wayne Sleep, and Wolf from Gladiators is as culturally <laughs> relevant to you as everything else we've spoken about. All, all will. What? Hey, pe- people expect expected us to know who the fucking Gronk was last year at, Wrestle, um, well, at WrestleMania. So like, yeah, I don't necessarily feel bad about a little quid pro yeah. quo. So yeah, Razor <laughs> Brother, Julian Dix. I mean, we've gone through this before on hashtag uh, footballers pro wrestling. Julian Dix's Julian penalty Dix. kick, like peak Shibata. That's final Joshi related question. Um, uh, uh, Luke Healy, who is a, a very good friend of ours at Oyster. Never heard of him on Twitter. <laughs> on Twitter, uh, does a very very nice um, newsletter on Substack, which I would uh, yes. encourage you all to subscribe to. It's a it's a lovely digest of it, the month really happenings good. in wrestling. Yeah, no, he, yeah. he he's generally one of the like most perceptive and thoughtful thinkers on like mo- modern wrestling specifically joshi that there is so like i would yeah. uh wholeheartedly uh encourage you to go and seek his yeah, no, g- really into this and you forget just stop and, and go away and uh and, uh, and yeah. subscribe yeah, yeah stop listening to this shit and uh <laughs> <laughs> um but now i've put over luke's towering uh wrestling intellect here is his question uh in light of raku's revelation that her actual dream is to become a station master what wrestlers do we think are secretly harboring dreams of normal careers now uh daniel you have uh 
you have now become aware of Raku thanks to your exposure to the Up Up Girls. So I got the full compliment of, uh, you know, the big idol uh, 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 number at the start on uh, on Wrestle Queendom, um, which was nice. That, that That is an Eve show. You mean Wrestle Princess, oh, I believe. Rest, rest, sorry, Wrestle Princess. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah they're all yeah. called Wrestle something. It's fine. Yeah, um, it's, it's, oh, it's terrible. It's hard to keep up. Um, but yes, uh, so that was good. And that was a banger. Uh, so, yeah, I was I was very, uh, very happy about that. Um, yeah. But in terms of uh, wrestlers who would uh, who who probably uh, would uh, would be thinking of another career, um, yeah, um, I, I'd, uh, does it have to be Joshi wrestlers? Um, no, it doesn't. It just says what wrestlers. Oh right, okay. Well, I, I'll think on that then. If anyone else wants to come in, because I've got a wider uh, pool to draw from now. So I mean, m- maybe Toshiaki Kawada is dreaming of a career as the owner of a ramen shop that is actually open. <laughs> <laughs> well, we looked at this. And the, the Google reviews are, on average, quite positive. Oh, are they? Are they? Well, who? Someone's meant someone somewhere in 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 Puro is meant to own a really shit bar, but I, I don't know who it is. I, I, I don't know. I, I I hate to think it's Toriyano because that, that that man knows that, his beer. That would, no, that would I, be by all thing. accounts, Toriyano's bar is very good like uh, by all accounts it's just like it, yeah it's meant to be quick i mean i think we should omit all discussion of like what careers are like a uh, you know pub landlord because like wrestlers in japan are very much you know they're very much like 60s footballers before the uh, the maximum wage was outlawed in terms of what they did as a career uh, after they retired like there are so many uh, wrestlers who have opened uh, pubs or restaurants or who have you know uh, started working at a bar that the promotion owns like i know ddt have got one i think ice ribbon do so yeah i, I think we should sort of uh omit all uh mention of oh, that i i i've i've, I've got one i'd <laughs> go for uh, master watto who i think dreams of running a really 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 sort of struggling um uh sort of possibly in, in, in a room above a garage uh, kind of like really sort of hastily put together like a uh, uh, sort of like um, money extracting McDojo. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Like with like I only ever attract. It doesn't sort of attract a wide cross section of like society, is which is generally the, the sign of a good gym. It just sort of attracts the proper larping kind of like Games Workshop obsessed. Like we've watched a few, you know, like uh, uh, Zhang Yimou films, and we're gonna sort of like you know uh, come and come and try our our skills out. It's one of those I think. So I think yeah, I, I would go for that. Um, uh, Zoe, who appeared, who we recorded a couple of episodes of Big A Podcasting Universe with because we know shit all about amateur wrestling and shootboxing, uh, said that when she started training uh, BJJ in Leeds, she was at this like really weird gym where they like spend a lot of time just bowing to pictures on the wall. Yeah, <laughs> it seems quite cult like. Yeah, I would yeah, yeah love back away. Slowly. That. No, I think I would be great. I was thinking, I think Evil, I, I think Evil has a career where. You you might know this, um, Daniel. Have you ever heard of a shop called Eurasia Crafts? Uh, no, but I can imagine what it is and what it sells. <laughs> where, where, is it in Glasgow? Yeah, it's in Glasgow. You know Tam Shepherd's Tam Shepherd's a joke shop. Oh, <laughs> I actually do know what you mean. That's yeah, yeah. So it's next to it. It's, it's basically um, a holistic sort of alternative therapy shop, yeah. but with a dark side. So they'll oh. have like tarot cards and like oh. nine inch nails like, records and stuff like yeah, that, and Wiccan stuff and oh. and Reiki and like all and you know meddling with the occult like Reiki and stuff yeah. like that. And, um, yeah, and like yeah, so it'll be kind of like half half goth couture, half alternative yeah. medicine, but the dark side, the dark arts. Yeah. 
you know, Ouija yeah. boards, stuff like that. Yeah, I think yeah. I think evil would like like it, it will never go out of business because of the dark <laughs> arts. They've signed a pact with the devil that means that they'll never have to close. <laughs> you'll never see anyone go in, and they just sell. And the only thing they sell is incense, and you know it's there because <laughs> you can smell it from six streets away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, see, I thought evil would make quite a good therapist. You've got to have experienced hardship and the dark side of life to be uh, to, to be good at um, talking about it. E- uh, evil, evil actually did a year of medical school. Well, like I'm, 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 I'm serious. He, he, he did a year of medical school and then he dropped out to uh, become a wrestler. Ah, well, th- well, there you go. So who knows? He could have he, he could have actually uh, uh, followed that that path. Um, were, were he not uh, to go on to the immense heights of surely the greatest IWGP <laughs> champion. I mean, it, look, uh, it, it, can't, it can't be anywhere near as good as his run with the Never Open Weight Championship. Was that the one where he beat Shibata in Singapore and then lost it like the next night, like a week later? Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, leave the memories alone. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I would like to go for. I have another one, an LIG uh, adjacent one, if you want. Oh yeah, go go on then. I think Sonata would be really great as an ice cream van driver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just selling Mr. Whippy's, be, living the Mr. Whippy lifestyle, literally with his heads, uh, with his hairstyle, and just you know becoming the whip, becoming the cone. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I think I think Sanado made a great ice cream fan driver. So so wait wait, do you, do you want him to be the driver of the ice cream or, or the ice cream itself or both? Are you proposing a kind of surely ice cream vans aren't a two-man operation except yeah. like the you know the second man who is supplying them with the coke they sell. Yeah. All, all good answers from uh, everyone involved. Uh, Daniel, this is a question for you. Oh from, God. Um, uh, Scott McEwen at McCubab. He's got a few uh, questions for us actually. A uh, big big fan of the podcast. Uh, Daniel, yeah. I believe this is going to be one for you. Um, <laughs> and we're going back to uh, uh, a, a great love of ours, uh, as you can tell from the quiz episode. Keiji Muto booked era all Japan. Um, oh, right. It says, which anarchist school of thought will be the first to unironically stand Charlie Haas and Big Daddy V era voodoo murders? <laughs> It'll undoubtedly be some cross crossover between the um, the uh, sort of post left crime think inspired um, anarcho individualists like the insurrectionist sort of crew that will sort of like smash up your nearest um, uh, cash machine and then write a sort of really awful kind of like poem about it and uh, publish it as a political communique <laughs> on like uh, you know like Rev Left or something. Big class um, war energy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm taking back the, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm building working class power by meaning that everyone on the estate can't get their booze money out this weekend. <laughs> uh, or, it, or it'll be the primitivists because they're always fucking at it. Like, <laughs> there you go. That just about fucking managed that. It is with a heavy heart we must have noticed the primitivists yeah. are at it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, that, that, Sir, uh, that's... There's been a commotion outside. I'm afraid it's primitivists. <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> that, just just everyone everyone like carrying wooden clubs and just in caveman uh, one one shoulder over the uh, one strap over the shoulder. Find that primitivism is much more uh, distinct than that. It's not just base anti-civilizationism. We actually like spoons. Uh, we just don't want <laughs> to become ensnared by them. Uh... Eating the large mixed grill is praxis. Yeah, fuck off, you fucking hippie-loving fucking typhoid-feated twats. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 people, and people say the left is sectarian. I know! Can you imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine? Mind you, this is... Um, the, 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 the far left is a, um, 
uh, in, I don't know how it is for any of our foreign listeners, but in Britain, our, our currents of uh, far left thought, there was an organisation which uh, actually split over, over the question of whether it is ethical <laughs> to have a wank at work. And that organisation was called Left Unity. <laughs> so, uh, now, here's a question. I've got, I've got a question here from at Left Unity. Is wanking at work... <laughs> Class <laughs> look, look, look! All I'm I saying mean... is, if wanking, if if wanking at work was such a bad thing, explain Kenny Omega because he's been wanking at work for six years. Hey, in the year of the, the our Lord 2020, when everyone is working from home, that left I mean... unity have been vindicated. I I, 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 I still think the, uh, the 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 you know how the WWE always cuts to crowd reactions now they're obsessed with it. Yeah. Um, I think every time they cut to a, a crowd reaction now they should just cut to that incredible uh, JPEG that was posted after that uh, that writer for was it the New Yorker magazine that got oh his god yeah he, he had a tug on a Zoom call I can't yeah. believe that like on top the other like unbearable discourses that uh, that uh, working from home and lockdown has occasioned left unity oh. wanking at work discourse has come back into I mean, the fucking mainstream i mean surely the answer is just if you're working from home and no one else is about and your fucking camera isn't on on a conference call yes. with the sound on then yes do what you like. If I, if I was like, if I absolutely just could not wait yeah. to empty my balls, like if I was in that situation and I was on a Zoom call, I would at least double yeah. check, triple check, quadruple yeah. check that my my camera and my mic were yes. both off. And yeah, yeah, yeah. the very fact that he did manage to do neither of those things makes no. me question the hiring practices of the very publication that employed him in the first place. Well, and I think, to be honest, it's one of those things as well where let let's be frank, like it only takes a click either way, or just to, you know, or, or just going to the top right of the screen, pressing X and coming back in again and being like, oh, I had connection problems. Like there's clearly a part of him that was like, yeah, this is what I'm all about. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I get paranoid when I'm on a call that I've accidentally left my dressing gown on the sofa in a very much like, please don't tell anyone how I live uh, moment. <laughs> it's terrible. This is what working in the media just like it gives you some sort of like entitlement brain where you just you, you just don't think that the normal rules I cannot stress this enough apply to you. Well, I mean, I, I know all about working in the media. What with being a co-host of an incredibly successful podcast with a worldwide listenership. Yes, we uh, are we are raking in the money from our uh, uh, our know. good friends in the deep south. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, uh, donate to our Patreon and make us as rich as Chapo Trap House. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we've talked about masturbation uh, far too much, at least for the moment. Yes. So, uh, on to the next question. This is also from Scott. Um, David, this is one for you. Um, yeah. Were Paul Heyman and Sabu the wrestling equivalent of John Lambie and Chick Charnley? I've I thought a lot about this, right? I'm not gonna lie. Yes, I, I assume you have looked at some of these questions because uh, you also have access to the Twitter account. Um, uh, explain for the listeners at home who uh, Paul Heyman and so. No, I'm just kidding. Explain for the listeners at home who John Lambie and Chick Charlie are. So John Lambie is um, an a, a infamous, infamous party festival manager who um, he the, the last great eccentric in Scottish football, so to speak. Um, he used to famously take Thistle to Blackpool every January to do a pre, uh, to do a training camp because there was a pigeon convention on in Blackpool, um, and he he had a, a lots of pigeons, so he just took them to Blackpool so he could go to the pigeon convention, and then he threw them in the sea one year, and he'd be, he had a collapsed lung uh, after he threw them in the sea. He's he's That's not so much for, eccentric, it's unfortunate. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so quirky collapsing is all. Yeah. Oh, John, what do you like? I know. Um, we we could do a three and a half hour episode of hashtag John Lambie is wrestling or just all the mad nonsense that he got up to. But um, he's an arch- he's an archetypal figure in Scottish football of just being quite mad. He swears a lot, but he's also he once famously ordered a fish supper at a press conference and got chips for everybody. Um, just uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, gold. yeah, a lovely guy, sweared like nobody's business. And I say that as someone who once got a comment from someone on the podcast saying that I swear too much. John Lambie makes me look like Cliff Richards, right? Um, he, he was great. But he was very much, if you speak to people who were uh, part of John you know, part of John Lambie's teams and stuff like that, it was very much a cult atmosphere of John Lambie is fucking mental but everyone loved him and everyone gave everything for him because of that. So I actually think you're pretty spot on in terms of Paul Heyman. John Lambie is the Paul Heyman of, of Scottish football with that because um, tedious fans from the, from the 90s um, still say that he should fucking bring him back and that he was, he'd never been beaten. But yeah, uh, like, look, we, we've moved, we've, society has moved past John Lambie. I, I hate to say it, but he has moved past John Lambie. If you ever want um, a good laugh... There's an hour-long documentary of the promotion season when we get promoted to the Premier League with John Lambie in charge. And somebody clipped out all of the um, instances of John Lambie swearing. And it's a 25-minute video. Uh, and it's just wall-to-wall swearing. And it's incredible. If you ever want to just see the Glasgow vernacular, like it's proper Glasgow ASMR. You know how, Daniel, you'll know the banter boys, the Glasgow banter yeah. boys, and soon the fact is proper... Oh, the banter. Like, no, I'm just here for the banter. I'm just here for the banter, aye. Now, Chick Charnley um, is a bit different. Chick Charnley um, had four spells of Patrick Thistle. I don't know of any other player who's went to a club four times. Now, this is partly because he fucked up every opportunity he got at other clubs. <laughs> and, but he was amazing for us. He is a cult icon. Like, he famously is the biggest, like, the biggest Celtic fan ever. To the point where he'll always be the guy who does the 50-50 raffle at, at Fiscal versus Celtic games and will come out of the stands next to the fucking Green Brigades to go and do the 50-50 raffle. Like, <laughs> but he once he played one game for Celtic at Old Trafford in a testimonial. And he phoned him the day before and told him he was playing and he was out in the pub when he told him. And he just turned up reeking a drink and stuff and all that. And uh, when they were driving him down from Glasgow to Manchester, because his pals are going to the game anyway, they were going past Celtic buses going, this guy's fucking playing for Celtic tonight. And they're like, no, he isn't. He? And then he actually turned up. But um, yeah, he, he totally fucked up his opportunity to play for Celtic. But he always gets tr- uh, trotted out at the Masters because his, his pal runs the tournament. But um, Chick Chanley also famously... Um, during a training session at Rock Hill Park because uh, they, play, they played in public parks. Rock Hill is one of the, certainly at the time, it was one of the roughest areas in Glasgow. Uh, two Neds accosted Chick Chanley and they both had samurai swords. <laughs> and, um, Chick Chanley fought them off with a traffic cone. Uh, and, <laughs> I'm sorry, is, is, is Chick Chanley the protagonist of a Yakuza game? Yeah, it's proper Yakuza, just two guys with samurai swords just jumping out of nowhere in the park. And him grabbing a traffic cone in brawler mode. Chick, Chick, Chick Charlie hitting Ned with a traffic cone and then he's off to spend two hours playing Oicho Cabo in an illegal gambling den. Yes, so 
is it going in, going into this right? I was like, I don't think Jack Charnley is the Sabu of Scottish football, right? And I've kind of convinced myself that he is because if you ever watch Sabu, he only has two modes. He's either insanely brilliant or just insanely bad and just throwing away opportunities willy nilly. Sabu did that a lot, and you know what, Scott, you, you've turned me around. Chick Charnley and John Lambie are the Paul Heyman and Sabu. Is Chick Charnley's abortive Celtic spell like the equivalent of Sabu no showing ECW to go and wrestle for uh, all Japan? Yeah, it literally. Yeah, it's literally that. It's literally he got Sabu got lots of opportunities with like WWE, WCW. Have you heard the story about Sabu and Vince McMahon? Oh God. Oh, 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 the one where the one where he'd um, uh, so he was back the one where he was back for the ECW um, reunion and um, Vince saw him in the corridor and went, who the fuck hired Sabu? No, no, no. no. Is that a one different one? one. Yeah. So basically, at the time after this, Sabu kept referring to himself in the third person. Excellent. So, it, was, it was the sound of like, uh, an ordered mind. <laughs> Sab, Sabu wants a drink. You know, Sabu thinks he should go over, stuff like that, because he's a character, Sabu. And uh, Vince McMahon just, um, once they got into an argument, he, he mentions himself in third person. And, like, they got in an argument, and somebody came up to Vince after and says, what are we going to do about Sabu? And Vince McMahon just goes, tell Sabu to go fuck Sabu. Um, <laughs> which is a great line. That's very funny. Um, the, the story, the story Pat uh, Pat Reed loves telling is the one about because uh, you know Sabu's uncle was the, the Sheikh, yeah, um, uh, Ed Farhat, and um, so when Sabu made his uh, TV debut, he uh, phoned up the Sheikh and was like, "Ah, oh, how, how, how you doing? How you doing, Uncle Ed? It's Terry." And uh, the Sheikh was like, "Who? Terry? You know, your nephew? Yeah. Like, I don't know a Terry." I know a guy named Sabu who loses on television. <laughs> you're not absolutely mugged off by your own uncle when you're just trying Incredible. to ring and like get his approval. Uh, 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 ventilator after the crippling lung, da- lung damage caused by that what? awful fire match. I fucking love the shape. The absolute best thing about that story is, is, is regardless of what your opinions are on, on either Sabu or the shake, and I think there's absolutely a time and a place for shake matches. And uh, I actually, I'm very fond of Sabu in general. Um, but um, the best part about that is, is that we're talking about the shake, who is a man who, let's be completely honest, for at the very least, the last 30 to 40 years of his entire career, did absolutely everything that he could to basically run out every single uh, sort of like a face in his territory and make them look useless. And therefore basically kill the territory that he was in, uh, you know, uh, and then move that uh, tactic on to other countries for many more years. I, 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 lazy. I will say this. Who's breaking his fucking neck through tables and chairs. I will, I will say this in the, uh, in the Sheikh's defense. He, um, like the Sheikh, uh, be, being of uh, South Asian heritage, uh, hated segregation, and whenever he was in the South, and they had the uh, the the arenas where they would have separate uh, enclosures for white and black fans. Whenever he brought in the crowd, he would just like rip the mesh fencing down with his bare hands that were separating the white and black fans. And everyone used to be like, "Well, it's the Sheikh. He's a madman. You can't stop him." <laughs> so we just used to use his gimmick as an excuse to like uh, tear down the fences. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say that for I'll say that for him. Um, my right. favorite uh, my favorite Sheikh thing is the time at Halloween Havoc 1995 when he went into business for himself and shoot just shot a fireball at Jerry Lynn because he could. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even the finish. He was just there on the mat and he just went. Pfft. 
and Jenny Lynch, what the fuck? It's not even the most notorious erroneous fireball incident at a Halloween yeah. Havoc pay-per-view. Yeah, um, absolutely not. So, such, um, such a benign person to like sort of chuck a, like a fireball at Jerry Lynch. So funny. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll do Scott's final question um, now. Which uh, Puro great would Vince McMahon be most likely to give a Shoko Asahara gimmick to? So uh, Shoko Asahara was the um, leader of the um, Japanese doomsday cult Aum Shinrikyo, which... Um, uh, uh, committed a uh, committed an awful atrocity in the Tokyo subway and uh, oh, yeah. also yeah. Uh, set off the world's first non-governmental nuclear bomb in the Australian outback and the Australian outback is so desolate it was two years before anyone noticed <laughs> um, so he's basically a, a leader of a doomsday cult um, right. uh, Al- Amshin Rikyo uh, then got rebranded as Aleph Zero just like another um, uh, appalling doomsday cult Rangers got rebranded as Sevco <laughs> so, um, so um, I, I for one do not um i mean he has specified pro grade so we can't right. have uh Mohammed hassan which was the uh the uh latest <laughs> problematic uh terrorist gimmick that um w louis uh engaged with um i think it's um doing a i think it's being overly generous to vince's intellect that he would know who shoko asahara uh is considering i would wager that he does not know who the vast majority of japanese people that his company actually employs are so, um, but if you had to, if you had to pin me down, I would say, um, you know, a, a mysterious, uh, aged, almost wizened figure shrouded in mystery, uh, long hair and a somewhat scruffy de- demeanor. It is, of course, Yoshinari Agawa <laughs> would be the answer to about half the questions. So uh, why, why not uh, continue the habit? I think he'd be, he'd be I think Shinobu Kandori, uh, <laughs> because I reckon Vince would sort of waltz in. Uh, take 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 one take one look at her and probably just say something. I probably say say something like, "God, that fellow's mysterious." Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, mean? I, I I I for one think if Vince knew what Amshin Rikyo actually was, he would absolutely like give uh, I don't know like Kyrie Sane or someone um a gimmick yeah. like that. Considering um he did try to make uh, Kenzo Suzuki into uh, a living replica of the Emperor Hirohito, the biggest Partick Thistle fan in the history of Japan. <laughs> so like yeah, I, I I think if um Vince McMahon, lest we forget, is a man who um thought like what the hell is this Paul Birchill gimmick? What's Pirates of the Caribbean? Um, from the British Virgin Islands is possibly my favourite location for anyone ever. Oh, a- a- so absolutely. Um, I have favourite wrestler from a tax haven other than Patrick Reed. Yes. <laughs> um, announced Patrick Reed cage match. I have went for a tag team here, and I think you'll agree that this would be. A, 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 I think they could really capture. The, the the dark mysticism around a sort of cult leader you know your sort of your Bray Wyatt's and so on yeah. I think he's definitely do it so I would go for this tag team um, that are very shrouded in darkness Akabono and Ryoto Hama <laughs> <laughs> I have to say if they were trying to lay low from Japanese law enforcement I imagine men of that stature would not find it especially uh, especially <laughs> easy um, yeah, you'd literally have to live in the sea if you were that <laughs> and, and, and trying to like that that sounds more offensive than i, I intended it to be uh it was meant uh, to be, yeah anyway <laughs> uh it, 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 it's it, it's fine it's the christmas festival no one cares um did you so see, what did the guy on the train with the sad and look at well he took up four seats so <laughs> yeah. it wasn't hard to miss his, his wife was <laughs> looking daggers at him uh, still <laughs> because he uh, fought bob sap on new year's eve 
this is from our friend uh, Pete Hitchcock. Um, if you could add a real-life pro wrestler to Super Smash Brothers, who would you pick and what would their final smash be? Now, final smash, I assume, is some sort of finisher. Uh, the last Super Smash Brothers game I played was um, the one on the Wii, the first one on the Wii. I can't remember what it's called. Pete is no doubt just yelling at his uh, his podcast provider of choice what the name of it is. But uh, real life pro wrestlers are Super Smash Brothers. Can I just uh, interject and just say it's clearly Akabono and Ryota Hammer doing a Kirby <laughs> move? You know where he eats and, them. Uh, that, that's basically it. And uh, and uh, uh, Yoshinari Gawa as well. Yes, exactly. I um I I don't know what Super Smash Brothers actually is. Okay, I hear people so you... talk about it all the time. Is okay, it a computer so... game? It is a computer game. Essentially, what it is is a big, <laughs> it's a big Donnie book between various uh, Nintendo characters. So, if you wanted to make Kirby fight uh, you know, right. a Charizard uh, yeah. and you know her out a Metroid, then uh, you can, you can do that. And uh, right, that's right. essentially what it's all about. Although they have um, introduced uh, characters from non-Nintendo properties uh, most recently, teasing that Sephiroth had impelled Mario on his samurai sword. <laughs> Which would have been an extremely grim way to uh, uh, bring an end to the 825-game uh, Super Mario series. But I like best. Yeah. Um, well, I'll, I'll, in that case, then I'll um, uh, I'll probably go for. So, all right, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, uh, well, you've already taken Akimbono off the table <laughs> and and and, and Hama. So um, I'm gonna have to go for. So I'm trying to think who actually would you do you think is probably the third biggest. Like sizable, like in terms of size, Ooh, biggest Japanese. That is a, I'm trying to think who's an absolute unit yeah. in uh, Japanese wrestling. Because I feel uh, like those two are the obvious sort but of. But Bad Luck Fale is a substantial gentleman. He is actually, and actually, if he was to be propelled, um, sort of head first in in, in a sort of lawn dart manner, he could do some serious damage because he's very aerodynamic. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, so okay, maybe I'll go for him, but he has to be shot in an aerodynamic manner. Okay, uh, I've got I've got one. So uh, there's a character on Super Smash Brothers called uh, Mr. Game and Watch, which is I believe a um, character I think it was from the first ever Nintendo. Yeah, it's the first games. ever Nintendo game. I think it was a little thing you um, you wore on your wrist, your wrist, and had a sort of thing. Anyway, Mr. Game and Watch's whole gimmick is that. You can basically do a move with him and it will generate a random number. And if it's a nine, then you just immediately yeet your opponent out of the uh, out of the arena and win. And if it's a, uh, you know, if it's a one, then it's absolutely fuck all. Um, and anything in between is sort of a uh, continuum of various uh, effects. So what I would say is uh, Mr. Game and Watch's role could be um, portrayed very much by Jay White because occasionally you get something that's really, really good out of him. But for the most part, um, you don't. And it's an absolute crapshoot as to whether it's going to be. And just like Mr. Game of Watch, Jay White is also two-dimensional. Wait, <laughs> but a dumb and indeed Tesh. Jay White could be the best wrestler in the fucking world now. I wouldn't know. I don't watch New Japan at the moment. Yeah, I know. I am. I, the, the, I Yeah, I, I'm completely out of the loop as well. I mean, I'm sure we'll end up... Um, reviewing uh, wrestle kingdom but um yeah i'm just looking at the card for uh for uh it at the moment and thinking like what the f- tanahashi's wrestling the great okan of uh of, Finally, the great Japan <laughs> yeah yeah i was like what the f- what the fuck's this i mean it may it might be great the great okan might be a uh you know kawada level super worker now but uh, i've no idea because i'm not watching <laughs> no oh. um so uh, uh D- david have you Yes, you've you've got your uh, two questions. All right, go for it, and then we'll move on to the uh, next bit. We've been at the Q and A quite long enough. 
So it's actually it's actually three questions, but don't worry. Um, I just need to do my annual checklist. So have you um, have you scored any world day goals this season? I I mean uh, uh, I I wasn't uh, taking the opportunity to uh, engage in organised sporting activity before it became extremely unsafe to do so because of the uh, you know the little bug that's going around. You might have heard of it. So um, I can say I have not scored any goals. Um, I, I've not in a formal sort of sporting sense, but I do have this little habit. Um, of in the morning, um, I often leave my because, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, dear listener, I, I do sleep naked, um, and um, I, um, I often yourself, leave my, uh, my, my gunks at the uh, the bottom of the bed uh, in case I have to get up in the middle of the night and, and go for a piss or something. Uh, you know, I'm a, bit, I'm a bit cold, so sometimes in the morning I like to flick them up. Uh, I can actually grab them now with my uh, my, my feet. Um, and, and th- flick them in the air and then volley them Marco Van Basten style uh, <laughs> through the incredibly acute angle of the door frame. Um, and uh, I have scored uh, quite a few of those uh, before work. So oh, uh, there, there yeah. you go. My parents have a friend who like swears blind that uh, when he was younger, before he used to have a dartboard on the on the back of his bedroom door and when he was younger he would like get the dartboard swinging on like the pivot that it was hung up with and he wouldn't leave the room until he had hit uh three treble 20s and <laughs> this sounds like absolute bullshit of the highest order i do not believe it for a second <laughs> I, and that's no. to be jimboing yeah absolutely i do not think bully himself could hit that no, no, I don't think so. No, not with his big beefy bovine hands. <laughs> so, a second question: um, Have we changed any opinions on our favourite crisps? Probably we can quite acquainted to it uh, over the last year or so. Any new crisp opinions we should yes, know about? Actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. same. <laughs> Great, you had another fifteen minutes yeah, of content enough, coming yeah. up. Um, I can't remember if I already said this last year, but I don't think it's only been mainly this year that I've really turned back to the, these these crisps again. A stalwart of crisps, specifically because I think they've got the best um, uh, flavour ratio um, uh, of any of any crisps. It's it's mainly all flavour. You, you you probably forget it's potato. The square, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, they are great in fairness. I'm emotionally traumatised with squares purely because I used to get lots of mouth ulcers when I was younger, like obscene yeah. amounts of mouth ulcers, and just a salt vinegar square is just, oh, no. you know, a critical hit. It, it, it is pretty full on. No, no. Like, um, I, yeah. would, I would say, so there is a, uh, I, I work in a hospital and there's an M&S in the, the wing of the hospital opposite from the building where I work. And um, this is going to sound like the ponziest thing in the world, but I fucking love the M&S red pepper flavour pita, pita chips. I don't think I've ever had them. Oh, they, that... they are so That's because you're working place. class, Daniel. <laughs> hey, no, yes. no, I tell you what, I tell you what, mind you, this is a thing. I'm genuinely right. There's a Marks and Spencer's on the way b- uh, between the gym I go to in town and the metro that I have to get to come back home. And occasionally, um, well, you know, if I've just been paying, I'm feeling flush. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll walk in there. It's a proper Marks and Spencer's food hall. And obviously, you know, I've been paid. I can afford some of the things in there. But I literally cannot describe the immense uh, sort of torturous class anxiety that I have of being <laughs> in a Marks and Spencer's. I don't even think it's particularly like posh, like compared to, you know, like there's probably posher places these days. But still, I'm just like, I am afflicted by that every time I walk in. It's true. I was trying to think of any sort of half decent crisps that I've tried this year. I I I fell out with Marks and Spencer's when they stopped their jam donuts. They were quite short lived and they were great. And then they've they've went to the pan. So you know, fuck Marks and Spencer's, nationalise it immediately. 
I, I was going to say that also, I'll tell you what is good at MS, and that is uh, Sarah always gets on at me for this because uh, you can buy, uh, you know, flavored cashews very cheaply from the Asian supermarket, but um, you can get a big tub of honey roasted cashews tossed in salt and sugar for MS, and it costs like six pounds, but they're so fucking good. Decadent. Caligula esque. I'm essentially the hedonism bot from Futurama at the moment. Pretty much. Um, <laughs> I have remained pretty staunch in my crisp opinions this year. I don't think there's been any sort of wild changes. Um, I don't remember if I mentioned it last year, but the last time I went to Jackson's house, he really got me into chipsticks. Oh, chipsticks are good. Oh, do you know about that? Oh, did you not? Ah. I mean, there is a feeling... Like, they're, they're up there with, like, what's it? They're just a bit like baby food. And that's what kind of why I, why I like them. Um, I had a I had a, a bunch of um, I went to Jackson's house. Uh, this is like well before COVID. He went and he says, "Do you want something to eat? What have you got? Um, lots of chipsticks and calipos because um, Izzy's out." And he she asked me and she just asked me to go buy food, so I bought lots of chipsticks and calipos. Like, yeah, that's fine. So we just sat watching old Joshi with calipos and chipsticks so yeah, i would i would give a, a shout out to the humble chipstick they they, they can they're they're, quite, they're good yeah i i would i would say that okay have you got any more questions for us david uh, has anyone seen any ghosts this year uh margaret thatcher <laughs> <laughs> and, on, and its name is keir star my name um have I seen any ghosts this year? Um, I don't think so. Although um, uh, the, uh, the, the well, the, there was a rumor that there was a ghost at my college uh, uh, once, but um, I've seen no evidence of it so far. I'm fairly sure it's an errant security guard uh, who's uh, just because you know I don't know if, if you have ever worked in a place where the security guards dress like uh, fake policemen. Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> you see him so about. All the, other mem- all the other members of staff call them the plastic policemen because uh, they walk about in sort of like a, a knockoff Poundland uh, policeman uniforms, but they say security on them instead of police. Um, and I think because uh, they have to patrol the, the area like sort of all night. And I think sometimes they just get a little bit bored. And when they think there's no sort of staff left, they sort of like go, oh, you know what? I'm going to deviate from the walk I usually go. And I'm just going to go and hang out outside here for a little bit and see what happens. And then there's some poor person doing overtime that shits themselves because they can see some. I, I, I thought you were going to say. That, I thought you were going to say they just get bored and then just start going. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> that would you also would. be good. You definitely would, um, yeah. Um, so no, um, no ghosts for me this year either. Um, apart from the haunted spectrum that is the liberal media (laughs) (laughs) yeah absolutely so um okay i think that about does it for the q a so we shall uh, move on to our next section of the christmas special which is our uh, year in review so um Last year we did a year in review and uh, it, we basically went around the houses talking about Japanese wrestling, which is after all our main focus, uh, British wrestling and American wrestling. Uh, we're going to take a uh, slightly uh, different version because like, uh, fuck, for a various number of reasons, wrestling has been difficult to watch this year. Basically, three main reasons certainly is the way I see it. Uh, the first one is the uh, the death of Hannah Kimura, which was ex- uh, you know an extremely traumatic experience for uh, everyone in the wrestling community who knew who she was. Uh, I'm not going to talk about it at great length because 
firstly i'll probably start crying if i do and secondly um, we've got an interview episode coming up with uh, someone who uh, worked with her and knew her so we're going yeah. to get into uh, the the stuff to do with that um, a greater link then and sort of pay our, our our tribute to her legacy and her work uh, in that sense it made it hard to watch wrestling in a sense but also um you know when you watch stardom after that she was a you know very much an absent presence but also you know she was known for always wanting to support the people in her stable in particular the the younger wrestlers um i i you know i certainly don't get the sense that she ever would have wanted us to stop supporting her friends and colleagues no. just because no. she wasn't here anymore so that didn't make it hard to watch wrestling certainly in the long term but um uh, you know the, the the stuff to do with uh, with Hannah does uh, lead into the second reason really uh, for um, j- just to give you one example of the sort of dynamic I'm talking about. So uh, there's a chap called uh, Mikey Whiplash in the uh, who is or uh, I would uh, fervently hope was uh, a luminary of the uh, Scottish wrestling scene. Uh, it's just one example of the way in which um, the uh, the legacy of Hannah Kimura and her memory has been used as a shield by by certain people. So there's a, there's a guy called Mad Kurt on the British Indies, and his gimmick is basically he is literally a keyboard warrior. He just spams up people on Twitter. And Mikey Whiplash have been, as he is wont to do, playing the big swinging dick in terms of I'm a British uh, wrestling veteran. This is the way that the business should operate. Fuck you if you don't agree with me. Uh, Mad Kurt had just quoted him saying, OK, Boomer, which had set uh, Mikey Whiplash on a sort of uh, you know, hashtag be kind thread. And, you know, have we learned nothing from the tragic death of uh, of Hannah Kimura? Now, uh, this is, you know, probably one of the most egregious examples of something you saw a lot, um, certainly in British wrestling and also in American wrestling. Uh, British wrestling was what, you know, certainly from our perspective we were sort of most aware of but you know it happened on a number of occasions the you know to be quite frank uh, extremely disgusting way in which um people uh, within the british wrestling industry sought to elide you know good faith criticism either of their in-ring or their you know their behavior out of the ring with what was and make no mistake about it a you know months-long targeted campaign of harassment against a vulnerable young woman who had struggled with her mental health throughout her life uh, which was without a doubt couched in you know explicitly and implicitly racist and misogynistic terms you know to say like you know some guy saying okay boomer is in in any way analogous to that is you know uh, you know an absolutely repulsive thing to infer and um the the other thing about this which uh, you know um leads into the second reason why it's been uh, hard to watch wrestling is because loads of people were in mikey whiplash's replies saying you know you're one to be talking about bullying Mm. because it was fairly an open secret that you know, this guy had wielded his position of authority over, you know, his uh, his uh, uh, trainees, uh, you know, of, of, of any gender and uh, had, uh, you know, abused his position through that. And less than a week after this, uh, you know, kerfuffle between Mad Kurt and Mikey Whiplash, the revelations came out about David Starr and the uh, the conduct in, that he had shown towards his uh, partners, which, um, you know, it was, seems like it was extremely reprehensible. And, um, and Mikey Whiplash was one of the people named as well. So, you know, um, you, you have someone who is really, you know, they're using this as a defense against criticism. And then, you know, a few days after that, the shit absolutely hits the fan. And uh, I I honestly like because I, I, I listened to our previous uh, Christmas special, uh, the 2019 one in preparation for this, just to get me in the sort of vibe. And 
we only talked about BritRest for about 10 minutes or so. And even then, there are so many people that we put over in mm-hmm. that 10-minute segment who have now been you know, shown to be utter pieces of shit. And it's, yep. it's, it's really hard to take because we've, we've had this discussion on the podcast before about if you, um, or certainly on social media, in that, say you watch, uh, let, let's say for the sake of argument, uh, Dick Murdoch. So you watch Dick Murdoch's matches. You know, Dick Murdoch was a gigantic racist, as in he was a fully paid up member of the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah, literally, yeah. But the thing is, you can make a decision whether you're one of these, okay, I can't watch uh, Mm. stuff created by someone who has these reprehensible opinions, or whether you're one of these people who can separate the art from the artist or anything in between on that continuum. You can make the, the conscious decision, okay, we know about Dick Murdoch, probably all the bad stuff about him that... Uh, is to come out has come out and so you can make a decision whether you are happy watching his matches or you aren't and the same is with people like uh, chris benoit or you know those people who have uh, jimmy snooker for example um but i think you know i think maybe we were a little bit naive uh, not just us but uh rest fans in general in maybe thinking that the current crop of wrestlers were maybe more well adjusted than uh than the the people who have gone before them and it seems like very much that was not the case. I honestly don't know, even after, you know, promotions start running shows again, I'm going to be extremely circumspect where I spend my money. The Virtual Pros podcast, um, shout out to them, they, they went through a sort of similar problem like, where they, they took a hiatus after like Hannah died and stuff like that. And it, all, and it was just like, we don't really want to talk about this because they're, they are very much in the same mould as us. They are very much a humorous podcast that's tangentially about wrestling, but they talk about other stuff and all that. And like, it's it's a good listen. But they, one of them mentioned, he says, if you told me tomorrow that wrestling was just done and there was no wrestling anymore and it was just out of your life, I don't think I'd miss it. And I agree. And for Brit Rest, especially, well, Brit Rest mainly, if you just said to me, Brit Rest is done, it's not coming back. Not even UK Undertaker versus the American Avalanche in the Leather Room. <laughs> like done. I I wouldn't give a shit. No, I, absolutely honest. not. I'm I'm not I'm not missing it at the moment. I'm missing I'm missing travelling down to London for shows and seeing my pals. I mean, but... I I've I was fully up front. I think I've done it on the, on these podcasts and stuff before. I was fully up front when I went to London for these shows. I didn't give a fuck about the wrestling. I just went because you were all going to the wrestling. Yeah, and, and we I were just like, tangent, we were having, having a chat in, having a chat in the beer garden, going yeah. to the arms to watch Scotland beat England in the cricket. You know, all that sort of stuff. That's the and 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 this is the thing, and it's a point many people have made. Um, whether it's British wrestling or like Irish wrestling or wrestling in continental Europe. It, it's about the people you met, uh, you know, the, the 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 fans you've made connections with, like the it's the folks you got the friends to know. who made along the way. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. We oh, we yeah. always we always say that to take the piss, but like it, it's it's absolutely true. I'm not missing I'm not missing uh, British wrestling and say if like oh Fight Club Pro is doing another show in in uh, you know March when everyone's got the vaccines, like okay, I'm not going. Yeah, because like I mean, you know who obviously like there are people in the industry who have not been uh, accused of anything untoward but the the question of who knew what and when is going to loom extremely yeah. large within the industry as it should i mean i i think from 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 my perspective um i didn't watch any wrestling at all well very little wrestling at all for that was modern if any um from pretty much uh the moment all the speaking out stuff happened 
until roughly about a month ago, maybe two months ago. And even then, I've been tr- I've tried to be very careful about the promotions that I watch. Um, and uh, you know, I it, it it's 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 difficult to imagine that I will be capable um, unless I sit there every time I watch wrestling with, you know, a, a list next to me of the, you know, the probably hundreds of people that have been implicated in these things, you know. Um, but I, w- I will try my best uh, to certainly not be watching any shows or giving any attention to any companies that book anyone um, that's been accused of any of these things. And that will just be ongoing. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think like, like you mentioned, you mentioned in particular the David Starr stuff. Now, I think there's something in particular and I'm, I'm quite wary of us going into too much depth on this because i know that we've got a lot of sort of um of the the women in in our lives and um as who are friends and as fans have basically stated on a few occasions that you know they don't they, what they don't really want to hear is um, another podcast full of three or four guys talking about this again no no um, and that's not our at the same time, anyway I, we wouldn't talk no. we, we just make jokes about wang guido and like <laughs> exactly. yeah. Yeah. you know what i mean like yeah, 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 you know, you, you but, know, um, we, we, as 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 like you know, uh, cis men, we don't have as much skin in the game as no, you know, no. But, but at the same alive. time, I do. I, yeah, but at the same time, I do think that you know, just complete silence isn't good enough either. No, uh, absolutely on, not. On, and we on, we, we did things. have this. Uh, we did have this discussion before we started yeah. recording, actually, where we were like, do we do we talk about this stuff? And uh, what what I said was that we we can't go down the the fucking wrestle joy route of just like completely uh accentuating yeah. the positive to the exclusion of all others and no, uh, just spinning not. off any negative stuff because like this year more than any year has shown that that is as toxic as relentless negativity if not more so oh absolutely you know um it's 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 not something to be um you know it's not desirable um and oh, you know in in particular what i've tried to do to sort of give some kind of positive spin to this. What I've tried to do is um, only be uh, uh, sort of watching promotions that as far as I can tell anyway, and I'm willing to be, you know, um, um, in, in good faith told that I'm wrong here and I will absolutely strike them off as well very quickly. Mm. Um, only try and watch promotions that I'm aware of that have made um, a significant either statement on the events um, or who have come out in solidarity with those who've, uh, who've had to suffer from the abuse most stridently or have put measures in place to stop it. And I mean serious proper measures. So, um, you know, I think a, a great example of this would be, um, uh, you know, um, an organisation like Riptide in Brighton. Not only, by the way, have, have said you know we are on hiatus we are not sure if we're coming you know they're, they're doing a fugazi and yeah. we're not quite sure if we're coming back yet you know we're gonna have to go away and think about it and if we do actually want to come back and put shows on and think we can do them safely for people we will do them so they, they you know they've basically said look like you know we're not we're not even sure if we're coming back at all um they've updated all of their uh, material on iwtv at least to actually remove any footage um yeah of any uh of, of any performers that are have been accused of these things, um, these abuses, but if they're wrestling together, they've kept performers on there. And again, this is all in the notes on there. They've got the effort to keep other performers on there because they've argued that, well, we don't want to, um, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, have these people um, implicated with guilt by association because all they've happened to do is turn up to work one day and be matched with someone that unbeknownst to them was a massive abusing twat. And that's yeah. not their fault. Um, so they've kept that on there so as they can promote them. But they've also said like, you know, this, you know, I think that's a really good way of doing it. Um, you know, it's, it's shown that it's been taken seriously. Yeah. And- I mean, some, someone made the, po- I forget who this was on Twitter, but someone made the point um, 
about you know, Riptide, uh, I, I think have certainly been one of the best promotions in, in terms of how they're handling it. And they put out this statement and they said, like, it's amazing that Riptide have, have done one of the best statements when they probably have one, like they probably have one of the least uh, to be apologized, apologizing for. And someone said it's because they mean it. Yeah. And oh, yeah, yeah, it's, got... it, certainly, it certainly seems like they do. I mean, certainly the impression I get from them is from an organization that has tried to do the right thing ethically. You know, I, I but even then, yeah, I, obviously not implying anything about Riptide, but you, you, there still has to be a lot of trust to be rebuilt in the mm. scene in general. And like, I'm still wary of taking anything uh, at, uh, at face value because like you still don't know what other things are uh, left to come out about people who have uh, hitherto not had anything said about them. Do you know what I mean? Well, well that's is... it. No, that's absolutely it. It's like, you know, it's a horrible, you know, and it's, it, we are the ones that suffer by far from it the least. Like, oh, no, we have to worry about watching wrestling, you know, big deal. <laughs> yeah, compared, yeah. You know, compared to the people that were, whose lives were generally, genuinely destroyed by these fucking awful people, you know. Yeah. Um, but it is, you know, it, it is shit. And, um, um, you know, that you think that you have to, what should be a you know, a, a hobby that takes you out of, you know, the, the very worst parts of your existence day to day. You've now yeah. got to sort of factor that those, those things in, but that's only what those people that have been the, you know, the, uh, the, the survivors of this abuse have had to face every single fucking day of their life since it happened. So, yeah. you know, um, again, just salute to them for, um, for, for, you know, making us all aware of these terrible things in the first place. Um, but it is, um, it, it just, I didn't watch any wrestling until very recently and I've tried to, um, you know, sort of keep things, um, as much as I can, um, only supporting companies that have reacted well to this, um, yeah. or, or at the very least where I haven't heard anything that would make me sort of like, you know, boycott them. I'm still not particularly comfortable. I haven't watched any WWE related stuff that includes NXT. I'm, I've not been particularly yeah. comfortable doing that while there are I'm, certain people I'm, left employed. Um, I mean, I'd say, I'd say NXT UK, but no company's watching that anyway. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, but you know, uh, even someone like, like to, to take it, Puro, even someone like um, like Zack Saber, who I'm fucking massively disappointed in, by the way, um, yeah. who was someone that we held up as, um, you know, um, not only a great wrestler, um, but also someone that seemingly was fairly down to earth, modest, got it, um, and was coming from a quite, um, you know, um, sincere point of view with their politics, um, you know, um, <laughs> uh, and you know, to, to the absolute silence um, that was forthcoming from him. Um, just spoke volumes to be he, honest. He's, he's, he comes to become a fucking trappist, doesn't he? Like, uh, and, yeah, and, and that's exactly. the thing. And the, the same is with the, with uh, with Star, who you know was on this big kick about uh, unionization of wrestling. And you know, you you, oh, it's it's her. been it's I I I know, I know that's the thing because if uh, if someone like that becomes associated with a cause that is is essentially a worthy one, then it it does great damage to it. And you know, some people have said like. You know, it's the people who are um, pushing hardest for, you know, things like that, that you need to be most wary of because, you know, they're, they're probably doing it to cover up uh, what piece of shit they are. And the thing is, you, you can't go through life like that because, like, what does that mean to uh, political movements such as, uh, you know, the ones that we're variously involved in, whereby yeah, yeah. You, you, you can't go through life assuming that, you know, the people who are loudly trumpeting these worthy causes are, you know, piece of shit but at the same time yeah you can't assume that they're not so you you're in this you're in this sort of bind really and it, it's just made the whole experience it's, of consuming wrestling so fucking stressful again not that we have suffered remotely compared with the the survivors of this abuse as well as this like i am um, I'm, I'm a bit bemused by the idea that people would use this sort of thing to go look the the all champion this idea people who champion this idea are pieces of shit don't follow this idea 
and you're like you're like a fucking liberal capitalist everyone's a piece of <laughs> shit do you know what I mean? like yeah you can everyone yeah, that, that that's the thing you can tell some people were fucking gagging to say look david stars an abuser yeah therefore I you unionization shit who reveled in in messaging me when it happened because he just he just didn't like him and he's like I told you it was a wrong and I'm like no you didn't you, you just you just don't like like there's a rabid WWE mark and yeah. um like it was just like just resented him and didn't like him and like fair enough you do you don't have to like him but it was literally within like yeah. minutes. And and if yeah that's that's the thing if if that's the, exactly the wrong way to go about it because if you are you know. Uh, practicing the sort of triumphalism about you know someone you already didn't like getting caught out then you know you're putting the focus on your enmity for to uh, towards them rather than what they actually did and you know that's so it, you know if like you know anything that comes out about Louis being like an awful place to work which by all accounts yeah. it is but you, you know uh so oh well yeah i, I didn't like Louis anyway because you know they uh they they gave the belt to goldberg rather than kevin owens <laughs> you know like it, it's it's besides the fucking point lads come on yeah, yeah. I, I mean the, you know the, the the and the thing is is that you know at the end of the day um I, i'll fully admit to this um because i i i genuinely don't like to and again this might be something that comes from a position of privilege and i acknowledge that but i actually don't like to live my life having to second guess um if people are genuine or not i like yeah. to take people that um you know I, I, I do like to take people at face value i try to not be cynical as regardless of what my you know my public persona might, <laughs> might suggest yeah, I do yeah, try yeah, not yeah. Be absolutely um i want to take people at face value especially when someone's saying look i'm a trade unionist supposedly sticking my head above the parapet here um and trying to take on you know uh, a, a world you know, a, a corporate business uh, you know uh, entertainment world which is completely stacked against me um in terms of my situation and i genuinely thought as a trade unionist as a socialist what a great thing to have a pro wrestler out there, um, you know, uh, being so strident about this message. And I, I was a huge, huge David Starr mark. Um, absolutely. I same. absolutely ad- adored him as a wrestler. I thought he was the, the fucking, you know, I thought politically he was exactly the shot in the arm that wrestling needed in terms yeah. of the trade union question. And I was completely 100% behind him, both because of my political beliefs being shared by him and also, you know, because of, because of his work in the ring. So I was, you know, uh, uh, sharing David Starr videos. I was constantly retweeting him. Everyone was. Like an asshole. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at the sort of, I think if you had said to somebody last year, this time last year, we may even have said ourselves, if you said to somebody, name the best feud of the 2010s. Yeah. The best oh, story yeah. of the 2010s. It's OTT and Star and Devlin and Walter. Yeah. That, that, yeah. that yeah. one. We, I think it, it, sweet, it would have sweeped the Stompies last year. Yeah. It would have, like, you know, we, everyone was so behind it and it was such an amazing piece of art at the time that was the absolute pinnacle of what wrestling could be. And now it's worthless. Absolutely, absolutely. It, it, like the it, video makers like the, the 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 videos that they made for that feud were so incredible everyone's like this is some of the best art like genuinely yeah. legitimate art you've ever seen yeah. in wrestling all gone now yeah absolutely <laughs> it it means it means jack shit like yeah and, you know, and, everyone everyone is going to feel like every yeah. single person that works towards that yeah. those events that, that, that those angles that build for that company that wasn't involved in this stuff 
is, you know, is, is going to feel like absolute shit and they're never going to want to revisit that and they never want to go see it again yeah. because of the stuff that it will remind them of. I don't want to fucking watch it again because it has to remind me of how I was taken in by these fucking cunts. Do you know what no, I mean? I, I... I remember... Um, talking about someone else who I was a huge fan of that, um, you know, this year I never want to think about again. But some people, unfortunately, won't have the uh, the luxury of being able to not think about it again because he's ruined their life. Is Jack Gallagher? I met him at the first um, at the first North Wrestling show. I actually helped set up the ring at it. I went out and I actually guided him from where he was uh, um, uh, outside the station uh, down to where the uh, the event was. And I thought, how fucking cool. Uh, it's Jack Gallagher. He's one of my favorite wrestlers. I chatted to him at his merch stand about Billy Robinson and went and told everyone about how fucking great a guy Jack Gallagher was that I yeah. just met and cheered for we when he went to the WWE. Interview and I feel like we were going to try and interview him. And like, can, can yeah. you imagine if we fucking had Jeez. done that? Like I mean, I, I'm. Yeah, we would have had to nuke that, nuke that to the ground. That, you know. Yeah, Jack it's horrendous. Jr. As I, well. I I reached out to Jack yeah. Zack Saber Jr. Going, look, we we are we are into this. We are like a lot of the stuff that you like and stuff like that. I think we we would be a great fit. And like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's it's yeah. and 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 the thing is, like, uh, you know, I I don't want to live in ignorance, you know. So like, if you know, every single positive memory of wrestling that I have ever had in my life from like going to it live. I'm not talking about like historical stuff, but I'm talking about, you know, my experiences following indie wrestling in the UK and in Europe from, you know, 2014 onwards. If every single memory of that is tainted because stuff comes out about the, the, the people that I was watching, then I want that stuff to come out because I would rather that every single positive memory of wrestling that I've ever had in my life is utterly destroyed than people who have undergone abuse have to suffer in silence. Yep, and, you know, that, that is, that is as far as I'm concerned, the only ethical response to any of this. Cause at the end of the day, lads, it's fucking wrestling. It really doesn't yeah. matter in the grand scheme of things. It is yeah, no. a niche hobby for lads in uh, undisputed era uh, snapbacks you know it it very much does not matter in the grand scheme of things vis-a-vis uh, social justice and i think that kind of brings us on to the third reason why wrestling's been hard to watch this year which is uh um, covid19 you may have heard of it it's a um, curious little group of viruses um <laughs> sorry i, I had i had to um um reference my favorite short film which is um checkmate which was done by the york uh york university student tv do check it out if it's still online because it is absolutely fucking amazing it's so bad um but um yeah i will um it com- features the line my dad died because of america he was just minding his own business and it's never mentioned again <laughs> so um <laughs> great stuff you love to see people creating great art but yeah COVID-19 guys um so um yeah wrestling's been off the table um in general for a lot of this year and in a way that is good because uh can you fucking imagine if this speaking out stuff had uh emerged while promotions were actively running shows I guarantee you it would have emerged at a show I guarantee you absolutely it would be like it was not was Osprey not meant to win and was Osprey not meant to be in the G1 the day after it broke or the best of Well, he was, he, he was in the G1. Uh, you know, like, um, can you imagine if uh, all this stuff were coming out and promoters were having to either, you know, book around it or just keep keep booking folks? I mean, think of the number of opportunities Bram got because he was one of the boys. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Endless. Uh, like, what the fuck is Bram adding to a show besides being a piece of shit? Not even being a good worker, but, you know, he's mates with all the people, so let's just fucking book him. You know, can you imagine if that sort of stuff had been going on during, uh, you know, uh, while, while there were shows? Especially I, I, ICW, I think I think it needs, to, like, you can't understate the everyone knew they yeah. were, like, pieces of shit in terms of Everybody, everybody knew that there was some very shady goings on. Absolutely. Amongst that, like no, and nobody was ever. It was just kind of accepted. Like at the time, it's just oh, you know, like they're, they're ICW, they're wacky or wrestlers, you know, uh, you know, it's locker room nonsense or whatever. It was just kind of like an open secret. And like, yeah, you, like I mean, um, ICW just literally booked the Briscoe Brothers last year. Yeah, uh, Fight Club Pro booked, uh, booked the Briscoe Brothers. I, I I went to a show that the Briscoe Brothers were on. I probably shouldn't have done that, but there were people on the show that I wanted to see. Yeah, and, yeah I've done the same. And, I've done the same at ROH in Edinburgh with like Naito yeah. and stuff like that, yeah. And you know, quite frankly, that's on me. Like That's something that I have to look at in the future and to you know um, pay more attention to uh, consuming ethically. But like that, that COVID has really shown again, like who are just more basic cowboys in the uh, the the indie wrestling industry. You know, the promotions who are clearly absolutely chomping at the bit to get back running shows. Um, they've posted a cursory two paragraphs about the, uh, the speaking out movement on their website. They've promised to put in safeguarding um, you know measures. They they're going to DBS check all the wrestlers as if that's going to fucking do anything aside from point up right when you've actually been convicted of stuff yeah they've done all that stuff they want to get back running uh, wrestling they don't care about uh, safeguarding and they don't care about the fucking you know deadly viral pandemic that has been ravaging the entire planet for the last year fucking ref pro show like that the the ref pro show was like august like f you like i'm i'm doing a straight mark mode reviewing little man here right (laughs) If you bought that show, shame on you, right? A- absolutely, yeah. sh- there is no justification for yeah. you to watch and, and, and that the, show. The fact that they put um, RevPro, which has never given the slightest shit about that its women's division, in yeah. to the point where I posted a tweet about uh, me waiting for the the next uh, women's title match on a York Hall show and it's just like Bart and Lisa for skeletons in the Simpsons and that tweet was liked by their current women's champion who was not booked <laughs> on the show um like and a promotion like that putting uh, Giselle Shaw versus Jamie Hayter as the main event of their first post-covid show and like I love both those women they are both fantastic yeah both but really like it wrestling. was extremely fucking transparent that the reason they did that was to fend off any criticism that they could possibly cop about their, uh, you know, frankly, uh, you know, uh, inadequate uh, response to, uh, to to speaking out. And yeah, the thing is, like, promotion of the show, GCW, I have enjoyed loads of GCW shows in the past. Yeah. Um, you know, the Janela Spring Break shows, they're great shit, the Blood Sports, you know, really, really fun. But fuck me, like, intentionally running Indiana because. You know, the governor of Indiana is a right wing fucking Republican crackpot and doesn't believe in COVID and has just decided, yep, yeah, you can run shows in, in our state. Don't give a shit about that. Yeah, um, that's our sovereign accent back yeah, again. The, the, the deep south of Nebraska coming back. Yeah, it's, um, it's a bit it's of a, well, uh, uh, Are you referring to because I, I have a bit of a 
I'm not really sure where I stand on this because, like, um, I think the GCW show in particular, the conditions were, were pretty non-safe, if I'm correct. Absolutely. Um, and, and the thing is, like... Because I, I, I think, think you can do it safely. I should. I, I mean, I think that it's, it is difficult because, like, I'm, I'm very, I've always been very conflicted about this in the sense that... Um, I think that there are there are there is some American indie wrestling which is sort of tentatively um, quite safely back on now in the sense that it includes distancing from the crowd and it's obviously there are everything. Yeah, seems absolutely, to be absolutely. And I, I do worry because I, I don't want these promotions who have done no not, nothing wrong really at all, you know, other than existing amid a pandemic to be to have to shut down or to not. No, be no, able to no, no shows. Not, not, not at so, all. I'm I'm certainly yeah. not a. You know, people have got to earn a living and yeah, uh, I, I completely understand that. But I think there's a difference between these sort of small <laughs> indies yeah. and, I you know, was... yeah, a, a WrestleMania weekend style uh, weekend where they've they're all but encouraging people to like travel across the country yeah. to to the the state of Indiana to watch it. And the thing is, like, um, you know, you, you might say, OK, that's a bit of a double standard. But at the same time, like you are you have to apply different standards to different situations if they are different. For example, I've still been able to watch a lot of uh, a lot of Pearl this year because the Japanese government, while it is still and you know, let's make no bones about this, absolutely fucking chocker with hard right ideologues yeah. in the same way that our government is. At the very least, their hard right ideologues have done a somewhat like not terrible job of contain, uh, containing the pandemic. And there's also sort of, um, if you look at some of the uh, the uh, scientific papers about this, there's the suggestion that um, because of greater exposure to things like SARS, people's immune systems in Japan are different. And also the greater culture of mask wearing, where, you know, certainly greater than at my fucking local Tesco, where you, you wouldn't believe there <laughs> oh, was yeah. a pandemic on. So, like, you can watch things like, I don't know, uh, Choco Pro or, or things like that. And, uh, you know, the stardom shows that have been happening and uh you know you cannot feel as bad about watching them as gcw because at the end of the day they're taking place under much more germane conditions if there was a fucking indie show in new zealand that would not be problematic to watch because their governments did again while like engaging in fairly like neoliberal policies in in many regards you know fair play to them because they're covid free like you 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 can't argue with the fucking results yeah, bushwhacker I... luke could open up an indie show tomorrow <laughs> and yeah, i'd that... feel fine watching it <laughs> yeah. the, the, the samoan wrestling dynasty because like uh, and like the, uh, all the other pacific islands who just basically shut their borders in february and told everyone to fuck off if, <laughs> yeah. to be fair if we got wrestling promotion there outside of covid times i would be all over it but like uh, of, yeah, of course like, you would i mean mongolia did the same i mean can you imagine like blue wolf produce in ulaanbaatar yes exactly, please exactly exactly <laughs> like um yeah but no i like it's, it's a very conflicting thing for myself as well yeah. because um obviously i've i've been on record a lot you know obviously i like to go uh, I, I like to go to football matches a lot. I went to yeah. 103 matches in the 1819 season. I go to any old shit. I don't care. I've not been to a game since the 10th of March. Um, I'm not counting. I'm definitely not counting. But I well, obviously by doing the official podcast, we mentioned it before. Obviously, we get like our certificate of recommendation from the club and stuff like that. And we've done lots of stuff during lockdown and all that. We have spoken about the idea that we probably could push our press accreditation for one or two of us if, if we we pushed it because we know people who have got it who yeah. are shall we say and not not as held in as great statue as ourselves 
by the club that we probably could if we went to them we know the people who'd run the press and stuff like that anyway if we went to them we probably could wangle it but as well as that we're looking at it and we're like I, I we've spoke to people who have been going to games and stuff like that and they're like you can't go for a pish except at designated times there's no pies there's no bottle you can't speak to people you can't go see your friends you basically turn up you wait in a big queue and they say you sit there and you don't move until half time and that's it you don't have any movement or anything like that to limit the spread and you have people who make sure everybody's you no know, sanitizing stuff like that but there's yeah. really really stringent things like for example the away teams at Hill now have to get changed in the concourse next to the pie hut and the Jack- jackie husband stand at the moment <laughs> because you can't use the changing rooms because that's proper football there. That is, right? And they walk down the stand and you see them and the official do the same in the Aitkinson, which is at the pub for the hospitality and all that. But those sort of things happening where, like, what's the point in going to the game then? Like, I, yeah. I've been to some I've been to some dead games. I mean, we went to see um, the Chagos Islands versus the Parishes of Jersey in front of about 40 diehard anoraks at Harrogate Town. The place was pretty dead. And even then, like, there was still a social aspect to it for ourselves. And you, you kind of get sucked into it. There was a bit of an atmosphere, like the, the same. The same as if like like wrestling and stuff like that. Like like if I if I I know if Fissel decided next week, you can go back. Right, the, the, we went down to tier two or whatever, and we were able to go back. Like Manpreet, uh, famed Fissel fan Manpreet, he talked about the fact that he really liked because we're now in League One, we're in the seaside leagues. He liked the fact that. You're going to go to grounds that were like standing and terracing and stuff like that. And he's a very social animal. As am I, I have lots of friends who go and sit at different places and you go flip from person to person and stuff like that and go see them and talk. So you go sit with one person for half time, then go sit with somebody else at second half and you know, mingle, schmooze basically. You you won't be able to do that at the football. And you won't be able to do that at wrestling either. No, like, God, God no. And as we've said like before, like a large part of why I go to go to wrestling is the social aspect. Like there are people <laughs> I you know go to the shows that i love touching base with and uh just just have, having a just having a chat with about uh about the you know about the show we've just seen or like what we're excited about it, it, it really is and the thing is like you know david you're you're the and i and i, I use this term in the most uh glowing sense the most obsessive football fan that i know <laughs> you go to like over 100 games a season yeah. and yet you have been as hardline as anyone i know about the need to you know be sensible in terms of actually you probably shouldn't be having like a bunch of people coming into football stadiums at the moment because yeah. there's a you know quite serious disease about and the vaccine hasn't been uh, released yet so i mean uh, I, I mean i i edit this is reference to reference quite a lot on the first podcast and i yeah. edit it out all the time because i know the club listen to it but i know they don't listen to this like manpreet and his friends go to the canal behind the stadium to watch the games every week. Uh, that is, that is, and uh, I'm not doing this in a, a libelous or getting him into trouble or anything like that. He literally posts it on his Instagram story <laughs> at the ground <laughs> watching. So I'm, I'm not doing anything to tarnish. Are, are, are you, he- are you hearing this, Mr. Starmer? Exactly. <laughs> right. So, but we have consistently told him, look, please don't. We stay in the house. And like, there is, I can't deny there is a romanticism to it. Like, you know, back when March or whatever, we were all like, we, we genuinely had said we'll go to the Inverness game. We'll, we'll travel up four hours to Inverness because it was a, the last game. That was a game that famously we got relegated because it got postponed and it was meant to be two days after the lockdown. Um, and we probably would have won it and not got relegated. But um, they, 
yeah, we we'd said I was like, oh, I'll say I've got COVID and work, and we'll go to Inverness away. Like genuinely, because you're just kind of not taking it seriously. And at the time, we we kind of you know we're like, and then it happened, and it was just complete shutdown. And we're like, right, it's real bad if that happens. Like you know, you, you understand the gravity of it. And we we romanticised it, going, oh, we'll sit in the canal like all the old firm fans do when they play the old firm and all that. And you know, well, it's about the sociality, the the, the camaraderie of it, and all. And we'll all sit, and we'll have cans, and we'll get deck chairs, and we'll all sit, and it'll be great, and we'll all just have a laugh. And then it literally came to that point, and I was like, absolutely fucking not, absolutely no. not, just no, I just don't want to do it. And it's it like, yeah, I I couldn't possibly possibly think of it of doing it now because the problem is right. And again, we're talking about like press accreditation and stuff like that, and actually being in the ground because we know people who be in the ground and all that. The thing is, is you're micromanaged when you are there. You're not micromanaged out on the canal up by the hill. Do you know what I mean? You're sitting with your pal, yeah. sharing bottles of tonic, you know, having tans of the same bottle and all that, and you're not really especially worried about two meters or anything like that. Like if wrestling, like you know, that's the same with like going to Bethnal Green and sitting having cans. You know, social distance yeah. cans in the park is a joke. Like, you know, like that we make and stuff like that. But I don't think any of our group, which maybe puts us in good stead and shows how sensible we are. You know, the you know the grown ups are back in politics. You know, yeah. we are the sensibles <laughs> on this one. Well, we are literally just like, no, sorry, I don't need to go for a guy. Like Jackson, Jackson has literally never leaves his house except to go to work. Yeah. And he's he was all he's always like I just go out all the time. Jackson in his time has been a waste man par excellence. Yeah, exactly. And like he's like, no, I just stay in the house or I go to the auto and drink well, beer. Well, it, yeah. And and this is the other thing, like you know, you know, there have been fans let into grounds for games at you know big uh, Premier League or uh, Championship clubs. Like you know, football f- clubs are like you know not huge businesses, but like you know relatively significant community assets. And because there's a lot of scrutiny on them uh, from the from the media in general, I would you know not that I would go to a game under the current circumstances, but to the extent that it is safe, I would trust them to put all of the um, procedures in place that they can. I certainly wouldn't fucking trust indie wrestling promotions to do it. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what i mean like um you know part of this will be the fucking gold standard of social distancing compared with say uh fight club pro if it comes back and i certainly hope it fucking doesn't but um as far as covid goes just quickly before we move on um uh, empty arena shows on an aesthetic level um now i i will i know david you've watched the only wrestling you've watched this year has been tori Yano g1 matches and you you, you, seem, you seem quite happy with this uh, state of affairs no, i have yeah uh, well, I'll talk about it later, but yes, right, yeah. yeah. Now, the thing is, I've there has been some wrestling uh, this year that the thing is, there's been a lot of empty arena wrestling, which has just been a uh, you know a futile facsimile of of the real thing. I'm talking about like WWE with its Thunderdome, uh, Rev Pro with its uh, fucking shows, which are watched by like 300 odd people. Um, even all like of them a, reprobates. All of them should be yeah, deeply fucking ashamed of themselves. A, I, I cannot stress this enough. On a list, um, you know the New Japan G1 stuff. Um, you know, but like there have been promotions which have um, tried to do something different, and they have 
you know, it, it, it feels like I'm sure they haven't said, oh, we can you know, use the pandemic as an opportunity. I'm sure that's not their thought process, but they've they've seen the needs to adapt what they do and not in a shit way like WWE with the fucking uh, Street Profits versus Viking Raiders, whatever the hell that was match. But, you know, something like a Gatto move who have done their Choco Pro shows, which are in an almost you know, Brechtian sense um replace the audience with a, a, a an implied viewer through the fourth wall of the camera um in in you know and they've gone for this quite diy aesthetic in their shows and they're, they're not changed in the terms of substance uh from what they were doing with uh, sh- shows with people in attendance that much but i feel it's worked quite well in in that sense and uh, uh tokyo joshi um the first shows they did after lockdown they were just at their dojo there was no people in attendance. Just had a little tournament uh, with the whole roster, two count to win, some barbecue vouchers for the winner. And, uh, yeah. you, know, Maki, you know, Maki Ito does that spot where she says, who is the cutest in the world? And then everyone shouts Ito-chan. And then she does the 10-point spot in the corner. And she did the same spot and then started crying because no one told her she was the cutest in the world because there, <laughs> there was no crowd there. And, you know, that's the sort of stuff that has been actually good. In, and, you know, it's the same with the same as speaking out, really. You know, wrestling fans, uh, wrestling promotions, sorry, trying to carry on regardless uh, when the, you know, the circumstances surrounding their operation yeah. have very much changed um, he's just an absolute fucking no go yeah but and, and but I, I also think that you know if we don't get that um i'll be honest like um that is the other thing that's made it really hard to watch wrestling this year um you know even if i wanted to is that i absolutely cannot get on with wrestling without without fans um yeah. you can tell you can, t- you can tell me that it's um it's all about the art and uh you know uh, and how creative you can be in staging something, and that's fine after a little bit. You know, Funk versus Lawler, the uh, the the the, the yeah, famous. Yeah. I was about to mention that. The greatest matches of all time, right? Oh, I love it. Before 2020, I was absolutely bastard for empty arena matches. I watched yeah. every one because I yeah, loved yeah, them. Yeah. But they're yeah, empty yeah, yeah. arena for a reason because it yeah. serves a yeah. purpose I, yeah. in the storyline. Yeah, but I, you know, I I don't, but I don't want to watch Jerry Lawler versus Terry Funk for three hours. In an you empty certainly arena. don't want to watch uh, Jerry Lawler versus Terry Funk now. Yeah, in their no, current no. physical condition maybe no, you do actually david probably does you know but uh, but, uh, but i i i i need the dynamic between um, another thing which a lot of people don't agree with um is that i actually think that yes so much of it is terrible most of it's terrible but i actually think that um a, a good wrestling commentary immeasurably adds to the experience absolutely um, and there's, uh, there's so uh, few people so, who do it yeah, well so i mean i i took my mum to a show last year and I was like extremely happy that I was able to do this. And it's entirely um, uh, coming out of her being curious enough from reading uh, The Rise and Fall of Ricky Dozan on sale now on Kindle for £2.49. Um, <laughs> she, uh, she was curious enough from having read that to actually get, OK, I kind of get why people like this uh, back in the day. So, you know, maybe I should come to a show. And I did explain to her and you know, my dad always, uh, whenever I talk about how great wrestling is, my dad always says, but it's not real. I was like, yeah, I know it's not real, but... Part of the magic of it is that the crowd treats it as though it's real and they yeah. they function as an extra performer in the same way that a crowd at a pantomime would. You know, yeah, if, you, if, if you were the fool in a pantomime and you came out and said, how are you doing, boys and girls, and all the children in the crowd absolutely fucking no-sold no it, that would be extremely weird and disquieting. And it, it's the same in yeah. wrestling. You or, know. or you'd just be at an Evolve show. Like. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely you know the kind of people who are like oh, i cheer british strong style because i'm a heel fan and i like the heels are just oh, absolute oh, scum oh. of the earth to tartarus with a lot of you um oh, you know oh. the, the part of why wrestling is great is because it's not real but the crowd treats it as though it is and no. you know 
that you know people often say you look at the john cena cm punk match from money in the bank 2011 is that an absolutely flawless technical classic no there were like three botches i can think of on the top of my head same with undertaker versus Shawn michaels at wrestlemania 25 he nearly killed a cameraman he did like... he nearly killed a cameraman and you know you don't care that cameraman's life is forfeit as far as i'm concerned because <laughs> the crowd reaction to that match carried it along you know in the same way that cena versus punk was absolutely made by the molten red hot chicago crowd who absolutely all in on you know you do those moves in a vacuum it's fucking shit as chris jericho yeah. said you know chris jericho says a lot of stupid shit but he, he, he said you watch uh the rock versus hulk hogan at wrestlemania 18 with the sound off and it's 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 a, a an average to bad match yeah. but you watch it with the sound on and it's the greatest match you've ever seen yeah, and he's absolutely, absolutely. right. And, so, and it's the same for everything, right? I was watching, um, you know, yesterday I was catching up with the uh, UFC uh, show yeah. from uh, over the weekend. The, it, some, some some good fights on that show, but the main event is we're talking like, you know, yeah, again, you know, there's moments where, you know, it's, it's a flyweight contest. There's moments when, you know, t- technique is is abandoned in favour of just an all out, you know, uh, <laughs> I love fights like that. Scrap. But it's a, it's a magnificent fight. Like, I'd, I'd, I'd absolutely encourage everyone to go and watch it. Fantastic fight, right? Um, but, I'm watching it and I'm going, you know what? So this is one of the best fights I've seen for years. This is a fight of the year candidate without question. And I'm thinking yeah. it's a shame though, isn't it? Cause I'm never going to remember it. Absolutely. And this is why it's, um, we are a Japanese wrestling podcast. I have watched, you know, I mostly watch Japanese stuff uh, and I have taken a lot of refuge in Puro. You know, as far as speaking out goes, there's not been stuff come out about Japanese promotions and probably isn't going to, there's such a culture of secrecy around it. There probably is all sorts of like dodgy shit that that happens involving quote unquote sponsors, and you're never going to hear about it. But the and I, you know, I, I'm not saying it's 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 certainly not a good thing that it's it's kept hush hush. Uh, but you you watch these shows and like you at least have the the cloak of you know not not knowing this uh, stuff. Like I say, it's it's not good. It it really isn't. But you you watch Japanese shows they and in 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 the sense that uh, you know they've like I say the government has reacted to COVID quite well and the people have generally tended to be sensible. You can do shows in Japan now with a crowd which is socially distanced or wearing masks, and you know they're not allowed to you're not allowed to cheer, but you still get a crowd. And uh, you know even you know. So yeah, it's. Uh, Watching wrestling has been difficult this year, but um, just just so it's not too much of a fucking downer before we get onto the Christmas content. This has literally been about forty-five minutes you know, of the most serious yeah. content. We've oh yeah, I, I I I know, but like like Happy I say, Happy Christmas! It... <laughs> it's Christmas. <laughs> but yeah, it, it 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 did need saying. That's the thing we because we're a um, historical wrestling podcast for the most part. We tend to focus on stuff that happened like you know often before any of us were born. And, uh, you know, it, it, it does need talking about. You cannot do a recap of 2020 without addressing this stuff. Because, Four and a half stars, not the Tokyo Dome. Yeah, it's just, suffused, it's just suffused the whole <laughs> the whole year. But, like, what, you know, I'm, I'm just going to ask for, like, maybe a couple of examples from everyone. Um, what have what has made you happy in 2020? It doesn't necessarily have to be wrestling. Yeah, I actually have got some wrestling things to talk about because I do want to talk about, you know, um, uh, 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 some of the positives in, the, in a year of awfulness. Yeah, go um, on. And for me, uh, that would be um, that I actually think that with the decline of New Japan in terms of quality uh, recently, uh, for various different reasons, and I actually think that I'm actually seeing probably 
I just, for, for, in about the last sort of seven, eight years, this is probably historically the lowest uh, interest I've seen in terms of just um, people that I follow in the sort of uh, the the, the uh, general uh, wrestling fandom landscape uh, yeah. in terms of New Japan. Um, but bigger interest um, on the other Japanese companies, I think, because people are searching for a bit of an alternative. Because it's been nearly a decade now since you know New Japan's been the dominant, uh, the clearly dominant uh, yeah. force in, in in Japanese wrestling. Um, and uh, you know. I think a lot of people that maybe got into New Japan in the mid uh, sort of 2010s, you know, are now getting to the point where they've had their three, four, five years of sort of hardcore fandom, <laughs> getting a little bit bored, they're looking for other things. I don't know if you could call it the rise, but the um, the slow uh, sort of gradual crawl back up to um, sort of a, a reasonable um, sort of interesting business again that Noah's done has been great this year. Yes. Um, before um, the suspension of activities because of COVID, I was. Um, very 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 much um into uh the uh, uh fujita and G- shiazaki feud um, <laughs> the stare down yeah which was incredible Hell i loved yeah. it match of the year candidate i uh, don't care what anyone says a uh, really interesting creative uh, brave thing to do um and uh, yeah shiazaki versus uh, fujita was my feud of the year at the start of the year i was really into it, it was probably the japanese promotion i was following the most um Really exciting stuff, really interesting uh, uh, sort of stuff. And I think in general, um, I've actually just noticed that um, as we've uh, just to age this, uh, he's actually just won the uh, a special award at the uh, the Tokyo um, uh, uh, Pro Sports. What is it? Uh, what would you call it again? Uh, the, to- uh, Tokyo Sports Magazine. Yeah. Tokyo Sports Magazine Awards. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, he, so, he, yeah. He, des- he deserves it, I think. He deserves it. Absolutely. Because for me. Yeah. This year, I mean, uh, I, I'm, this is a guy who, if you include the Fujita match, you include the Nakajima yeah. match, um, and you also include the uh, Segura match from a few days ago. Um, that's three uh, 45-minute to an hour-long matches yeah. that he's had in, in, in a year. And I generally, as I've said many times in this podcast, very much dislike long matches there these days. I don't have the attention span for yeah. it. That's not what I want from a wrestling. All three of those would probably easily get into the high numbers of my top ten of the year. Um, Shiazaki has been incredible. He is the best wrestler in terms of his position. You know, in terms of what he does, in my opinion, he is the best wrestler in terms of the ace for his company in in Japan at the moment. Um, yeah, I just think he's been I, incredible. Um, I mean, we we've I'll, had you know. we've had this discussion online uh, quite recently in that uh, you, you've we've been saying like, you know, New Japan does a load of uh, you know half hour plus main events. People seem quite down on them. Why aren't people down on Noah and I, I think I think it's as you say. Noah tries to do something different with them. They don't have as stringent as a, of a formula as New Japan no. does, and it's the point that has been made by several people in that Kazuchika Okada, as great as he is, can you really call him, uh, you know, someone approaching goat status if his time on top has managed to convince a large swathe of wrestling fans, some of whom I know, that long matches are never good. Yeah, and and that's the thing. Long matches can be great if you. Go back to episode one of this podcast. That match is like three quarters of an hour. We put it over fucking huge. The problem is not long matches. The problem is formulas. Yeah. And uh, I, I think, like you know, that that Fujita match, that had a, a, a big massive stare down. Okay, it wasn't for everyone. Loads of people you know, didn't like it. Loads of people didn't like the um, uh, Shiazaki Sugiyoa match because they thought the pace was uh, uh, too methodical, you know, the recent one. But they're trying to do something outside the box. I can, I'm way more on board with this than i am with a company which 
seemingly mapped the same template onto every single main event match, no matter who's in it, and no matter what championship belt it is for, whether it is Absolutely. the IWGP Championship or the fucking, you know, never open weight title, evil seven day Singapore title well, rating special. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you could easily say that several of the of the of the core you could take New Japan and say they definitely do that. Um, you, you certainly, when Miyahara was champion, I like Miyahara a lot, but like you yeah. know, you could definitely accuse his matches in, in all Japan of having the same template um, uh, uh, to them. Um, you know, uh, a lot of the BJ, uh, BJW sort of strong divisions going to have the same template of matches. Yeah, I, I can. I, ca- I can't watch but, you know, more than a couple of matches of that in a row. Yeah. You know. Exactly, you know, but then, you know, I think you've got companies like No, and I think it's no surprise that Noah's been brought under the sort of parent company of DDT um, uh, for, for, for this year as well. And I think that makes a lot of sense, because I think what I like about those um, uh, that co- combination is, um, you know, I think DDT and Noah now like, DDT, I admit, I can't maybe watch you know more than um i tend to keep maybe watch three four five ddt shows a year i don't watch everything um you know because I, it's not, i'm not always in the mood for it uh but you know they always try and do something different and noah's doing that same thing for maybe an all, a more old-fashioned kind of like um you know a traditional style um a more conservative style of wrestling uh but you know you do get the feeling in those two promotions that you get wrestlers that are allowed to go out there and tell stories off their own back and that aren't sort of, you know, molded to this particular booking style. Um, and I think that that makes for, you know, an, an interesting product. So, yeah, I think both those promotions in terms of Puro have been, have been brilliant this year. Absolutely. I would like to. The thing I've enjoyed in Puro most this year, I've watched uh, a this amount of stuff, mostly Joshi. I mean, that is like more my bag than uh, what our, our good friend Luke calls men's Joshi. <laughs> this uh, this year, although I have kept abreast of all the... Uh, main uh, main promotions um i've really enjoyed assemble and uh, if you don't know what assemble is it's a uh, conglomerate of various joshi promotions they're doing interpromotional shows wherein uh, each company will present one match the uh, the order is determined via uh, random uh, rod stewart scottish cup fifth round ballot where they all draw <laughs> balls out of a little tumbler and you know uh, and they've done a couple of shows so far which have been on pay-per-view and i would if you can find anyone with a hooky copy of it on your know, google drive or whatever you know not that i'm suggesting anyone uh, breaks the law unless you're a cop in which case you can do it uh, with the full backing of the leader of the labor party but uh, if you check out these shows they're honestly so like just just enriching in a in a, in a spiritual sense because you know i i don't doubt that it is expedient for these you know, small Joshi companies to come together to try and get a bit of buzz and create a bit of money because, you know, you know, because of the, of the, uh, the pandemic, so many promotions are circling the drain financially uh, somewhat, you know, it, it's good for them to come together and uh, try and support each other. But at the same time, the shows are so much fun. And um, the fact that they've got Akira Hokuto involved and Chigusa Nagayo and various Joshi legends like that. And, uh, They've had Hokuto and Nagayo. They've had um, Minami Toyota and Etsuko Mita. They've, they've got this equipment where it looks like the Ghostbusters uh, like backpacks and they've been disinfecting the ring with this stuff. And then you've got like Hokuto and Nagayo doing impromptu idle routines in between matches <laughs> while disinfecting the ring. And, uh, you know, it's just a it's just a really good time. And, uh, you know, it's nice to see these companies supporting each other. So I would really suggest that uh, people check out uh, Assemble Shows. And if you're like, so you've dipped your toes into the waters of Joshi and you really know stardom or to push stardom and Tokyo Joshi. Um, and you, you, you may be curious about, uh, you say, 
um marvelous or comical and sexy pro wrestling wave then i would imagine like it would be it would be really good for you to check out these uh, shows i'd really recommend them they're really good and uh i don't know things i've been enjoying but i got good at mahjong um i <laughs> Uh, th- this this weekend prior to recording, I finished uh, 15th out of 88 in the UK uh, Reichi Mahjong Championship, which is the Japanese variant. Uh, and I wrote all to the lads at Sega, making sure you can't get all the achievements on the Yakuza games without having played a shitload of Mahjong. And then I, I played enough of that game and got the achievements. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm good at Mahjong now. I should like enter a tournament or something. Um, and, and I did. And it's been quite good. I've done a lot of gaming in general during lockdown um it's it's been quite good like uh uh you know you know take time for self-care guys honestly like uh those interests you have that you think okay this isn't maybe that productive but i enjoy it just fucking do it like uh you 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 know don't feel guilty for having pursued these interests because like you know at the end of the day hashtag rise and grind twitter is a fucking disease you don't need to have a side hustle you want to get the platinum on god of war and spend 60 hours doing that fucking do it like you're, you're staying alive and having fun what I, more can you want at this point i have literally spent every sunday for the last two and a half months with my friend that i met at uni before lockdown playing tour de france 2017 <laughs> on the, <PS4. laughs> the high octane thrills and we love it i mean it's and i, I told my other friend this and they're like oh yeah i played a game that's fucking shit that game and i was like no it's not like like we, we just sit we we, we cycle the Dordogne together. It's great, and like beautiful thing. Yeah, and it's like no. It's a it's bit not... like the sort of the trip with Steve Coogan and Rob Bryden, but you just yeah, do yes. it from your own it's, home. It's pretty much that. Yeah, we just sit and chat shit, and we cycle through like Nice, and it's yeah. great. But like, are you, you know, Michael Caine can... impressions. I, I will say Bradley Wiggins you're... looking at the uh, looking at the uh, schedule, saying, "Am I fucking going over?" Yeah, <laughs> I will say right. If you put Cyberpunk 2077 and Tour de France <laughs> uh, 2017 together, which one of these is transphobic? Which one of these causes actual seizures and epileptic people? And which one of these has lots of bugs? Because I can fucking tell you it's not Tour de France 2017. That, that's true. God, Never as exciting would, as who that. Who would have thought that the more ethical choice would be a game about fucking road cycling? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, um, but no, that, that I've spent countless hours just playing Tour of Hands 17, and it's great. And I'm going to buy them all, and it's going to be fantastic. But yeah, you, you shouldn't feel ashamed. Again, we've talked about this before. I mean, look at all the matches I ever pick for this match uh, for this show. Uh, but I, there is no such thing as guilty pleasures. There's just pleasures. Do you know what I mean? Like, don't feel guilty about it. Nobody gives a fuck. Um, no, and if they do give a fuck, they're, they're they're absolute wrongins. Um, yeah, that, that, that's the thing. We 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 spent. Uh, loads of us spend a lot of time at the start of lockdown watching tiger king like you know <laughs> you, you know that well. it, it really did but like you 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 had to take what was there at the uh at the start of lockdown I, and I just just friend. just take some time for yourself honestly I, I i have a friend if we're talking about weird things that we watched uh, during lockdown i have a friend who he was meant to get married to like two, two weeks in the lockdown yeah. right and uh, they were oh, no. about it and they're like, man, what are we gonna, what are we do? And then um, STV, um, the it's the Scottish version of ITV for those who don't know. Uh, they have their own on-demand service, and they go, take the high road from the beginning on demand. They take the high road as like a 1970s soap opera set in a proper yeah. village, right? Um, um, and they were like, it's on every day, you know, just like your normal soap opera. 
five episodes a week and they watch it after work. Uh, they sit down together and they watch it. And it's their lives now. They literally went to the town that was filmed in, in Aberfeldy, and just went on a yeah. a, a, star, a a sightseeing tour of, of the Take the High Road locations. And it's not very good. They fully admit it's not very good. <laughs> of course it's not. Brought, it brought them together, you know, brought them together, and they're like, you know what, feel more more of a couple because they literally have this routine every day where we just go and we, we watch it, and yeah, it's you know, these this is the perfect time. We always joked about you know when we retire, we'll finally complete Final Fantasy Seven or finally watch <laughs> The Wire. Emerald Weapon is fucking toast made. I literally started playing oh, Final oh, Fantasy no, games because of the lockdown. Things. Like, yeah. you were texting me on the reg about final fantasy one and like your party <laughs> composition and the extra dungeons that you can only get on the ios versions like, <laughs> i would like to say fuck omega both the ff1 boss and the wrestler but like um yeah like and like i think it's a case of this has been a perfect time to indulge those sort of things and just again take take a bit of self-care and um, i have a couple of wrestling things that I'd, I'd like to mention yeah, go on. if you like it's um, one of them toriano matches Possibly. <laughs> right. Now we always uh, we always make a joke, you know. I literally just watched Toriano matches in the G1, and in previous years it has been because I, I I I I if I commit to something I commit to it, but I always fall short. So I always try and watch the G1 and then get to about day four in October, and I went, "Ah, fuck this," and just leave it. And I, I just watched like days one to four in G1. I'm all over that, right? But I always make the I mean, I've, I've talked about how much I love Toriano and his matches and just, you know, good fun to watch. But, um, yeah, like, I, I literally the only, and I mean the only matches I watched in the G1 were Toriano matches because I just thought, I hate wrestling. I hate, I hate a Will Ospreay. Um, <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I don't want to watch uh, any of these matches. I can't be bothered. They're all in front of, like, dead crowds. I, 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 I'm not going to feel it. But, I made appointment viewing. Literally, I would finish working and we'd watch a Toriyama match because he he has this thing where his matches are very funny, right? That, the whole point is, is they are funny, right? And I, I it, you need like take a bit of you know anything that gives you a bit of joy in in, the, in these times. Fucking go with it. Doesn't matter if it's you know silly Toriyama matches or fucking Tour de France 2017, <laughs> or Mahjong, or whatever. If it makes you happy, it makes you happy. And again, we've always talked, it's a perfectly valid um, you know, scope for criticising wrestling matches is, did it make me happy? Yes, it's a great match, right? Yeah. I watched them all, and I think as well, the thing I loved about it was, you got Yano Mania, where he went undefeated, he was like 4-0 and in the G1. <laughs> and people were like... Wild. Maybe maybe Yano might win the G1. Oh, look, like, if, was if, if, if that happens, like if that happens, yeah, I would take back everything negative I'd ever said about Gaylor's booking if that happens. Like, yeah, and um, yeah, so uh, I I absolutely adore it because I, I literally went on the roller coaster ride of every day. What's Tony Yano up to? He's winning again. It's four and all. He's <laughs> coming home. And then of course, just Robinson was the one to beat him first. Oh, be right back sake. down the hill. And f- uh, further justify my hatred of just Robinson. So yeah, but you know as well as that, do, do you know what else Tony Anu is, George? He is the king of pro wrestling. We live in a literal <laughs> world where Shane McMahon is the best in the world, and Tony Anu is the king of pro wrestling. Uh, and- you are like the only person I have, <laughs> literally the only person that I have ever seen 
say anything remotely positive about the King of Pro Wrestling Championship. He is the King of Pro Wrestling. It's like, if you go on, to, go on to Cage Match now, everyone listening, go on to Cage Match now, before January the 4th, I really stress this, before January the 4th, he <laughs> loses it. But go on to Cage Match now and type in King of Pro Wrestling. Toriano will come up because he is the king of pro wrestling. He, Cage he, match, he can't deny he it. He absolutely is, and we, and we love to see it. Like, um, I, I, I will say, by the way, um, shout out to the chap who thought I had somehow hacked the system in the UK Mahjong Open just because I drew Mangan Sumo as a dealer twice in a row. Fuck you and the horse you rode in on, and I'm very glad that you absolutely shagged it in the final round and finished mid table. Sublime master thief, George. <laughs> um, I, I literally am. You literally, I know that you're fuzzing. But yeah, so that that was great, right? Second one, obviously, Goldberg winning the WWE title in 2020. Right? Fuck off. Was that this year? That was this year, right? Not having it. Sorry. No, right, right, uh, right. And the best thing was, is right, you, you, my, my hatred of The Fiend is well on record, right, is how much I just despise The Fiend. And the amount of salty, salty, exquisite tears from fiend stands raging the old man Goldberg speared and Jack Cameron's and the fiends did beat to defeat <laughs> the universal title. I could live off it for years. Honestly, it was great. And I've said it before, wrestling is shit. WWE is shit. Just give me Goldberg winning the title every two years and yeah, I'm barely like, happy. Who's, who's <laughs> getting hit up? Oh, obviously, like... You know, all things being well, I would not have put the title on an 87-year-old Billiam Goldberg. But, <laughs> like, who's getting head up about, oh, no, the, the Fiend would have had an all-time river rain. <laughs> like, fuck off, it's Bray Wyatt. Come on. Yeah, so, yeah, I, that was it. Um, I, I, yeah, pretty, pretty much. I, I'm, glad, I'm glad you're, like, again, the only person in the world to find positives in Dululuwe. I know AEW is going to repeat the trick with Sting coming back and defeating Daniel <laughs> in three minutes. This is going to be amazing. The man they but, call Steve. Uh, but uh, real estate Steve himself is coming uh, for the AEW title. But my final one, and I think you could probably guess this, right? It's been a wild year, George, to be a Scottish person, right? A wild, <laughs> oh, wild I know what's coming. I fucking know year, what's right? coming. If you said to me at any time post um, Kenny McCaskill getting arrested at Wembley 2000 for breach of the peace and then becoming justice minister, right? if you tell me <laughs> any point beyond that, you'll win the WWE title at WrestleMania, I'd be like, are you on acid? That is not, clearly not happening. And we, I went on at length about, uh, on the WrestleMania episode about how much the Drew McIntyre win meant to me because we are a country of failures and yeah, we always followed the last hurdle. And he won, and we all loved it, and it was great. And you're like, well, that's our thing for the year. You know, that's it. We, we've done a thing. You know, we'll get knocked out by Serbia in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah but that, that's your lot for the, the next two decades. We'll lose to Israel in the semi-finals, <laughs> and it'll be all right, because we want to wrestle with you. And then, then they beat Israel, and... I mean, you you remember what I was like uh, on the day. You 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 literally text me about four hours before the game, going, "How are you feeling?" And I was like, "I think I'm going to be sick just because I was so nervous." <laughs> and uh, because it was just like, it's, like I, I've talked about before about how France '98 was the best month of my life. I didn't yeah. care about anything. It was Scotland at World Cup, fully focused. Never never been like that for World Cup ever since our Euros. <laughs> and then and then they won. But the best thing was right. I I kind of explained this to my wife, and my wife has a a, tang, a, a you know a, a tertiary knowledge of football, right? 
Um, and I'd explained this to her, but she kind of clearly not processed it very well. Because um, when they won, I had um, a paralysed expression on my face. I couldn't speak for about five minutes. <laughs> like, genuinely, it was sitting there, and, I, and she was like, what the fuck? And I was like, like, literally just couldn't speak. And then I was like, I was like, I, I actually happened. And she was like, what? I said, the thing I've been waiting 22 years of my life for has actually had like well over half my life. And I was like, what? And I said, no, you, you don't understand. Like, I've literally waited for this moment since the moment Morocco beat us in France 98. <laughs> and yeah. I've went through every emotional trauma you can possibly imagine with Scotland. And, it's, and I can't physically process it. And she was like, you mean this is like she 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 didn't realize that it was like the literal most important football game of tw- in the last 22 years yeah, and yeah. how much it meant to me and like yeah i i have tickets to go to the croatia game purely by luck because i went into a ballot two years ago won the tickets and was like scotland would would typically play that game if they qualified and we were like no that's not happening oh, um oh. i bu- i booked a flight for london literally 20 minutes after the game finished to go to the wembley game i, I was just so fucking delighted for like I, you know england can fuck off like England and the English, absolute roast men, the lot of them. Yeah. But like, yeah. I, I was just like so invested in the Scottish team, uh, like their their quest to get to the US because I knew how long it had been and I know I mean, how, I, I how much it meant to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know how much it meant to you and the the, the people that I know who who are you know, followers of the Scottish national team. And so like, I was I was feeling it like I'm not going to say as much as the Scottish people I know, but like I was I was fucking kicking every ball along with. Uh, with all of the lads so i was just yeah yeah it's weird like literally all of my dreams have came true in 2020 except going out the house <laughs> goldberg um, won the title scott would qualify for the euros fucking cinematic wrestling happened tony yano is the king of pro wrestling <laughs> and they're like oh yeah but you're not allowed to leave the house no yeah. that 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 is a that is a fucking fo- uh, faustian pact if i've ever seen one yeah. um so the uh, I, I guess that uh, sort of brings us to what's made us happy. Um, so as far as the Christmas content, I real I realise you have uh, maybe waited a little bit of a long time in this episode for the uh, the festive fun. Um, we've decided. So in the past, we've talked about like Christmas-based wrestling, or um, we, we we've spent rather a lot of time talking about Christmas dinner and like what we would have for Christmas dinner and which pro wrestlers we would have over and who would cook it for us. So what we've decided this year is to go for the the cultural aspect of Christmas. So one of the things we have done is uh, choose a classic Christmas film and then recast it with pro wrestlers. So my uh, I'm going to go first because I'm I'm I'll be honest, lads, I've had like three and a half uh, big mojitos and I'm not confident in my uh, ability to get through my spiel in, say, 20 minutes time. So I will have the first slot in this section if that's uh, all the same to you. <laughs> um, so, uh, well, yeah, well, basically what we've done, we've all selected a classic Christmas film and we've recast it with pro wrestlers. And uh, so, yeah, the brief I gave to the lads was who are you going to cast in the main roles and how would you change the story, if at all? So the one I've gone for is uh, Charles Dickens's uh, classic uh, festive favourite, The Mystery of Edwin Drood. <laughs> now, obviously, it's a Christmas Carol. Uh, so I've um, I'm I'm cheating a little bit in the sense that uh, Christmas Carol is a novel rather than a film. But there's 
been enough film versions of it over the years. And if you want me to select yeah. one purely at random, um, weirdly enough, the Muppets version is one of the closest to the original text. It is. It yeah. really is. Like, if you read a Christmas Carol and you watch the Muppets film, like, a lot of the lines are just taken verbatim. Yeah. <laughs> Screenwriter for that film was absolutely fucking stealing a living because most of it is just chickens. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just like, I mean, and the, you know, the great thing about it is out of copyright. So, like, uh, the estate of Charles Dickens cannot sue them and indeed cannot sue me for what I'm about to read. It's, it's <laughs> the reason why I've been behind my granddad lots of jazz <laughs> albums for his birthday for the last, like, decade because they're all massively out of um, um not circulation they're out of license now and all cost like one pound fifty and it's fucking great you are absolutely you are absolutely rinsing the estate of mr duke ellington for all of this stuff um so so i have recast um uh, a christmas carol with uh, a good favorite of ours on the podcast antonio Inoki. So I'm just going is to give Simon up. Anoki Bob Cratchit. <laughs> no, he is not. He does figure in this show. You'll have uh, you'll have to uh, see who Simon is playing. I need to his Bob Cratchit. But um, Sarah asked me with a look of intense concern on her face, was I rewriting the whole story? And I was like, fuck you. I'm committed to this podcast, but not that much. So what I've done is given a sort of spark note sort of summary of the plot of uh, Christmas Carol as refracted through my very special brain. Um, so um, here it is. Um, I, w- I will begin. New Japan Pro Wrestling was dead to begin with. So um, the first change I've made is it really isn't plausible that Ebenezer Renoki is, uh, and I'm quoting Dickens here, a squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. So you know how uh, Scrooge, Scrooge is a miser. That is really not something you can say about Anoki. So I just got very Newsnight review this. Oh, oh, absolutely! I've gone for full care mode. So um, I've rewritten it so Anoki isn't a miser, but he's a master spendthrift, but on stuff completely unrelated to his business. Um, <laughs> so rather than refusing to pay, so to pay to heat the dojo, which is what uh, Scrooge would have done, he keeps the heating turned up to maximum to recall his childhood in Brazil. But it's so hot <laughs> that the trainees actually find it very hard to train. Uh, so it is, yeah, basically uh, stuff like that. I've uh, reimagined the classic, and if anything, I believe improved upon the great work of Mr. Charles Dickens. I thought you were going to say that Ebenezer Scrooge is part of the North Korean government. It wouldn't spend anything <laughs> on anything had, apart yeah. from a giant multinational wrestling show. Well, uh, speaking of North Korea, uh, here's how the story starts. Uh, <laughs> on Christmas Eve, uh, Ebenezer Inoki is visited by his adopted son Simon, who invites him to spend Christmas Day with the family. Inoki says no, as he's got a phone call planned with Supreme Leader Kim Il-sung, who has an interesting business proposal involving he's, a currency counterfeiting operation banking. in Pyongyang. He's phone banking for the Supreme Leader. <laughs> yeah, he's phone banking for Juche. Um, <laughs> um, a couple of men then knock at the door, who work for a charity providing assistance to Japanese citizens kidnapped by Saddam Hussein in Iraq. And Inoki immediately ponies up a million yen. However, when his head trainer at the dojo, Yuji Cratchit, requests money to buy protein shakes for the young lions, Inoki doesn't want to hear it, arguing that the youngsters should get swole via the traditional means he grew up with when he was at that stage in his career. He isn't swayed even when Cratchit argues that Tiny Tom, played by Tomohiro Ishii, is wasting away, (laughs) may have to drop down to the junior heavyweight division. Inoki (laughs) Inoki then gives the trainees Christmas Day off. On his way to bed, Inoki sees in the knocker on his bedroom door the face of his former business partner Hisashi Marley, played by Hisashi Shimma, who is the man who took the fall for Inoki when he was discovered to have embezzled money from New Japan to prop up a failing biofuel business in Brazil. Well, I never. 
<laughs> I know, we're Noki involved in shady shit. What the fuck? Um, Antonio Noki part, uh, part of the Labour Party's VIP scheme. <laughs> <laughs> Our cash for access in 2020, and we'd love to see it. Um, Marley's spirit then appears, fettered by chains made of 100 yen coins that he is forced to wear until the debt incurred by Noki is paid off. The spectre tells Anoki that he too will suffer the same fate unless he mends his ways. And he will be visited by three ghosts during the night, the first to appear when the clock strikes one in the morning. So um, I envision the ghost of Christmas past, which uh, appears in the original in the form of an ethereal child. Uh, I wanted it to be played by someone who was a fellow young lion when Anoki was learning his craft in the 1960s, but I I couldn't quite decide who that would be. Then I read that uh, Dickens describes the ghost thus. It was a strange figure, like a child, yet not so like a child as like an old man, viewed through some supernatural medium which gave him the appearance of having receded from the view and being diminished to a child's proportions. So a child like an old man, obviously this ghost should be played by the great Kajika. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Inoki grasps the uh, ghost's hand and it whisks him away to the past, whereupon they gaze upon a lonely, solitary trainee in the JWA dojo doing Hindu squats, washing clothes for his seniors and practicing his arse-scrubbing technique, long after all the other boys have clocked off for the night. They then fly to Chioda Ward in Tokyo to the new Latin Quarter nightclub, where Enoki's old senpai, old Rickywig, is holding his legendary Christmas party. <laughs> Rickywig dances merrily with each female guest to hot jazz music before buying drinks for everyone present, no matter their station in life. Dojo trainees, the large American gentleman in the white mask, legitimate businessmen whose tattoos and missing fingers certainly don't denote anything untoward, and even the shifty-looking fellow in the corner caressing a knife dripping with a curious yellow liquid. Then we get the scene that really makes Anoki regret his past actions. Uh, in the original, this is Scrooge's fiance breaking off the engagement because he spends too much time working and is obsessed with money. Here I have replaced it with a similar betrayal, in which Giant Barber, with whom Inoki had formed an agreement to break off from JWA and form a new company, decides against the plan in the end. Jesus, Mary and Joseph, sure I can't be going into business with the man of your wasteful habits feckin' state of it, said Barber in his deep rumbling contrabass. <laughs> The spectral Kajika then deposits Anoki back in his bedroom. But no sooner has he fallen asleep than he is awoken by the clock striking two, portending the promised arrival of the second ghost. I decided that this should be a rival of Anoki's from the peak of his career, so uh, Mata Saito would seem to fit the bill very nicely. I was saying, I didn't realise you'd actually written a story about this. No, no, I, 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 actually, I actually have. This is uh, the uh, the sort of meat of the story of uh, a Christmas Carol, sort of uh, refigured for the uh, the the modern uh, Zuma viewer. So, um, the ghost of Christmas past is a figure associated with plenty, uh, you know, lots of lots of good times and uh, and uh, good food. And uh, when Scrooge Scrooge sees him occupying his living room, Dickens describes it thus. Heaped upon the floor to form a kind of throne were turkeys, geese, game, poultry, brawn, great joints of meat, sucking pigs, long wreaths of sausages, mince pies, plum puddings, barrels of oysters, red hot chestnuts, cherry cheeked apples, juicy oranges, luscious pears, immense twelfth cakes and seething bowls of punch that made the chamber dim with their delicious steam. Uh, in my version, I've replaced all of this with vast quantities of whoppers and fries nicked from Burger King with Kempatera. Come in and only better, Enoki-san, booms the ghost, before taking Enoki on a whistle-stop tour of the local Christmas, Christmas market, with seasonal produce such as candied fruits, mulled wine, and 3D body, body pillows of anime waifus dressed in Santa outfits. They end up back at the New Japan Dojo, where the young lions are having their festive turkey chanko, Little Hiroshi, Little Kukujuchika, Little Katsuyori, Little Captain New Japan. 
Cratchit brings out Tiny Tom's Christmas protein shake, which is small enough to be served in a shot glass, and Inoki lets out a murmur of regret. The, the, the pair then look in at the family Christmas dinner, to which Inoki turned down his son's invitation. The family are playing the hat game. Simon's wife, upon drawing her father-in-law's name, flops onto her back on the floor, starts kicking her legs off and yells, Look at me, I'm Antonio Inoki! After a couple of minutes thought, Simon guesses the answer, and everyone has a good laugh. Enoki's heart sinks to see their mockery and bids the spirit to show him no more. As soon as the ghost of Christmas present winks out of existence, the third spectre approaches, a foreboding figure dressed in a black cloak and carrying a scythe. Wordlessly, it extends a finger and beckons Enoki to follow. Enoki entreats it to speak numerous times, but on each occasion is rebuffed with a hint of everything is evil. Two men walk past speaking in hushed tones about a business takeover by a company called Bushi Road, but Enoki can catch only wisps of their chatter. Finally, the ghost of Christmas yet to come stops and teleports Enoki through a door into a coffee house bearing the name Starbucks. There he sees a most fearful sight which would send men of weak constitution to gibbering madness. A quartet of wrestling fans in Bullet Club t-shirts heads down and hunched over their smartphones scrolling through Twitter.com. One lifts their head up and exclaims, Can you believe this? Someone on this hell site is actually trying to defend the Kazuki Vegeta main event push. What a mark, replies another. Everyone knows Fujita's time on top killed the company, not to mention Bob Sapp and Tadao Yasuda, and as for sending his ace off to do MOA. No wonder the company declared bankruptcy and had to lay off every member of staff before Gado bought the promotion and got them back running the dome and drawing gates of 75,000 people, says the man in the Marty Skill top. Is that a direct Deccan's <laughs> I believe it is, yes. Can you imagine if the old man had stayed in charge, splutters the final member of the posse? There'd be no wrestling to speak of in this entire country. Another, another thing, they really need a women's division. It's 2020, don't at me with your half-baked excuses. All of them nod sagely. Please, spirit, please, Inoki, show me no more takes. I cannot stand it. And pray tell, who is this man of whom they speak? They hold him in such loathing. Tell me who he is, so I may learn from his negative example. The ghost of Christmas yet to come says nothing but instead points the way down the street and begins to walk, an increasingly frantic Anoki trailing in the revenant's wake. The ghost stops at Corican Hall, outside which a poster has been put up showing the match order for a New Japan wrestling show tonight. Inoki's eyes scroll down from main event to semi-main and so on, but can find no mention of Tiny Tom. Finally, his gaze lights upon the announcement of the opening contest, which says, Best of the Super Juniors Block B, Bone Soldier Taiji Ishimori versus Tomohiro Ishii. Inoki drops to his knees and once again demands the ghost tell him the name of the man who has been castigated by the otaku in the coffee house. Again, without speaking, the ghost of Christmas yet to come pulls an iPad out of his robe, flicks a finger over the screen a few times, then shows Inoki an article from Tokyo Sports, whose headline reads, New Japan Pro Wrestling Purchased, Inoki Forced Out as Head Booker, Wrestling Fans Rejoice. Spirit, Inoki cries, hear me. I am not the man I was. I will not be the man I must have been but for this intercourse. Why show me this if I am past all hope? I will honour Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. I will live in the past, the present and the future. The spirits of all three shall strive within me. I will not shut out the lessons that they teach. Oh, tell me that I may sponge away the writing on this webpage. <laughs> that actually is a um, direct Dickens quote apart from the word webpage, obviously. <laughs> um, you know, Dickens was at the forefront of the World Wide Web. He had a, he had a website. <laughs> like, he, 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 he had like, real player videos on it and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> 
he was but, having yeah. lip conversations about like you know uh, uh, whether there was heat with Brett and Sean backstage. <laughs> Charles Dickens posting on wrestling forum that six three ninety four yeah. was yeah. the greatest wrestling match of all time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so, suddenly, Inoki wakes up and is exhilarated to find he is in his own bed in his own time, and it is Christmas morning. Frolicking around in his casual evening wear tracksuit, he writes a check to cover Marley's outstanding debt, throws out the window, and calls to a small boy in the street below that he should go out and purchase, uh, instead of a turkey, because I want to stay true to Japanese Christmas traditions, the biggest KFC bargain bucket he can find. <laughs> Taking the feast with him, he knocks on the door of the dojo, and when Yuji Cratchit opens it, Enoki makes a merry promise to plough his money into his wrestling company rather than dodgy outside ventures, that his trainees shall all have the nutrition they need. And he will focus on the product on 35-minute melt-to-bait main events rather than work shoots. And Tiny Tom, who does not win the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, observes, God blesses everyone. But I really need a piss, so I'm going to go <laughs> and do that. And I will see you in two of your Earth minutes. Okay. Cool. cool. Adios. Right. Well, unlike, unlike George, um, I didn't get a cinematographer for this or write a screenplay or anything <laughs> like that. Um, I could probably rattle through this in about 30 seconds. Um, it's Die Hard. It's Sushinita's John McClane. There's bombs in the roof as ever. And then he has a fight with Tarzan Goto on the roof and he gets thrown That's into the barbed wire. That's mad. I, I was literally going to pick Vegeta in Die Hard. <laughs> but I did it in the end. I did it in the end because I thought, oh, that'll get us into his Die Hard a Christmas movie. Can't be asked to have that chat again. Um, and then, to be honest, I actually thought David's probably going to pick something similar to that. Uh, so that's hilarious. Um, mine, again, nowhere near as in-depth as George's. Mine is um, It's a Wonderful Life, uh, starring Jimmy Stewart. Uh, and uh, Jimmy Stewart isn't played by Jimmy Stewart. He, it's actually it's set uh, post um, Yoji Anjo getting a pasting from Hickson. Uh, and instead of a sort of a, a monetary worries, uh, you know, like um, uh, uh, worries about um, uh, money and income um, uh, and sort of debt that uh, provoke um, uh, 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 Jimmy Stewart characters, uh, you know, introspection um, and, uh, and depression um, and, um, you know, being close to suicide at the outset of It's a Wonderful Life. It's Yoji Anjo, uh, who is then visited um by uh, a ghost to uh, try and uh, give him renewed life uh and uh, make him realize that uh, everything's going to be going to be okay uh, so yes every time yeah 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 every time a bell rings uh, a yoji anjo gets its wings um, so yeah um, there you go I, d- I just wanted to say george um Hello. I've had an idea. Hello. I've just had I've just had an idea for like branching out from media. I'm going to post a video on Twitter of me on Audacity scrolling <laughs> and highlighting your entire segment and just pressing delete. And, then, <laughs> and that that will be your contribution to the Christmas special. That, I, that I, will be the Christmas special. Just a 30 second. Oh, oh bye bye. So lads, I believe. Um, Daniel, you have chosen a rather different uh, Christmas. Uh... Well, we've already done it. Oh, we've, done actually, it. We've, we've already done it in the time you went for a piss. <laughs> <laughs> Some of us didn't get so fucking bellatar about their, their choices. And, and, you know, didn't get a fucking novelization in Forbidden Planet of our films. Um, I mean, if that's the case, then we can uh, move on to our uh, penultimate. Apologies for destroying the Inoki Christmas Carol EU. By with, with her, like, 
but uh, the one thing is you could have done that in 10 seconds all you had to do was go you boy what day is it today and you go well good sir it's january the 4th (laughs) that arguably would have been better okay we can move on to the penultimate segment uh, then now i have a confession to make here is this the match it is the match. Yeah, I've not watched the match. That's absolutely fine. Daniel and I have uh, have watched I've, it. We will be. I've, uh, I've seen the match. Yeah. Oh my God, we have so much to talk about. So, um, we are a wrestling review podcast, as you know. It will oh, be remiss. <laughs> yeah, 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 we are technically uh, classed as such. It will be remiss of us not to uh, um, review a match. Now, I know we said we weren't doing Secret Santa, but I recently took delivery of uh, a wrestling DVD from uh, our good friend, Mr. Terry Riley, noted Chinese wrestling impresario. And, um, you know, Terry's been doing very well due to uh, COVID. People have got much more time to stay at home and watching, quote unquote, Chinese wrestling. He's been making mad bank. I'm actually very jealous. Yeah, 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 you see, uh, uh, well, you see these days, everyone's got a DVD player. (laughs) Everyone's got a DVD player in their house, right? And they're in the kitchen making the beans on toast. They can watch a bit of Chinese wrestling. If they're in the bath, uh, they can watch it. They can watch it on their iPads. Uh, you know. He also uh, has a side racket making those screens that you see in shops. So it's in March. <laughs> he he went on a cruise. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Terry Terry's actually got like a. Uh, he went uh, all the way from the from the from the bottom of the Manchester Ship Canal to the Rochdale Ship Canal. <laughs> he he's got a huge bank of like a uh, of VCR recorders just churning out pirated copies of videos, and they're all made by Amstrad. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the core of his operation. So we have got um, volume three uh, uh, li- leading on from previous years uh, fun of Terry Riley's Chinese wrestling, his uh, personal collection. <laughs> and uh, now we are going to uh, MKW Middle Kingdom Wrestling Shenzhen. So I'll try that again. So what, right. what, what, what can you tell us about this promotion? Right, I, I know nothing of this promotion, I don't Sorry. think at all. It used to be called Wimble W until about 2002, and then they moved it out of London, and then it became MKW. <laughs> yeah, I'm it go, I'm way too drunk to try and pronounce Chinese words. Okay, MKW Shenzhen Showcase, 16th right. of December 2017. Right, I know fuck all about this promotion, except our comrade Alex is an absolute aficionado of this uh, Chinese indie, and it's really us that, uh, really him that we have to thank for uh, apprising Terry Riley of the uh, existence of this, this promotion, after which he was able to give us a DVD of it. So it's a it's a Chinese promotion, which is... Uh, Ho-Ho-Lun has uh, competed for them. Ho-Ho-Ho-Lun, <laughs> You'll be absolutely delighted to know. And um, as for what it's about, well, this match is a perfect exemplar of that. They've done shows in like various places of China, and I think in... Um, I want to say they did a show in Nepal as well. We watched a bit of it in the Wednesday night stream. And it was really strange. So uh, the show we are about uh, to mention was headlined by the um, MKW World Championship. And I use the world uh, the word world very advisedly. It is uh, Selfie King Hong Wan defending the belt against a man called Big Sam. I mean, looking this is pre- just... Yeah. Look, looking to keep his 100% win record <laughs> intact. He beat yeah. Slovakia and you can't take that away from him. No, no. <laughs> Um, I mean, there's just so much to, to to bring up here. I had never, I went in completely cold to this. Never heard of this. Promotion. Oh, I know that that is like literally because uh, yeah. Alex nominated it for the um, the critically acclaimed Tony Khan Wanks Dogs Wednesday uh, stream, and yeah. as soon as I saw it, I was like, we have to fucking review this on the Christmas special. <laughs> um, yeah. 
I, mean, I know the guys will be, be all over it. So, um, uh, Selfie King Hong Wan, uh, we start with footage of him winning the belt and then the formation of the imaginatively named stable, The Stable, which consists of... Uh, the, the presentation's quite good, we should point out, at, at, at the start. Like, I mean, the actual backstage stuff and the uh, the hype video that precedes the... Uh, the match is isn't that bad by this no moment. not at all in fact the, and, I, and i really like that uh, whoever's doing commentary like takes a moment to shout out not just the production team but the individual names of them and i really appreciate it with uh when wrestling promotions do that because like you know it's not just about the people in front of the camera so yeah. uh points to middle kingdom wrestling for that so the stable consists of um uh, big sam uh ash silver who is a, a local wrestler a chap called uncle money which Uncle is, Money. I yeah, fucking love I Uncle. Him. Possibly the greatest wrestler name I have ever heard of, and a manager called Chairman Al. Like now, I yeah. want to um whatever criticisms we may have to make about this match, Chairman Al absolutely fucking rules. He's so good. I should say. Okay, so where do you start with this? So basically, there is a um. There is a hype video at the start, which includes a uh, a contract signing uh, segment, press conference style thing. Um, and we should point out that, OK, so the selfie king, he's doing a kind of Tyler Breeze uh, fashion, you know, a selfie stick kind of gimmick. Right. Um, which is a, a bit odd, but I suppose, uh, you know, I suppose you can kind of understand how that could be a sort of like a, a, a geeky sort of face thing. Like, 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 Tyler oh, yeah, did. that's the thing. Like I, I, it's not a weird gimmick in itself because as you say, Tyler Breeze has done it, but like yeah. as a face gimmick, it's kind of strange. Cause I remember back in around about 2015, people were making references to the, uh, quote unquote year of the selfie. And I was like, I've been getting irritated by pe- people taking selfies since about 2008 it's just I, that I there wasn't it was a word. Yeah, I think it was the rise to public pro- pro- prominence of the uh, the selfie stick. Yeah, really... absolutely. Which uh, which selfie king takes uh, full use of, and like I wouldn't say like here's a guy who's obsessively taking selfies. He calls himself the selfie king. That is not yeah, a face takes... gimmick to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 so you know, uh, bear in mind this is in China and. You know, I, d- I don't get the feeling that it's nasty. Often with it, in countries where there isn't as big a pr- tradition of pro wrestling to speak of, you do yeah. sometimes wonder, you know, if cause a lot of people are probably just like, well, this is something different. I'll go for a night out. That's how Evolve drew 11,000 people in Beijing. Yeah. <laughs> they certainly weren't but, doing that in fucking Florida. <laughs> yeah, they just think it's a bit different. I'll go do it. And you kind of wonder how much knowledge they've actually got of the sort of the, 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 the tropes and the sort of like motifs yeah. that are occurring before them. But, you know, one thing that uh, is universally um, uh, sort of like saleable is uh, the concept of a more diminutive uh, uh, sort of baby face taking on a bit of a heel. Um, and in the shape of uh, the uh, uh, the uh, the latter, we get Big Sam. Oh now, my God! I really want to talk. Well, I want to talk about the promo first of all, yeah, because yeah, like, yeah. right? Um, I counted the number of uh, of cuts in this promo, and I counted ten. Wow. It is not it's a not long promo. Long, it really isn't. We've got double figures of this. Is very much a uh, radioactive man, Jimmy Jiminy Jillica's special. Um, like it's um. It's 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 uh, it's quite remarkable. So Big Sam, uh, I've just got written down here. He has gigantic PCW energy. 
Oh, huge Stephen Flutter energy. He's got huge Stephen Flutter outside of a 15-year-old's house with uh, <laughs> with Chris Masters. Well, yeah, well, you, you wouldn't even need Chris Masters if you had Big Sam as your heavy. That's all I'm saying. Oh, no. I mean, the, 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 the intimidating air that Big, Big <laughs> Sam gives off. He looks like a perturbed, put-out, uh, sort of like um, uh, newly qualified bouncer outside a student union. In, yeah. uh, like, you know, a sort of like a, 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 a relatively miserable British town. Oh, absolutely. Like, I've described him here as all-star wrestling Valfa. Oh, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's quite amazing. So I do wonder, what is the story with... How does this guy end up... Right, right. I, I've I've done a bit of digging into this because look, I've look, never heard of him. I've look, never heard of this guy my whole life. We, look, we've talked earlier in the episode about how disillusioned we've been with the British wrestling scene due to the various uh, activities that uh, you know a lot of people in the uh, in the industry have been engaging in, and like they can all go rot in hell. But like before that, I was a massive fucking aficionado of uh, the UK indies. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have never heard of this bloke. Never heard of this and, guy. I've never no, heard of him. Not at all. And I've never heard of Uncle Money either. And I've looked up their cage match profiles. I know cage match profiles aren't the be-all and end-all. But, um, you know, Big Sam and Uncle Money appear to have been wrestling for this promotion on a monthly basis. So I can only assume they live in China. Yeah, like, yeah. Because, like, I, you, you know, I, I know about these promotions that, you know, there's a promotion in Qatar and Caprice Coleman of CNC Wrestling Factory has been their champion for about three years. But Caprice Coleman at least has a little bit of an indie name from ROH. Yeah. But like yeah, no, Big, Big Sam is a, a, a large man who is is English and he lives in China and he is their heel gaijin <laughs> or, or whatever, he's, he's, whatever the, the Chinese that, call gaijin. Yeah, he's, he's referred to as Big Sam. And he's one of those people that probably is quite big, but he doesn't really have anything like, a, you know, he's, he's fairly tall. Um, you know, he's, six four, I mean, he's like I'm, 18 stone. Like, yeah, he, is, I mean, I mean, he is a I'm substantial no fellow. Sport. Yeah, I mean, no, you know, he's a man of carriage, but yeah. he's not like, you know, you know, he's not a body guy. Um, he's, no, and, he's not and and that's fine there's been loads yeah, of wrestlers no, who, exactly, like, you know, who, who aren't exactly cut yeah but it adds to the quotidian you know he just looks very 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 normal and he, he is he's, he's not, a normal bloke he's not, he's not particularly jazzed up to any extent by costume or yeah. i mean we, we go about this on about this on the podcast uh, uh gary albright that your friend always yeah. refers to as a genuine menace. A genuine menace. Like, Gary Albright is a large human being. But, like, Gary Albright carries himself with his amateur wrestling training and yeah. his training in Purosu. And, like, Gary Albright can fuck you up. There is absolutely yeah. no question about it. Yeah. Big Sam has, for a guy <laughs> his size, has the least menace <laughs> out of anyone I have ever no, seen. No, I believe no, he is what is referred to as a frail wheel. Yeah, yeah, he absolutely is. He's gone so far from being, uh, from being menacing that I absolutely love the guy. Like, I just there's something incredibly endearing about him. He, he's a big, he's a big lug. He's wrestling here in China. He is the heel challenger against Silver King Kong. Really wrestling as well. <laughs> he is like, um, like I'll say this: like Big Big Sam has this going for him. Um, like Chairman Al. He'll keep when you up. <laughs> yeah, you avoid relegation with him in the cockpit. Yeah, he he, he will. You know, he's he's going to bring in uh, Nico Cranchar and uh, you know Charles <laughs> and Dogbeer and all of the lads. But like, he's not going to have you pressing for the Europa League. But you know what? If you if your team's in a pinch, he's just what you need. 
Um, so that that's what his role is in this promotion. So Chairman Al comes out. Chairman Al looks the absolute <laughs> Chairman business. Al. Chairman, Chairman Al, Al got a pop in our house, by the way. Like, <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Your partner watched this match as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, my yeah. god! So, I'm so, so sorry. So, Please so, tell so, so, so me, me and Charles watched this match together over dinner because I'm because I'm because <laughs> I'm romantic. Perfect compliment. Yeah, 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 yeah. This, this this is how I you know this is the kind of loving partner I am. I will subject them to Terry Riley's Chinese wrestling <laughs> uh, DVDs over dinner. But um no um and, and, and I can't remember the exact phrase. But uh, Chairman Al immediately was uh, was uh, was was uh, was uh, uh, sort of focused in on as uh, as being an interesting character. Um, and I believe the phrase was that, 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 that there's something like um, uh, they said that they, they, they thought Chairman Al needed to get involved. And I said, <laughs> you know what? At some point, I've watched a lot of wrestling. <laughs> there are going to be shenanigans that include Chairman Al. <laughs> like, yeah, and I was but, correct. But, but like, I love this sort of stuff in uh, you know what we might term emerging markets in wrestling because it's real basic, like uh, you know cookie cutter, uh, you know small face versus large heel and an evil manager stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Chairman Chairman Al, he's got a suit, he's got a fucking pocket watch. He's got a pocket watch. That is definitely a timepiece <laughs> left to him by mysterious grandfather. Ball. I'm not sure though. I can't remember. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Next week, Amy um, sold at auction. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that? Did you see that bargain hunt contestant who kissed the badge <laughs> when he won? He kissed the bargain hunt <laughs> logo. On the <laughs> He's playing with passion, George. He's playing with passion. Roy Keane fucking loves it. So, um, uh. So yeah, we've got we've got the main setup for this match. So yeah, if you've watched any wrestling before, um, you know, you you don't have to be aware of the Chinese indies, um, in you know in any way, shape or form. No, and I, I assume that you are not. Is there anything more laughable than over the last three years or three four years, of all wrestling companies that are like sort of have a TV deal talking about the emerging markets? There's a billion people in China. If we get them all to watch will be the greatest company in the world yeah yeah absolutely i can guarantee that okay, like 82 million viewers i can guarantee that loads of the people at the show have not watched wrestling before in their lives like yeah and and you, you know what they are arguably happier watching this than i have been watching say a two uh 2017 pwg card yeah <laughs> like, you, you know the story like i i, I don't want to i'm i'm really trying not to be patronizing because like i genuinely wish i could go back to being a wrestling fan who isn't so fucking jaded as i am i used to do it with my granddad when he used to watch impacts and you know for some reason i'll wrestle now it's, it looks, yeah. you know down there it's a real sport and um <laughs> like yeah and I'd be like, i would just watch it like that and it was fucking great it's well, it's, it's, you know, the, like the World of Sport reboot that did an ITV on New Year's Eve. Sarah's grandma oh, yeah. watched that, and like he'd never seen a Hurricane Rana in his life, <laughs> and he just went spare for it. He could not yeah. believe that like the human body could contort itself in that way. And you know, the, the story about the the aforementioned Evolve show in Beijing. You know, they yeah. had like Johnny Gargano versus Ricochet, and this was before the the era of um, Timothy Thatcher and Catchpoint. <laughs> when they started making it more map-based. You know, it very much was like athleticism, high spots. They had all this stuff planned, and then they realised they, they didn't need to do it because the Chinese fans were going fucking mad for a vertical <laughs> suplex. So yeah. they're like, let's just do it. Like, why not? 
I just love the idea of like 16,000 fans in Beijing going spare at Johnny Gargano staring at his hands asking why he's so violent. Because <laughs> they've never seen it before, David. He's so violent, though. Like, I mean, look at him. He, is, he absolutely is. So um, a commentary but described... I think, I think just Sorry. talking about suspension of disbelief, though, one thing that makes it very difficult, and this needs to be spoken about, this is a, something of an elephant in the room here, um, although it's an, an inanimate and not a sentient object. Um, the ring... Oh uh, my God! Right now, like I, I said previously, uh, have uh, have um, on one significant occasion and one slightly less significant occasion, I have been a a small group of volunteers, a part of a small group of volunteers who have put put a ring together. Okay, so I've I've done it very few times, but I've done it I've done it I've done it once I think to you know an acceptable level for a big show that was on that was taped. Okay, with a bunch of other people that all helped. They didn't know what I was doing. I was stood, I stood around while uh, a, bu- a bunch of wrestlers said do this 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 and this. Okay, right. It it isn't an easy thing to do, uh, and obviously the ring different types of ring are going to vary in terms of what you've got. You know, we've all watched different indie shows. I have scarcely seen a more dangerously set up death trap. Oh my god, like it's for several reasons. You, you ever watch those old Ricky Dozan matches from the 1950s and it is basically a boxing ring and the ropes are so loose it looks like a fucking sign and cause wave. They're just like going yeah. like up and down the whole the whole way. Right. Yeah, 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 this uh, this this ring literally is... commented on it after we'd spoken about Chairman Al. Uh, you know, the, 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 they were like, "Well, hang on a minute." Um, like that ring doesn't look so so hot, and you know that's someone that watches less wrestling than me. Yeah, yeah far like, less no, wrestling than you. <laughs> but like, if you don't, if you don't not watch any wrestling, you can instinctively look at this and go, yeah, yeah that looks a bit sore. Um, yeah. so I, uh, I mean, the, the ropes are terrifyingly loose. The and uh, the main the main danger though is the that at some point during the, uh, the the rest of the show, the canvas that stretched over the top of the uh, the wood and the foam. Um, uh, underneath the ring it, 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 it is it, it, i think there's a rip in it somewhere or a tear and it creates this sort of like ripple of material in one <laughs> corner which is just like dangerously getting under their feet all the time and looks like it's gonna like sort of like take the whole uh the whole canvas up um, i know it's just i mean they're not exactly doing like uh, poison frankensteiners in this match but even so you kind of you kind of want the ring to be in a decent nick um yeah I've got to do, do a shout out to the commentary. Um, uh, Hong Wan uh, is described as a real national treasure of China. It's basically him and the Terracotta Warriors. So, um, <laughs> to be honest, um, I thought the commentary was quite good. I, I like the. I have, I have certainly Actually. heard worse, and I've, yeah. I've heard worse by people who speak English as a first language. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, like um, he, I, I, I appreciate that he list, he goes over the antics of Selfie King, which are listed as taking selfies as t- and taking selfie videos. Um, so like, I he's mean, over various media forms of media. <laughs> yeah, I know he takes selfies from Instagram. He takes them for Snapchat. So uh, fair play for uh, putting over the gimmick. I um, so there's a collar and elbow to start, and a couple of slaps, and then a um. I, I've turned this a soft lariat from uh, uh, Big Sam, whether that's a kind of an oxymoron, um, and then a scoop slam, then a sidewalk slam, and uh, David, I'm uh, um, uh, I'm uh, beyond devastated that you did not get around to watching this match because he does the fucking great Carly pin, Incredible. where he um, he puts his foot on them because he can't bend at the waist. Um, I mean, I'm sure ben, Big Sam can bend at the waist, and he probably does it at one point during this match. I'm not certain, but uh, he does the Carly pin, and then we get the gorilla press, and then the seldom seen other kind of cocky pin where you kneel on them. 
<laughs> now that, that's that's one for the real heads. <laughs> uh, Hong Wan fights back with a stinger splash and some shoulders in the corner. And then a couple of uh, nice looking uh, cannonballs. And then we get our first um, uh, infiltration to the match of Chairman Al. So, uh, Chairman Al, I've, I've got this written down as an Asia moonsault. That is absolutely not correct. This is an Asai moonsault. Uh, yeah. Hong Wan goes for one, what I, I assume he was going for an Asai moonsault, some sort of uh, springboard thing to the outside where Big Sam is lurking. <laughs> Chairman Al stops it by standing in the way and saying, and I quote, <laughs> too dangerous. Yes. <laughs> you know what it is, George? No, it's, it's the EU nanny state with their <laughs> health and safety yeah. and their regulations. If yeah. I want to go up the high-rise flats if it's a harness on. I will. No snowflake SJW woke stazzy is going to take away my God-given right to kill myself. Uh, Brendan O'Neill for Spiked Online. <laughs> yeah, so um, I, 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 I am uh, like I, I've got a friend who I, I used to watch wrestling with back in the day, and he sort of basically watches it when he's around mine. And I was like, "Do you want to see like I don't know, fucking Chihiro Hashimoto versus Sari? It's really good, I promise." And he is an absolute sucker for extremely cheap heel tactics. He moaning at the ref, removing the turnbuckle cover, and in particular, a manager getting up on the apron with. <laughs> apropos of absolutely yeah. nothing like to, rick, to remonstrate yeah rick flair during like triple h's evolution run like yeah. that sort of thing like the referee's like there's a guy on the apron i must stop this chicanery yeah. and, um, i mean like, that's all very mean because really flair just thought he was at a bar like, <laughs> uh, or he thought yeah. he was like sort of vaulting some sort of barricade to escape the alimony uh <laughs> enforcement <laughs> officers <laughs> So uh, Hong Wan tries a uh, so yeah Big Sam gives Hong Wan a backdrop on the apron which looked very sore especially on that fucking apron and uh, Hong Wan tries a suplex back in the ring but uh, it gets counted into a vertical suplex of Big Sam's own for two we get a shout out to the Hong Kong Central Banking District by the uh, <laughs> commentator it's the Wall Street of Asia yeah. apparently uh, yeah, yeah. Hong Kong is like legitimately a gigantic financial center that would put anywhere yeah. where we live to shame. I, I, I hope that you did get several updates on the, the state of the Nikkei index uh, during yeah. this match. Look, they've got a guy called Uncle Money, so you would assume he would be keyed into this sort of stuff. Yeah. He's, he's sitting there reading the FT. <laughs> <laughs> We don't see Uncle Money uh, reading BFT in this match, but we do see him getting his hands dirty. Like, oh, we do. Uh, we will fucking get to that. Uh, but uh, Big Sam goes for a torture act, which is like just a classic big guy manoeuvre. It uh, is. That gets yeah. somehow reversed into an ankle lock. I'm not sure how. It's somewhat defined the laws of physics, but uh, absolutely fair play to Hong Wan for doing that. He, uh, Hong, he, Hong, Hong Wan is, is slightly better than the Big Oh, Sam. yeah, yeah. Hong Wan is a guy who's a bit like Ho Ho Lun if he had a bit of time in the performance centre. Yeah. Like, there's like a guy with a bit of athletic talent in there. Yeah, and a bit of charisma. Yeah. You know, Hong Wan's actually Mandarin for a full can. So. <laughs> <laughs> Hong Wan versus brother. Andrei Kopilov. Get it in my eyes. Um, <laughs> so uh, Selfie King hits the ropes. He is mo- more referred to as Selfie King than by his actual name, by commentary, yeah. which I really yeah. liked. Uh, so he hits the ropes and gets a big boot by Big Sam. Uh, big Sam goes for a running power slam and then he... A, Gets bonked in the term into the turnbuckle and then uh, Hong Wan gives him a German suplex. Uh, quite impressed by that. A German suplex has got to absolutely fucking suck to take on this canvas, by the oh. way. Well, at one point they actually have to refer to the ring because it is literally coming apart, <laughs> and it looks about as if, as if there's enough about enough fabric to make a fucking small line of skirts or like trousers. 
uh, sort of like uh, flopping about on one side of it. So they, have, it, they do actually have to make a comment. Mentioning the ring is kind of like, you know when JR realises a match isn't very good and he says, yeah. don't break out the star rating for this one, folks, with his... Yeah. Uh, is a time-honored Nebraska accent, and uh, he, um, yeah, it's just very, very much like this one's bowling shoe ugly. It's kind of like, look, like we are insulting people's intelligence if we don't talk about this. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we, uh, so German suplex from Hong Wan. He gets a vertical suplex for another two. Um, according to commentary, playing, uh, paying homage to his trainer, who is simply called the Slam. Yeah. <laughs> I really want to see the slam wrestle. Like that is my main takeaway from this yeah, match. The slam sounds good. He's, I'm hoping that he was actually trained by the uh, the Glaswegian techno duo. Uh, slam. <laughs> this is big, like super Famicom video game energy to it, or just like you know random pro wrestling <laughs> on the super Famicom. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. It's like all of the all of the people on the Cutie Suzuki video game for the SNES are just yeah. like very thinly veiled uh, versions of AJW people. I think Big Sam looks like he might have been trained by the ham. <laughs> uh, Keir Starmer, as he's also known. Uh, so, yeah. um, so uh, yeah, Hong Wan gets In a fact, vote. I think Big Sam is very much the kind of voter that Keir Starmer is trying oh, to... Oh, absolutely big red wall energy and not the uh, Brian Jakes <laughs> novel. Um, so, uh, yeah. I also love that, like, uh, he's apparently paying homage to his trainer with a vertical suplex. Yeah. I, I, I really, I really want this to be the Slam's finisher. Like, yeah. I think we could bring that stuff uh, back. You know, the Inoki Hansen matches from the 70s where you'd win with a vertical suplex. Let's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. more guys. So uh, he signals for the the standing moonsault, which I um, gather from the uh, introductory packages. His finisher. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's his, he, his, he, he won the title with it. Yeah, yeah, he did. He kind of like need the guy in the in the go lads. It's really good. Yeah. Um, and he hits it, but uh, right, Chairman Al gets involved again. Fuck yeah! <laughs> he distracts the ref by dropping some money in the ring. Yeah, yeah, and he, he literally like he literally just tries to bribe him in front of the ref. <laughs> drops two hundred pounds in the is... ring, and then he just starts going. What, what, he actually starts saying like uh, two hundred pounds. Take it, take it, yeah, two hundred pounds. Yeah. <laughs> Chairman Al's character is more consistent than, like, um, for example, Tarantes Jr. in uh, in uh, Lucha, who basically just fixes matches because he's a dickhead. Yeah. Chairman like, you Al know, ch- exhibiting big Shake Mansoor energy here, just throwing <laughs> money at problems. Yeah. The fake shake like, Chairman Al. Yeah, contravening financial... two-year contracts. Who knows? Uh, like, um, I've yeah. heard that um, Big Sam has been banned from Europe due to contravening financial fair play regulations. <laughs> <laughs> He's not going to well, be representing his homeland, the UK, in uh, in the Europa League. The, the Europa League UEFA. <laughs> He's Europa Conference League at best. Let's be honest. But um, yeah. but but again, I I appreciate this because like if you were refereeing, say if you were refereeing a football match, a guy just chucks a load of tenors on the pitch. You probably would stop and uh, say, "All right, lads, like you know, stop uh, doing that thrilling Gagan press and let's uh, let's uh, take stock of what's happening here." <laughs> and uh, big, so Big Sam hits from uh, behind, making good use of the distraction, and his uh, the move he was going for gets counted into. Um, I've got it written down as a didn't get all of it Death Valley bomb. Yeah, that's probably fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Big Sam's a big lad, so he like, is. I can't I can't necessarily moan at Selfie King for. Um, uh, not uh, and then we we got we get quite a good ref bump in uh, in this. So I, I've seen worse uh, ref bumps in Impact Wrestling. Let's be honest. Um, 
so um selby king hits what i assume he was going for with this sort of semi-death valley bomb which is a samoan drop which is you know impressive to pull off on a guy that size but uh big sam's uh training leg hits the ref oh no and then oh, uh Chemnal's goons come out uh and then beats down hong wan while he's like sort of on the top rope going for uh, you know some sort of mystery top rope move um ash silver accidentally hits uncle money with a super kick more of an aloe voice malfunction at the junction and uh <laughs> hong wan uh, sends him packing and then big sam hits what is let's be honest a very light kick to the balls and then uh, what i assume is his patented jackknife powerbomb for the three count oh, so well, big... first of all let me just say <laughs> when this on that ring from big sam who i'll be honest i mean i'm you know <laughs> i'm uh, I'm hardly Timothy Thatcher over here, but like um, Big Sam didn't look to be the most robustly of trained wrestlers. Um, oh, no, you, you can say that. And, yeah. And I know you, of course, over six yeah, weeks. Yeah. He was wrestling in a, in a patently quite dangerous ring. And as the jackknife, as, as many as, as everyone will be aware, is obviously involves, uh, you know, what differentiates it from your normal standard powerbomb would be the sort of uh, the, the, the letting go at the top of the. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Now, now Big Sam does this. And I, I did. I, I was fearful. Uh, I'll be honest for the result. Yeah. It looked, it looked rough. It looked very rough. It, it did a bit, um, a bit. Hong Wan didn't exactly land horizontal. You know how people like. Say what you will about uh, Kevin Nash. He's like, Kevin Nash I've got a lot of time for. He is certainly not a, uh, a comrade as we would understand it, but like, he is like left off centre. I will fucking take it by American standards. Let's be honest. That's Stampede Buttigieg. I don't care. Right, this is what we said about Jim Cornette. And then before you know it, it's... it's oh, you know, no, Ke- Kevin, Kevin Nash oh. is... is uh, Kevin Nash is fucking John McDonnell compared to uh, <laughs> compared to Cornette, let's be honest. But like... Quoting Chairman Al in Houses of Parliament. <laughs> <laughs> but like everyone says about Kevin Nash, it was a great guy to work with because he would bring you up for the jackknife powerbomb and you just float down to earth like a feather and yeah. like you 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 you'd feel it but like fuck me it wasn't like you were getting powerbomb by kawadi you know what i mean so um <laughs> like people always used to praise kevin nash for the the lightness of his uh jackknife powerbomb kevin nash i'm sure had a lot of sympathy for people you know not wanting to get more banged up than they needed to because that was his philosophy um yes, absolutely. big sam is not cut from the same cloth as uh kevin <laughs> nash i would i would argue no and, uh, in many ways true and uh, ab- absolutely, so like uh, Big Sam uh, hits the Jackknife Powerbomb for the three count. He wins the Middle Kingdom Wrestling uh, World Championship. I had such a fucking great time watching this because, <laughs> like, a good laugh. it it is a good laugh. Like, you know, neither of the guys in the I I, I will defend Chairman out to the hilt. Neither of the guys <laughs> in the wrestling are any great shakes. It's certainly not the kind of action you get for Oda. Chairman Al here. We're really this is. Uh, I, I, I love him. I, I get him in. I get him in New Japan yesterday. He'd be the new Boost Thopdes. But um, <laughs> like um, you know, I, I I've got a lot of love for uh, you know, we, we've we've I've I've become more interested in the scene in sort of East Asia and Southeast Asia um, more generally. And like I genuinely mean this. I'm generally not trying to be patronising. I really en- enjoy promotions which don't have like a huge amount in terms of contact to established scenes and you know there may be like picking up as they go along that you know a lot of them might be self-taught ho Lund certainly was um and they're they pr- promoting a particularly local kind of pro wrestling to their scene 
and like they're they're doing their best with it and i i really enjoyed this like uh, i part of it is like big sam is just incredibly endearing selfie king is a like pretty decent fiery baby face chairman al is money the commentary is quite good i quite enjoyed this what can i say yeah, it, was, it was fun it was fun it's uh it's it it, it, it doesn't have to stay it's welcome it doesn't try and do anything that it uh it, it shouldn't that you know that's unwise uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it, it, yeah, it, it was a good laugh. It was a good absolutely. Laugh. Terry's given us something that is extremely palatable, and like him sending us, I put the DVD in the machine, and I was like, Terry, there's only like 15 minutes of footage on this. What the fuck? And like a lot of this is entrances and press conferences. But like, I will take this over a 35 minute evil main yeah. event any day. Well, I think like, I I I, I, uh, uh, um, I I did a little bit better with mine because I I unopened mine from Terry. Uh, I put it in there and it was only 15 minutes, but I was told it's okay because he's recorded it on long play and he's put the entire Emmanuel <laughs> series afterwards. Uh, so, <laughs> and the survival uh, to beat a match at the end. Yeah, so I, I was I was I was I was I was delighted. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was uh, generally good. Like, uh, check out uh, Middle Kingdom uh, Wrestling on YouTube. They've got some good videos. I can especially recommend a. Uh, there's a Mongolian guy who goes by the name Kublai Khan. And uh, not just referencing uh, the great Samuel Taylor Coleridge, but like this guy's really thought through his gimmick. He is essentially like a uh, a, a Khan of the Golden Horde from like the 13th century with like uh-huh. Mongolian flag face. But it's really fucking oh, great. Excellent. Sounds good. <laughs> you, you will go where I go. Defile what I defile. Eat who I eat. Um, <laughs> and now for the um, the final segment, we have gone more oh, with Jesus the. Uh, it's okay we it's okay we're nearly there like and indeed uh, i'm going to offer this encouragement to everyone else listening we're nearly there lads we're over the hump you know you can do it listen to the end i promise it will be good for our analytics even if you're not uh, living in nebraska so the uh, the christmas music i have chosen uh, I, I i thought about doing 10 i'm not fucking doing that um six songs we've got for you uh, classic christmas hits which um so the the question i posed to the lads was here is a classic oh. Christmas song. Which pura wrestler can you see coming out to this? And either because you think it would genuinely fit the character or you think it would be completely incongruous them actually coming out to it. Uh, I was going to put um, another rock and roll Christmas by Gary Glitter on the list. But as we know, the person who would be apt to coming out of this is half of Brit Rest. So I'm not <laughs> going to uh, I'm not going to do this. So our first song is. Uh, the Cav- <laughs> yeah, yes, indeed. So our first song is Stop the Cavalry by Jonah Louie. So we got any um, suggestions to who might be quite good to come out to this in Puro? Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I actually know the song. Oh, is that one? All oh, right, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, David, we've accidentally done a round. This is a nightmare. I would have Daisuke Sakamoto come out to that. <laughs> Fuck, that's actually perfect. Just... Just looking really, really happy with a big smile on his face and a big plate of meat. Oh, big man, plate of saw... turkey in front of him. We saw Daisuke Sekimoto at uh, 16 Carat last year and he got knocked out in the first round to uh, Ilya Dragunov, which was a fucking incredible stiff match. And then on the second night, he got put in a four-way with three guys who were very much not close to him in stature. One of them was Chris Brooks. And um, there was a couple of other lads and uh, Daisuke, it was just Daisuke Sekimoto having a fucking amazing time chopping <laughs> people and no-selling all of their offense. Oh, and well. he he was as happy as a pig in shit. That Daisuke Sekimoto, yeah. I can totally see coming out to uh, uh, stop the cavalry by Jonah Louie. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I would, I would uh, completely go for that. Okay, because nice uh, the the second uh, song I've got is a, um, you know how like 
um, they kind of stopped making iconic Christmas stuff after about 2004. And like, um, I think, that, well, I think, I think that, that's probably that's probably just something that people of our age think. But. Okay, maybe, maybe I think, like I think you're yeah. forgetting about someone, a little known person called the Lad Baby. Um, <laughs> oh, fuck off! I I literally like looked up on Wikipedia just because I was curious about what had been the Christmas number one the last couple of years. I was like, well then. <laughs> Again, do you, I can, do you know what it's number one uh, last couple of years, Daniel? It, it, um, no. All right, don't, that's fine. Don't. Yeah, don't. yeah, don't. Uh, all you need to know is there are novelty songs about sausage rolls. Right. But it's for charity, so you're uh, not allowed to say it shit. No, no, I, no, no, I am. The military wives made a song, and that was fucking shit. Yeah, that is that is uh, that is true. Our country is a so fundamental. Cut my fucking music! I'm going to shoot the military <laughs> wives. Yeah. We're, we're, New we're Jack so... music in the background as Daniel goes off. On the, uh, the original thing. gangster is here. We're 17 That's hours. Right. In, we're 17 hours into the recording, and Daniel, here, let me tell you something about the military wives, Jack. Let me tell you something about the military wives, brother. <laughs> they come out here. <laughs> so uh, yeah, the um, yeah yeah. Uh, so. Um, like I say, like a lot of stuff that was festive stuff that has been released after 2004 hasn't really stuck in terms of the popular imaginary. And I, you know, I know it takes a lot of time to get entrenched in, uh, you know, what is uh, what is Christmas to people. But um, one of the last great Christmas songs, in my view, is uh, Christmas time brackets. Don't let the bells end close brackets by the darkness. So who would we like to come out to that? I'm not going to lie, George. All these songs sound like they're for Daisuke Sekimoto. Right, I think you don't. I think, you'd, I, think you'd I think if we're going for this, I don't know. Um, the Great O'Karn. Fuck it. <laughs> the Great O'Karn has probably wrestled in Lowestoft, which is where the darkness are from. Like that is a that is a classic Rev Pro town where they're doing the the shows, which are you know you haven't got Hiroshi Tanashi, but you've got Flatliner, and isn't isn't that just as good? <laughs> Um, I'm just, I, I'm just trying to think of the stupidest answers possible. Yoshiakiyatsu. <laughs> I've got okay, so you know how um, Justin Hawkins uh, from British Whale has a uh, very distinctive um, vocal styling. Mm-hmm. You, you yes, know how yeah. some wrestlers on the Indies like sing their entrance theme. It's kind of annoying, but you know, they, you know, if they come out to a banger, I can kind of, uh, I can kind of excuse it. Can you imagine Tom Rocky Homma having a go at this? <laughs> Oh, that'd be good. I'd be like outside art. That'd be like Jandek or something. Like that. <laughs> oh my! Oh my God! Like um, that that would be perfect. Okay, we've got Doshiaki Yatsu, the Great Okan, and uh, Tomaki Homa. Name, name my trio. Uh, so the next the song. The Rat Pack is... themselves. <laughs> um. So the next song is um, Wonderful Christmas Time by Paul McCartney. Oh. Fucking hate that. It's been. Yeah, it's actually by right. Wings. It's actually by Wings. The band the Beatles could have been. Um, <laughs> right. I, I lost my faith in humanity. I mean, more so than it already was. Well, I learned that Paul McCartney makes. I, I shit you not. Four hundred thousand pounds in royalties every year from playings of Wonderful Christmas Time. Oh God. Um, right. I, so I, I would probably have for this. Um, um, <laughs> Um, Leona, um, the feel son, Leona, the feel son. Yeah. Is that just because, like, um, just as Leona's career is very disappointing in contrast with that of Tatsumi Fujinami, Paul McCartney's solo stuff is a far cry from the Beatles. 
Um, I think you're, I... you're forgetting about a little song called The Frog Chorus. Mate, Mull of Kintyre was number one. You can't argue with the public. Uh, <laughs> Stop like saying Wings songs. It's upsetting me. Um, <laughs> I, would, I, would, I, I would, for this one, I, I'm going to go with uh, Abdullah Kobayashi. <laughs> <laughs> Look, all I'm saying is um, for the grocery store death match, uh, see episode 23 for uh, past listeners. Abdullah Kobayashi was not simply having a wonderful Christmas time <laughs> with no. the uh, punishment that was meted out to him by Kendo Nagasaki. Not that one. That's what. Uh... The moon is out. <laughs> I get hit with a fridge. Simply. <laughs> okay, though, you know, more than a week to that. Um, so, wonderful Christmas time. I would characterize it as a a B Christmas song. You know, it's not up there with um, with Slade. Or uh, uh, Mariah Carey, or it's any. It's not of that. Last Christmas, is it? No, 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 not at Sorry, all. And, um, no. So that's what I would say. It's like it's it's knocking on the door of. Uh, well, it, it thinks it's knocking on the door of that upper It's echelon. asking questions, isn't it? It's asking questions, but it's clearly never going to get there. And that's why yeah. I think the best person to come out to Wonderful Christmas Time would be Jay White. <laughs> <laughs> I just like the idea of like uh, knife pervert switchblade J White being switchblade J White coming out of you know what that would so ha- that definitely happened in a New Zealand indie when he started didn't it? Yeah. Can you imagine him just coming out with his knife, but it's just got a tiny little bit of tinsel around it? <laughs> uh, I actually I I used to I used to conduct the jazz orchestra at my college and like I was uh, I was away for this uh, gig so like my deputy had to uh, lead the band but the like, yeah yeah we, yeah I, yeah but so like um uh, he sort of vetoed this idea but I was all in favour it was like February and we had a jazz arrangement of Jingle Bells and I really wanted to do it. <laughs> It's up there with like the twelve days of Archibald and me. I would be really up for a Christmas creature or Santa Claus gimmick, but they just did it all year round. I just I refused to accept December off. Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. You just take December off. You just push off December. <laughs> oh no, I've, I've got I've got annual leave books. Um, this, this is me time. <laughs> nice. That would be that would be amazing. Okay, so uh, uh, three more songs to go. I've got. Um, I, uh, this isn't really a deep cut, but it's a song I really like. Um, uh, I believe in Father Christmas by Greg Lake. <laughs> <laughs> what well, of, of ELP fame? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Phantasmo has uh, done a Christmas song, and <laughs> <laughs> I think you have I, to El Phantasmo. <laughs> okay, well, like uh, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer were fond of a. I say classical I, illusion. I, this is not an illusion. It's like. <laughs> Two thirds of this song is classical just... illusion. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Entire like... albums. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. But like, two thirds of this song is just filched from Troika by Sergei Prokofiev. <laughs> like, and... there is very little individual thought in this. So Emerson Lake and <laughs> you know, I don't know. Asmo, Elvin Asmo. I don't know. Don Fuji. <laughs> <laughs> I don't fucking know. Don Fuji does believe in Father Christmas. Yes. <laughs> he does. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think. Well, I think it would be like, you know, there's a wrestler who is like known for their speed. Like, uh, let us say uh, Speed Muscle Masato Yoshino from, uh, right. from yes. Dragon Gate. Like, yeah. can you imagine him sprinting out to the ring like a hyperactive nine-year-old? And in the background, we've got... I would argue 
You know, if I do be better than that, I'll give you three sort of see sweet words. Dory Funk Junior. <laughs> <laughs> 2020 era Dory Funk Jr. coming out. Jesus. Do, Dory, Dory Funk was actually 50 years old when Sergei Prokofiev wrote his first symphony, so that's, uh, that's <laughs> yeah. quite apt. Um, he actually retired him. Dory Funk went to see Prokofiev and King Tots. <laughs> Sergei Prokofiev versus Dory Funk Jr. Loser can no longer compose orchestral music in Comrade Stalin's Soviet Union. <laughs> It's close call. I can't believe Prokofiev have lost that one. So <laughs> I know it's a fucking fix. Um, so um, okay. Uh, penultimate song. Um, uh, very very famous one. By the by the way, like I know like uh people from other countries uh listen to this uh, show. Uh, Americans or people from other countries tweet at it because I genuinely don't have a fucking clue what you listen to at Christmas apart from Mariah Carey. Because there's a film called A Christmas Bing Story. Crosby. Yeah, Bing Crosby, I guess there's a film called A Christmas Story, which every Yank seems to um, seems to watch at Christmas, and no cunt in this country's heard of it. Yeah. It's right-wing jingoism, is what you're listening <laughs> yeah. to at Christmas. Yeah, yeah, do, do tweet fish. at us, any any Americans, like, what are the famous Christmas songs? Because, like, you know, uh, I, I know you might have heard of uh, Paul McCartney uh, being, like, a fairly famous musician as it goes, but, like, Greg Lake <laughs> might be a different, <laughs> a different ask. <laughs> I've heard of Paul Lake. He was, he was, do you know he was? He was only the band that Emerson Lake and Powell could have been. <laughs> I mean, Emerson Lake and Powell is a uh, my favourite Emerson Lake and Palmer tribute. Wasn't that wasn't that the Tory cabinet in the seventies? <laughs> they play for medals, bro. <laughs> yeah. before, waking, before waking themselves to death on the doorknob. <laughs> so um so i yeah any any foreigners listen to this i'm very sorry about uh you may not know this song i wish it could be christmas every day by we, we started that by trying to open up to our foreign listeners and offer them more than the uh the specifically niche gruel that there is for them on this show we end talking about the middlesbrough i'm not i'm not i'm not giving like i'm not giving an Amer- uh, americans like more than an inch because like you have got a like you've had an election this year that had a not completely shit outcome like we would <laughs> fucking kill for that like i'm not giving you i'm not giving you like uh more than a little bit of leeway so um yeah, yeah I, I wish it could I, mean, be I, I wouldn't bomb a rat for it like but you know i would <laughs> i would kill for it yeah no 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 absolutely not um so i wish it could be christmas every day by wizard <laughs> I, I have ah, right. now, now we're talking proper music. <laughs> yeah, this, is, this is for the proper heads. This I, is um, proper music. Tag team big in the nineties. I think you'll really like um, a little tag team known as um, Leatherface and Jason the Terrible from oh, FNW. Yeah. <laughs> this would happen on like. Um, British shows, wouldn't it? Like they would get Jason the Terrible boo be at Christmas and they'd just give him wizards as his as his theme. Didn't did, wasn't there a match? Didn't you go the the, the Tokyo Championship Wrestling uh, show you went to uh, last year? Wasn't Leatherface on that card? I don't know if it's the original one. I assume it isn't. No, it wasn't. But the best thing was is guess what his theme tune was? Oh God! It was a theme tune from Halloween. I would would go for the uh, cover of Message in a Bottle by the police by the uh, Northeast based punk band Leatherface, which is uh, extremely good. That's the greatest band to ever come out of Sunderland, by the way. Fucking Fucking is. Incredible. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I. 
As I say, David, they are the greatest band to come out. Yeah. If, if nobody's heard the 1990 Leatherface masterpiece, Mush, then go and listen to it immediately because it is an um, incredible record. I, I wish you'll listen to anything, so you might as well. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it could be Christmas every day. I mean, I know a man who literally does wish it could be Christmas every day and acts as though it is Christmas every day. And uh, that is um, uh, All Japan Triple Crown Challenger extraordinaire Mick Foley. So, um... <laughs> yes that's true i uh, well, uh also ultramantis black of course um yeah, but yeah, yeah. i will i for this one we're still doing roy wood and wizard aren't we oh yes. god yeah right yeah 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 uh, stan hansen with the bell and just braiding people <laughs> it's great oh slade but you know what i mean you know how um uh you know all japan would you know the holy demon army's theme was just eight bars of Tao's theme and then eight bars of kawadas and then just alternating <laughs> imagine that but with wizard and slade <laughs> Incredible. It's not just radio in December. Oh, yeah. uh, it, it really is. By the way, solidarity to anyone doing Whamageddon. We are with you in spirit. Yeah, yeah. I, I will. I... I will say this though. Uh, me and me and Chels watched um, uh, an episode of Benidorm the other night, and it was a Christmas. <laughs> it was a Christmas special, and Roy Woods was on. Uh, <laughs> came, me was he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He came on and he sung the whole thing. Uh, and, uh, uh, Choking uh, up uh, the rays, getting a free yeah, yeah, yeah. day random you know, to Benidorm. Yeah, these days he looks like. Do you remember Doctor Denzel Dexter from the Fast Show? <laughs> Took four tubes. Uh, him. Do you remember him? Uh, he looks like him these days. Uh, I mean, do you have uh, fair play? There's a lot of uh, glam rock icons who have uh, not aged particularly well. So um, you know, I will uh, applaud. Oh, no, he, he was looking well. Was Roy Wood on Benidorm? He was looking well. Just, there's nothing to be said for aging gracefully. So, um, uh, speaking of aging gracefully, we've got um, uh, Mr. Shane McGowan is uh, involved in our uh, uh, final song, which is, of course, uh, "Fairy Tale of New York" by the the Pogues and Kirsty McColl. So, um, so I, I I think like uh, we are part of the British media in a sense. So um, I think we I think this it is, is and this is why I think immigrants should be shot at by the navy. <laughs> So I think yeah. because we've mentioned Fairy Tale of New York, it is uh, incumbent upon us to kick off, uh, let's say, about six to eight weeks of discourse about whether it is uh, permissible to oh. say a slur against queer people in a song. I will say um, they nailed it when they just said you you um, you scumbag, you maggot, you taped over Taggart. It's done. That's <laughs> done. Yeah. It's yeah. really fucking fun, as as you said on Facebook, Daniel. It's really fucking funny to see There's loads a... of absolute gammons who are taking up arms on what they believe are the implied values of the Pogues. Um, yeah, and like, you know, loads of people who would uh, profess themselves to hate Jeremy Corbyn as a terrorist sympathizer. Meanwhile, they're speaking up on behalf of what they think the opinions are of Shane McGowan, a man who said he would have joined the IRA if he'd had the guts. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, um, very tender. Yeah, um, fair, fairy tale of New York. I would um, let's go for like a uh, let's go for a mixed tag team. I would say like I would think um, uh, just uh, taking part of uh, uh, Tokyo Joshi um, and DDT family. Uh, I would say and and I think it was Ultimate Party last year. They tagged against um, uh, Kenny Omega and Riho. So and that would be uh, Miyu Yamashita and uh, Antonio Honda. Because I, I think they were a, a good combination that complemented each other very well. And just like Shane McGowan, Antonio Honda has uh, tweeted some extremely questionable things. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> um, I, I have my answer for this. All right, go on. Um, 
attack a bone on me a hammer, clearly. I've said <laughs> it for every right. question. Which one of and, them is Shane McGowan and which one of them is Kirsty McCall? Now then. <laughs> Yeah, um, I would say Akabono would be Shane McGowan and Ryota Hammer would be Kirsty McCall. I, I I really want to see Akabono's take on the sick bed of Kukulin. Because <laughs> <laughs> they've got other songs, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yes, indeed they do. Yes, indeed they do. They really do. Uh, given that this is a, a song about, um, uh, you know, uh, star-crossed but unfortunate um, uh, lovers who for various different reasons, can't look after themselves, and that means they can't look after each other. And it's an age-old story of star-crossed love, uh, not unlike Romeo and Juliet, with a kind of a, a grubbier, more social realist sheen. I therefore had to pick the ultimate uh, couple that represent everything about romance, about, uh, about uh, you know, um, uh, uh, sort of like a, a, a longing, uh, uh, you know, the, the erotic side of the relationship. It's uh, Manamé Teotra and Dave Meltzer. <laughs> I genuinely thought you were going to say Akebono and Ryotahama. So I've chosen the greatest romance of them all, the most, uh, uh, you know, the, the most uh, Diana and uh, Charles-esque romance in pro wrestling I, I, history. I, I, was, I was going to say uh, Hokuto and Sasaki, but uh, uh, Big Kensuke deserves uh, certainly uh, more uh, strenuous lockup than the drunk tank, let me tell you. <laughs> That's true. I've just thought it might have been funnier if I'd suggested just Dave Meltzer and five stars at the Tokyo Dome, but I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> if, uh, the uh, abstract yeah. concept. That's a bit, yeah, a bit more. Five, five stars is a bit fucking conservative for some of the ratings he's been uh, uh, doling out for uh, various uh, Boucherode wank in, uh, in yes. recent years. <laughs> so, uh, well, okay, that about does it for the uh, Christmas special. This was, uh, um, I, I feel like I apologise for the Christmas special every year. This was uh, uh, unlistenable even by uh, our standards, <laughs> but I hope you enjoy it. We will put, uh, I was going to say, we will put timestamps in the thing. I mean, if you've listened this far, you clearly haven't bothered with the fucking timestamps. So, uh, good if, job if, for if, making if, it if you uh, through this. this. Far, I'm so sorry you spent Christmas alone. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of, I, I, know, I know we've kind of uh, pissed about, but like, if you've spent any part of your Christmas break, like with our content, not not even like this episode, but just some of the stuff we've put out, like genuinely thank you so much because like we <laughs> George has had a few mojitos and he's like, sort of, more serious. No, no, I, 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 I mean, I mean it though, because like, um, you know, we we do this podcast for um. Honestly, just because like we we like giving our takes on stuff, but also like there are there are people out there who genuinely enjoy what we have to say, and we 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 like to sort of um, talk about stuff that we're passionate about. It's it's like we um, again we've mentioned wrestle joy beforehand. There's a difference between um, being unerringly positive and look, we do stuff mostly that we're we like, and th- that that shouldn't be a bad thing. You know what I mean? like so like we, we we just try and have a laugh with wrestling we don't shy away from the bad stuff as you've like uh heard earlier in this episode but like you know we we talk about stuff that we're passionate about and we're we're genuinely really happy that uh people are uh, engaging with it whether it's uh the main line podcast or um big a podcasting universe which there will be more of in the new year we can promise you that because uh david has a new laptop now and everything is uh ship shape so um like yeah if, if you've if you've chosen to spend any part of your christmas break with us like genuinely thank you so much just have a great time like don't infect anyone with covid and uh yeah and, enjoy the time in whatever way you spend it because like all this stuff about the true meaning of christmas is absolute fucking horseshit like the true meaning of christmas is whatever you want it to be so you just go nuts if you're if you're uh you know if you're if you don't took off on zoom but other than that just uh just enjoy <laughs> christmas in the way that you like and like yeah. like god bless you seriously chuck 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 god bless you god bless robin hood <laughs>
Yeah, go man, go mental. Chuck the roses in with the quality street. Have a route around. Eh? That's just playing God, Daniel. Yeah, as, as long God. as you don't put the wrappers back in there, which I do sometimes. I must, I must say, when I, when I've got my own chocolates in front of me, uh, you know. Um, but yeah. That's a, have uh, have a very merry Christmas. I'm, I'm afraid that is stem cell research to me, and I will not countenance it. Oh. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Generally, like uh, Merry Christmas from all of us at the Pura Pura Podcast. As far as what we're doing in the new year, um, uh, all of us will be much more sober than this. When uh, um, I don't know why I'm bringing you two into it. I'm the only one. I, I'm with, so uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, but, uh, I am a starter, like depressingly sober because I've not <laughs> been to the pub in like fucking nine months. Oh, and... stop it! <laughs> oh man. Yeah. But, but just, just like I, I, as your, your acid reflux stop you from getting big into Scotch eggs because they do count as a substantial meal, David. <laughs> That's true. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. So what, as for what we've got going in the new year, we've uh, we're going to continue on with the uh, Big Egg Podcasting Universe. So we will get towards the uh, all the stuff at the top of the card, the V Top tournament, and so forth. Um, but uh, we had a little bit of a conversation last week, and we realised shit. We finished Match Microscope. Um, uh, you know, our second go around the houses with that. We're in need of a new uh, a new angle, a new storyline, a new um, a new telos to uh, to. Uh, sort of focus on for the next few episodes so we've decided and this is something we've been talking about literally since the start of the podcast we are really pumped to do this we are going to talk about um wrestlers from the former soviet union in japan <laughs> like we are talking mikhail Ilyukin, uh andrei kopilov all your favorites <laughs> and they'll all be signing autographs <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah we're going to talk about um uh, Russian wrestlers in uh, New Japan in the late 80s at the famous Dome show in uh, 1989, which was the first wrestling show to ever take place at the Tokyo Dome. And then what those performers started doing in UWFI and rings and uh, and things like that. And uh, and then we're going to have a final episode on what Russian wrestlers are doing in Peru nowadays, because like uh, they're still about. Yes, we will be talking about Vladimir Kozlov versus Jerome Labano in uh, IGF. I, I cannot tell you how pumped I am to talk about that. Oh my god! So the, yeah, this is what I call the Kalashnikov era, and it's full of Russian shooters. So um, we are yeah, that that's going to be uh, from uh, episode twenty four and uh, however many episodes in the future we feel like doing it really. So uh, that's going to be the main thing. So is that and Big Egg Podcasting Universe, um, and we really hope you have a happy and healthy twenty twenty one. Get juiced to the gills on the Pfizer vaccine, and uh, like we will, yeah, you know, we will get through this together, lads. Like it, it's it's been tough, but um, we've been there for you. You've been there for us, and uh, yeah, thank you very much. So, as uh, do you want to do plugs? I I've got plugs. I would just like to put a preface this by saying I'm a massive fucking idiot, right? And um, <laughs> I mean, we know that, but what's your plug? <laughs> well, yeah. Um, so I, I, as you mentioned before, I do a party festival podcast called Drawlers or Draw. Um, they have been unbelievable in the lockdown. They've donated ninety thousand meals to vulnerable people. Um, Ryan Williamson phoned up asking if um, you know my granny needed messages. Um, the players all gave away their, you know, you know how like put um, in football when they get fines at training and stuff, they put it in a kitty for the Christmas party. That's mm. that's a thing, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and um, well, they gave all their kitty money to a sick children's hospital and bought them all toys for Christmas. Oh, that's, that's, that's good. That's what, <laughs> like, like, that's what we like to see from football clubs. Well, exactly, yeah. and it's like, yeah, they are chronically shit as a, as an actual on the pitch football club, right? 
but <laughs> it's been like over the last nine months they've done stuff that made me really proud to be a fan of theirs but i have taken on the foolish task of doing a series entitled the 12 days of alan archibald after the famous song uh, we are doing 12 matches from alan archibald's managerial reign including the time we beat morton at Farhill, and they had to delay the kickoff because there were so many people there at uh, the time the game fought game got abandoned at cowden beef because of fog and it won us a championship um all mad stuff, Lyle Taylor scoring against Hearts to keep us safe, all that. Um, and yeah, we're doing that. And um, I've decided to edit 12 episodes because apparently I've got fucking nothing else to do and this. Um, so I'm going to be spending the rest of my time not playing Tour de France 2017, but, uh, but editing podcasts, including this and the other ones. Uh, you can get us on Spotify and iTunes, draw us a draw, and uh, fastbook.mancamp.com for my tunes. Yeah, you texted me about this, uh, talking about SWOS, meaning Sensible World of Soccer, and I got really confused and thought you meant the Temu promotion. Yeah. So, um, okay, uh, Daniel, what have you got to uh, plug for us? Uh, yeah, um, uh, just the usual. Um, you can get me on Twitter at Twilight Fur. You can read my writing at twilightfurnitures.com and various other places. By the time this is out, might have another article out in New Socialist. Um uh, you can get my music at handlimlament.bandcamp.com uh, and every two weeks I am on the Neon Hospice at different times across the weekend uh, playing two hours of uh, weird and unusual music. Uh, so, yeah, um, that's about it for now, I think, from me. I mean, I, do, do read New Socialist in general, by the way, because like it's a uh, it's a great publication. Uh, you know, th- there's really not a lot of left media in this country. Um, no, yeah, please uh, do. Like, do support uh, by there's a patron i think it's a patron or um a, yeah. uh, a crowdfund that you'll be able to find on the website and on the the twitter um, as well so yeah, yeah. They, they published some really good stuff and some really like rich analysis of the uh you know frankly quite worrying political trends that are happening in this country <laughs> at the moment uh, and they and they com- they commission uh conway daniel to uh to write for them so uh you know they've clearly got that going for them so yeah yeah do do pick up a uh I say pick up a copy of that. It's online, but never mind. Uh, go go to their website, donate to them. Like it's it's a good cause, seriously. Um, so as far as plugs uh, to go, I have got uh, a novel called The Rise and Fall of Vicodozan. You can uh, buy it for the Kindle for the low low price of two pounds forty nine, and uh, a physical copy for fourteen pounds ninety nine. Um, it's uh, very nicely printed. Um, I should get to you quite quick. Um, uh, when you order it, I, I think less than a week printed on demand in poland and uh, shipped worldwide uh, do look at the country you're in because uh, if you're outside a select number of like a dozen countries you will pay an absolute fuck term for postage um but uh you know it will be worth it it's a it's a good book people have enjoyed it so uh ricky dozan was the big uh, japanese wrestling star in the 50s and 60s um you know the the business in the country was built around him after the second world war people really liked seeing the uh, the big japanese guy uh beating the even bigger american guys you can kind of see how that struck a chord with the public in uh, you know the immediate aftermath of the defeat of the Second World War. And uh, so basically the novel gets into um, who Rick Ozan was and the sort of uh, murky dealings he was involved in. And uh, it, sort, it sort of traces the story of Japanese wrestling in that era through the eyes of a you know somewhat naive protagonist. Um, if you don't know shit about uh, Japanese wrestling in the 50s and 60s or Japanese wrestling at all, although I would question what you're doing listening to this podcast, then uh, like you don't need that existing knowledge people who know shit all about wrestling have read it and enjoyed it because i deliberately wrote it so that they could uh so yeah uh, do go and uh, do go and buy that if you uh, feel so inclined you can follow us at puro podcast on twitter 
and you can find us on soundcloud itunes and stitcher at the puro puri podcast uh, please do leave us a uh, five-star review we would like to get the average up considering uh, we've got one one-star review which i assume for, was from a raging rangers supporter uh, which is uh, bringing down the average so any nice reviews you can give us will certainly bring that up you can find also some of our musings on i maintain the double foot stump is silly.com that's i maintain the double foot stump is silly.com where you can find uh, numerous articles about various aspects of wrestling uh, i published one this year about why nxt um used to be good and now is shit though actually i think it's got uh, much better again but um this was uh, of its time in the middle of the year it was, certainly was cack you can look at why i thought that david and i did some uh, reviews of robot wars on bbc2 in the style of pro wrestling those are really fun uh, our friends pat and sarah have uh, done some really great stuff for the for the website they're great thinkers on wrestling uh, the aforementioned luke at oysters earrings has also uh, done some stuff again subscribe to his Substack; it's really fucking good and um yeah, I think that's about it for uh, plugs. So um, honestly, like if you listen to this before, after Christmas, even on Christmas Day, someone did do that once. And like, God bless you for doing that. Um, you know, have a good time. Stay safe. Wear a mask. And um, yeah, uh, thank you very much. Merry Christmas. Such as it is. The moon is right. The moon is right. The moon is right, 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 oh the moon is right. Oh, Daniel, have we told you that uh, me and George are going on a, a, a trip? Do you know where we're going? Uh, no, I don't think so. We're going to the Fair Islands. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, you're, very, you're very welcome to come along if you would like. Wait, what, when are you going to the Fair Islands? Uh, next yeah. October. Yeah, 11th, oh, cool. Oh, I might be in Vietnam then. Okay, okay well, that, that's a pretty deep, pretty decent. Uh, I'm not sure though. I'm not sure that if yeah. I'm not, I'll definitely come. It'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, so Scotland got Scotland got drawn away against uh, the Faroe Islands and Moldova. Now, David's oh, at yes. a wedding the day of the Moldova game. I looked it up. It is actually uh, cheaper to get to Moldova than it is to the Faroe Islands. But oh, like, right. the idea is we're going to go for three nights, and we're just gonna. Oh. That would be really beautiful. Oh, yeah, it is. Like, we're just going to watch the game one night and then just... Oh, that'd be I don't great. know what the fuck there is to do there, but I'm sure... Even if it's okay. just like, I don't know, go just to going on... Go, to yeah, Port yeah. go on some walks oh, no. over the... Wait, I might be back in the... I might be back October. When does... Oh. My brain's a bit mushed, mushed. When does the term start again? No, term starts in September, so I'll be back by October. Yeah. So I, 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 I'd actually be put up for that. It would be really yeah, funny if the, if the first time ever all three of us were in the same place together was in the fucking Faroe Islands. That would be amazing. That would be so good. That would be such a good story. The, I, I looked it up and there is, um, I, I think the direct flight to Edinburgh has, has disappeared, uh, from Edinburgh has disappeared for some reason. I think they've maybe taken it off. Like, I don't think it's sold out. I think they've genuinely uh, just... I, I, it, yeah. There is one, one island, there is one airport in the Faroe Islands. It is uh, 17 miles from the capital on a different island. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, you, know, so, the, you, know, the, you know who spends a lot of time in the Faroe Islands, David? Yeah, who? Um, um, well, I, I, I think our mutual friend, I don't know if you know him particularly well, but 
our mutual friend, who's also a mutual friend of Jackson's, uh, the uh, the head of programming at London's Cafe Otto and Fielding. former Glaswegian DIY promoter Fielding Hope. Um, hey, I, I, well, I, I have um, I have a friend who, whenever he works in the rigs, and whenever he's not in the rigs, he just goes hiking in the Faroe Islands. That's all he does, and it sounds great. But yeah, I'm I'm, I'm surprised. Oh, is he, is he part of the G Festival? Is that uh, maybe why? No, no, no. The reason that he spends so much time in the Faroe Islands is because his girlfriend is from is Faroese. Oh wow, that's uh, that, that's very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think her parents are like members of the Faroese Parliament or something. <laughs> like, well, I, I assume random. everyone's members of the Faroese something, Parliament. Yeah, yeah, something completely random like it's that. One of these I parliaments that like dates from the time of yeah. the Vikings. Yeah, he, I, I played a gig in London or whatever, and I was just like chatting to Fielden, who was the promoter, and he was just Wasn't like... Wasn't there a, a Faroese keeper who played for your lot a few years ago? Oh, uh, yes, um, there was. Uh, I can't I remember his name, though. I lot as well. Um, it wasn't Isaacson. I think he was actually Swedish. He was Swedish, yeah. Yeah, right. it, was, it was a lad. Didn't, didn't you know it, yeah. a guy, David, who like recently went to the Faroes, Faroes for the Europa League and was like, well, I can't get in the stadium, so I'll just stand on a rock outside and look in, and then it was so foggy he couldn't see any. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, a guy on the on the, the Wednesday night comes for him who is a Ballatown <laughs> fan, and he went over and he's like, I'm gonna go sit in the hill and he can't stop me, and then he just posted a picture of him on the fucking hill and you can see him. Amazing. <laughs> that, that is like a fucking likely lads plotline. It's yeah. very funny. It's so good. 